Welcome to the Pulp MX Show, presented by BTOSports.com. Coming to you to you live from Las Vegas, right outside the Lions Den, with your hosts, Steve Mathis and Tony Berluti. And now strap in and get ready. It's showtime. I just don't like the guy. The guy's just a douchebag. Wah, wah, wah. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday night. It is the Pulp MX Show, presented by BTOsports.com and Fly Racing. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. If you're listening live, we appreciate it. That's right. we got a ton more uh, download um, listeners than we do live listeners, and but we still appreciate the people who listen live because, uh, yeah, it makes, it makes it more exciting, makes it happening. So thank you. Appreciate it. BTOsports.com, Fly Racing, Race Tech Suspension, Vortex Racing, Roost Graphics, X-Brand Goggles, NFAB Jeep and Truck Parts, Hot Cams, Works Connection, Atlas Neck Braces, FMF Racing, W Wheels, Guts Racing, Two Under, Galfer Brakes, KTMPartsExpress.com, and Black Ops Moto all helping us out, and we appreciate those guys. Go on uh, sponsor deals on PulpMXShow.com. There's a lot of codes, discount codes to uh, save on all of these products from our great partners on the show, and uh, so you can save yourself some money just by going on there and checking it out because, look, you probably need something from one of these jerky companies at some point, right? Got it. All right. Uh, again, uh, looking forward to having a great show. You can listen live on the uh, Pulpamex app. You can listen on TuneIn app if you don't want to spend the $1.99 for the Pulp app, but then you will not get the classic sound drops on that are on the Pulp app. So it's up to you. And uh, Amazon banner, as always, go to pulpamex.com. There's an Amazon banner on that. And uh, click on that. Go to Amazon. Make your purchase. We get a small chunk of that purchase, and we appreciate it. it helps keep the uh, show rolling and uh, enables me to uh, bring in great co-hosts each week and pay Devin uh, exorbitant salary as well. So uh, great to... Um, have you guys in. We appreciate it. Justin Brayton of the BCO Sports KTM team on. Kevin Windham, Jeff Hemmig, Sebastian Tortelli. We've got Sean Hilbert from President of the Cobra. And uh, Ryan Hughes all coming in. We've got a, kind, of a, kind of a theme show here a little bit. We don't want to bring you guys all down, but there's been some down stuff happening. And we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little bit about Detroit uh, also. Um, although, let's face it, um, not that much is going on right now in the uh, in the Supercross series uh, when it comes to um, the series itself. But uh, we'll talk a little bit Detroit with uh, with everybody. We got the X brand goggle tear offs, race tech suspension emails. We have the uh, BTO Sports Gabba Gibbs Gabba Gibbs Gabba Gibbs segment, and uh, we have uh, also the NFAB question of the day. So. Hey, uh, in studio with me, uh, he's back for, uh, he was in a couple weeks ago, it's always good to have him. One of the best mechanics to ever spin a T-handle, uh, the great Tony Berluti. Steve, how are you? Devin, what's, what's, what's up, Berlute? Doing good. Thanks for coming in again. My pleasure. Yeah, I you love know it. I enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's good to have you here, for you sure. you got great fans. I love being part of it. Yeah, it's, uh, <sighs> good coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good to have you, man, and uh, even though you're not Thank with you. the, not, not on the circuit this year right now, it's still, uh, still great. You're still watching the race. You're still talking to a lot of people. It's great to have you in here. Absolutely. And uh, we got a few tech questions, too, we'll throw to. Oh, okay. You know, people were kind of upset at you Uh-oh. saying that uh, uh, the carburetor technical question from a couple weeks ago where you said, hey, change the gasket in between the carb body. You know? Why were they upset with me? Because they don't know what they're talking no, about. No, they're saying people said that the, those carbs have a, have a tendency to gum up in the pilot jet if you, they sit for a while, which Always. they do. Always, but yeah. You, we assume that people would check that and 
pull the carburetor apart and look right. at that. Right. The problem is, is we're assuming. <laughs> well, here's the deal. When when they tell me the year of it, right? I because I, I do work on quite a bit of you know different yeah, bikes, carburetors. Yeah. They get to a certain age and year that it's more that. That, that internal that internal gasket. Yeah. Um, awesome. And uh, so, no, it's, it's funny that way, though. People, like, I guess people want us to step-by-step step walk through. Okay, pull the bowl off. Oh, wow. Okay, now. You guys are crazy. Pull the pilot there. jet out. Now, huh. pull the main jet. You know, it's just one of those I things. I guess I assume that they probably already went there, you know. My, my bad. I'm well, that's sorry. just, no, that's just it. Hey, uh, I assume that you're going to go and get your KTM parts accessories from KTMPartsExpress.com. Pulpamex 15 code saves you 15% off. They've been in business for 35 years, and uh, you can get a full selection of genuine KTM parts as well as the KTM Power Parts and Power Wars accessories. They're the number one online source for genuine KTM parts and accessories, and we appreciate those guys coming on board with us. Uh, so far, it's been working good. You guys have been using the code, which is, uh, which is awesome to see. Um, you guys have been using a lot of code um so that's awesome all right hey um so we're going to uh, talk about some detroit first and with that let's bring in uh, our regular co-host uh on the phone that is uh the jason thomas jt what's up what's going on can you even keep the fly sector boot in stock is it even possible uh we can't at the moment but we ordered a lot so <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah no we're, we're supposed to you're the hype man you're supposed to say they're gone they're gone yeah, but then nobody will order them because they know they can't get them. Uh, yeah. All right. That's why you're in the retail business. Uh, Fly Sector Boot it represents Fly Racing's entry in the premium off-road boot segment. 439 bucks retail, black, white. Uh, it's got the torsion control system for your ankle. It's got a slip-on booty, so it's one of the booty boots in there. And a positive latch of the boot and buckle, strap system. Entenap's running it right now, and uh, we're pleased and proud to have JT on the show. So anyways, uh, now that we got that done, flyracing.com, by the way. Um, JT, how's the fly, fly gear best out there, bro? How's the fly racing mountain bike line coming along? Good. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, you know, it's new, new for the uh, for the market, so it's always a growing process. But mm-hmm. um, the products, are, the products are there. Just yeah. need to grow brand awareness, and it's obviously you know the when you get into other markets, I think other a few other companies have learned this. When you branch out into other sectors, mm-hmm. um, it's it takes time. Sector. You can't just jump in there and think you're going to have the same success you have in the moto industry because no one really knows who you are. Sector. Start out with, I like so. that. You just dropped, just dropped there, and then we just talked about the sector boot. Very. Yeah, that was it's all great. part of a Very master creative. plan here, Steve. How many times can you get the word sector in, and then people think sector on their mind, and then they want to buy the sector boot? Um, hey, uh, Steve, do you feel a kinship with Tony right now since neither of you are on the tour anymore? <laughs> oh, neither. What, he's, you're going to get off one week? Uh, no, dude. we get another one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You were there this week. Home again? No, I didn't go to Detroit. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, okay. I'm not going to St. Louis either. My, I know you said next week. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Home life, bro. Crushing it. Um, uh, no, JT, I'm, I'm, I'm good. We're all good. We're Brilliant and I are are happy ex mechanics sitting back. You guys are happy living the now, or what? Yeah, we're sitting back judging everybody. F you, dude. Hey, um, uh, hey, also too talking about the fly mountain bike stuff, Sean Palmer. You guys got Sean Palmer running fly. We do. We do. I don't really know much about that. You know, they have their own <laughs> marketing plan and right. ideas. And So when you saw the Instagram, you're like, oh, Sean Palmer. <laughs> well, no, because he was at the office. So I obviously, you know, oh, yeah. was up and, and whatever. But right. as far as, you know, their their strategy, I don't really know what they have going on. I know they did a photo shoot last week with him and all kinds of stuff like that. But Berlue, you they any- really get to kind of do their own deal and we do our own deal and 
everybody plays, you know. We're all we're all working towards the same goal, but Berlut, you have any Sean division. Palmer stories? You ever meet him or Oh no, I I used to uh my brother used to race with him. He's he's from northern yeah, Nevada, yeah. you know. Um, it seems like a lot of people have Sean Palmer stories, so you know what, I don't have nothing real crazy. I mean okay. the guy's he's a colorful guy all the way around. I, yeah. he's a great guy. When I run into him I enjoy hanging out with him. He's yeah. a funny guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. How uh, about how about you with mountain bikes? So you were home last week, so did you go riding with Justin? Yeah, I did. I heard about yeah, that. Yeah, I did. Did you have your uh, fly gear on? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well. Um, uh, we went out to uh, Cottonwood, JR and I. How do you know that? Uh, you know, I just... You keep, you're following me on Strava, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm following you on Strava. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly I get it. My, I got my ear to the pavement. Yeah, a nice yeah. little uh, Friday ride. I might, nice. might, might go tomorrow, too. Might try to go tomorrow. We found a nice loop, so... Um, I wasn't putting that together. I thought, how are you going to ride with Steve if he's out? But now I see yeah. you had the week off. Oh, you ran into JR. That's Oh, yeah. shit. There we go. Um, Detroit. Uh, all right, let's talk Detroit. Um, Geico Honda sweep after three weeks of Red Bull KTM sweeps. Yeah. Um, Tomac rode great. Cotton pass Dunge. Um, JT, did it look like, I mean, looking at the lap times from the race, obviously – Tomax was going a little bit faster. Do you think Dunge was faster? Do you think Dunge was let this? I don't think it was that he was not comfortable. I just think that right now, when Tomac and I think the same could be said for Trey, when uh, you know things when they're on, mm-hmm. they can go faster than Dungey can. Oh with no, the, no, no, with no, the start. no, no! I heard about it all this week when I wrote that in my column that they can, they can, they can straight up, they can beat Dunge. I, wrote, I, I heard all about this from all his people. Not possible. Can't do it. Okay, well, yep. that's, uh, you know, we work in this sport for a reason, I guess, and they don't. <laughs> Got to get a start, though. I, oh, yeah, and, 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 you know, in the that's previous it. in the previous you weeks, Kennard, Chad, and, and Eli have been just saying that, Ryan, here you go. They're crashing, they're getting bad yeah, starts, absolutely. whatever, here you yeah, go. Yeah. And Dunge is like, all right, cool, I'll take it. Now, as Detroit's shown, what I wrote was correct. Those guys, if they get the start... They may get beat, but they can also, I would say, very easily also beat Ryan Dungey, and we saw it this weekend. Absolutely. So. Not taking anything away from well, of Ryan not. at all. Yeah. Not at all. Because the start is part of it, right? Those I mean. guys are fast. <laughs> well, there, there's, there's also something to be said for racing at 98% versus 100%. Mm-hmm. Because you really don't see Dungey make the mistakes that you see from Eli yeah. or Trey. You know? and yeah. I think there's a reason for that sometimes. You know, Dungey just he's able to back it down a little bit and still be at a super high level where mm-hmm. those guys, yeah, sure. If the, everything is perfect, you know, Dungy probably won't beat him. but on a 17 race schedule, Dungy's method seems to be mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, a little bit wiser. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, a, a, a bar of, of what they're doing, maybe Dungy's at 80% or 90% and those guys are at a hundred and that's what's making them. Mistakes, no, I, you know? I think Dungy could push harder. Mm-hmm. He could take chances. It's not like he's, incapable of going faster i just think he knows that that's a dangerous game to play you know at yeah. some point when you push the edge like that it's going to bite you and we've seen it from eli time and time again where he's willing to push the edge he just doesn't care but it you know it's bit him too so mm-hmm. he hasn't won a race in 10 rounds yeah you know? so yeah. um and that's not by happenstance no no doubt about it and uh Seeley got third another podium for cole Seeley. awesome Berlue, do you think he can win a race this year i do i mean he, he's a good starter I do. I've been asking my. I've been asking people and friends. Yeah. I go, is, yeah. is he really going to win a race this year? I think he can, man. I, he can. I think so. I mean, now, and we'll talk about Canard in a second. Canard's out for the year now. You know, there's another guy that yep. capable of beating him. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sealy win another race. Yeah. Win a race. I mean, I don't know. 
Maybe not. No, what do you I think, think, what do you think JT? Question. Oh, I would certainly think so. You know, Eli has shown a propensity for bad starts and just not always putting himself in a position to win. Uh, as this thing starts to wind down, I think Dungy will be more and more willing to allow that to happen, uh, just like he kind of did this weekend with Tomac. You know, he put up a fight, don't get me wrong, yeah, but he's not yeah. willing to make a mistake over it. Yeah. So if Sealy gets a start and he's feeling it, I, you know, the situation is there. Yeah. You know, like you said, one more guy of Trey is, is out. Yeah. You know, a guy that could beat him, you know, I think almost every time in an even situation. So, sure, I, I don't think it's beyond the, the realm of possibility at all. 702-586-PULP. Give us a call. We've got Justin Brayton coming up shortly here, but uh, Tony Baluti and uh, Jason Thomas uh, on the line. Jason Thomas brought to you by Fly Racing. Oh, by the way, I didn't bring in our, our producer of the show. Uh, my bad. Uh, he is the uh, producer behind the show, taking your calls, handling everything. He is uh, Devin Gibbs. What's up? What's up, Gibbs? I don't know. Just left out a little bit. You feel <laughs> left out. <laughs> well, you're back in. Perfect. How's those fly boots coming along? I don't know. How are they coming along? I know riding season's over summer. Mm-hmm. They so. still have some in stock. Yeah, Apparently. they got a lot in stock. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You did a poll I this week. You did a little poll this week on Twitter. Yeah, I would say the the the, the, the for you getting those fly, fly sector boots to me, uh, uh, the people that I asked on Twitter, it was really half and half between free and 10% over retail. I felt like it I, was. I counted. There, there was, was more no, free. There was no no middle ground. I don't feel like our listeners say very no. harsh, and then there's some very nice people on there. It was there. either free or fifty one fifty. Right, right, exactly. I don't know which one to go for. Uh, give us a call, people, if you want to talk about a little bit about Detroit. And uh, Gibbs will be coming back on with his Gabba Gibbs segment. He's going pouring through the questions right now. So let's talk about the Canard and Weimer thing. Man, uh, real bummer. Uh, I just I. You know, someone tweeted me, "Why is Kennard? When is Kennard going to stop landing on people?" That that had nothing to do with Trey Kennard. I mean, it was just that's a racing incident. And again, we're going to have Kevin Windham, Jeff Emig on later, uh, Ryan Hughes uh, to talk about the kind of safety and what we're going to do. And we're going to have a little bit of discussion on the show here about different things like that. And one of I think that you know we had a recent death with Tyler Heft, uh, Devin Chester, a kid in Florida, died at Sunshine Raceway maybe like two months ago. Chris Blankenship, of course, uh, Kevin Windham's good buddy, uh, perished also. And, and um, so we're talking about this kind of stuff. And Canard's crash, Weimer's got a uh, collapsed lung and broken humerus, um, among other things. Renard, or Canard has a uh, broken bottom, bottom arm, right, JT? Did we? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, radius. Radius? I think he okay. has surgery tomorrow, yeah. Um, but what about the crash, Berlou? What did you see? I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on it? Pretty much how you called it. It was complete racing. I mean, people wanted to even blame number 70. 70, to me, was close, but it had nothing no, to do with it I, at all. No, you know? I, did you hear that? Nick Schmidt? People said Nick Schmidt? Yeah, that's well, I, I read it. I, yeah, yeah. When I'm bored, I might read a little bit on... Uh, I didn't hear the Nick Schmidt on... Uh, I didn't hear the Nick Schmidt. right old, and that screwed Weimer. But basically, Weimer, Weimer made a mistake. He did. That's how I see it. And... and, and, and Kennard had nothing he could do. Yeah, um, is that how it was, JT? Uh, that you saw? Yeah, I, I mean, the the most ridiculous thing and unfortunate thing is that people were jumping to the conclusion, like Steve said, people were saying about Trey jumping on people because oh God, I can understand, like you know, Trey's really aggressive, but this this time had nothing to do with Trey. This could have been insert any name into the equation, and that could have been them. This this was not Trey's fault. Uh, I did hear uh, something happen with Weimer's bike there. I don't know exactly what happened, but I did hear he had a cutout or a bog or something happened there. So well, yeah, it, that would make sense because that section wasn't anything 
gnarly, too gnarly. You know, right? And and the way he came up so short, I mean, that wasn't yeah a very common mistake to make in that section. So yeah. I and, tend to until Jake comes out and says anything, if he remembers that at all, that's that's the belief I have. Right. Uh, also, that, you know, um, he had some kind of some kind of misfire there, and then he came up short, and Trey was already committed, and. Um, in that situation, on the first lap in rhythm sections, you have to go. Like it, I, I you know, and people that haven't ridden Supercross, uh, it's hard to translate that. But there's so much trust that has to occur. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any choice. You yeah. just have to trust that the guys around you are very capable and the best riders in the world, and they're going to go through the section like they know how. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have that trust. You have to hit the brakes immediately. I mean, you can't. You can't even race. You know, it, it mm-hmm. might as well not go out there. So, unfortunately, um, when things go bad in the first, you know, first lap, first rhythm section, second rhythm section, it's it's going to turn into things like this. You know, people talk about putting a rhythm section right at the start, and you know, it was a short start, uh, the the width of the stadium, not the length. So everyone was kind of bunched up. Short start, straight, and you go into a rhythm. And I understand, like not putting a rhythm there off the start. Uh, James Stewart tweeted out something something about that uh, on his Twitter account. Um, and I get that. That's a valid point. Except we had whoops after Oakland a few years ago, and no one was happy with that either because that was when Reed bounced off Stewart. So now we can't put whoops, and now we can't put a rhythm. Uh, I, I, well, I this was this wasn't even the first straightaway. I mean, we had gone the start straight. Yeah. Turned the ninety degree left, gone seventy five yards down a straightaway, gone into a one eighty turn, gone over four more jumps before this had happened. You know, so it's not that I really disagreed with Stewart there. It's just that it really it wasn't the first straightaway. It wasn't like everybody barreled out of the first turn and then just piled into each other. Yeah. You know, there was I mean more track than that that they had gone through. I just I, you know, what what point what can't we put in a off the start or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's one of those and, things. And you're right. No matter what you put, unfortunately, after the start, it's gonna be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, when you have twenty two guys that turn and go into obstacles of any kind, mm-hmm. it's gonna be dangerous. Yeah. That's just the nature of the sport at some level. Yeah, it really is. You're right about that. Big blow for the series, though, for Trey. Do you think he'll be back for outdoors? I think, uh, and I, I'm completely speaking out of turn, but I, I would think this type of injury is a six- to eight-week deal, so yep. it's going to put him right at that magic number. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. you think Honda fills in? I, I don't think so. I've got a few questions about so, that. No, I, I they don't, don't have a sponsor, so they probably, you know, why not, well, why not just let it ride out a little bit? Yeah, and they have, uh, you know, they have two guys in, in all reality. And there's only a few races left here, so I, I just don't see mm-hmm. much benefit to it. And uh, uh, Jake Weimer, bummer for him. He already wasn't having a great season or anything, so um, you know, bummer for him. He'll be out for a long time, no doubt, with a humorous. Nothing funny about the humorous bone. Ah, funny, Steve. <laughs> no. Is this? And I, this is a question that I'm I've, I'm hesitant to ask because I don't want to upset Jake or offend anyone. But do you think, in a situation like this, he's just like, yeah, I'm good. I'll, I'm going to walk uh, away. I thought about that. That's funny. Great minds must think alike. Um, yeah, maybe. You know what? Maybe. Um, I, I, you know, Obviously, it's pretty early right now, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't, no, I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't either. And yeah. I hate to say that because that's – I would, if I was Jake, I wouldn't want people asking that about me. And I, I right. do not mean that disrespectfully at all. Yeah. I'm just trying to look down the road, and I know Jake is – I guarantee you, Jake. This cross, this crossed Jake's mind this past off season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So no, he, another, yeah, another yeah. big injury. For sure, it has to be somewhere in his psyche right now. No, I he, he stated he stated many times he was not going to go out there to ride for free. It wasn't worth it. 
Um, you know, he needed a good contract to go out there and riding. Well, now he's hurt. So now, you know, he needs a good contract and may not come because he's hurt. So, you know, the cycle goes on. So we'll see, man. I'm going to try, we're going to try to get him on here. Um, maybe next week or the week after, uh, to touch yeah. base with him and see what happens. Hey, let's, uh, let's move right into our X-Brand goggle tear-off segment. Let's do that. It's the X-Brand tear-off segment. 15-second rapid-fire Q&A. Rapid-fire. X-Brand goggles are the choice of champions everywhere. Uh, like Jessica Patterson, champion, WMX. Like uh, Gary Sutherland, champion, work series. Josh Strang, where's X-Brand? We've got the off-road uh, end of things covered. Uh, Kyle Chisholm, Brock Tickle, Nick Way. You know, lots of people. Uh, X-Brand goggles. Use the code PulpMX15 to save yourself money. EKSBrand.com. The greatest goggle out there. If you don't wear X-Brand, you won't win. All right, let's get into this. Question submitted by Corey Moser. I'm not familiar with that name, but... Um, me neither, but he keeps sending me like right. nude photos. 15 seconds. It's weird. Yeah, 15 <laughs> seconds. All right, Steve. Yep. Which rider this year has best demonstrated how Bogle will do next year moving up to the 450 class? Which rider this year has best demonstrated how what Bogle, Bogle will do? do? Next year uh, I think Jason Anderson, you know, that's a, that's a good comparison. Sealy, you got to remember, Sealy had, geez, I don't know, maybe 10, 450 races under his belt this year. You know, uh, Anderson had none. What do you think, JT? Probably 10, right? Somewhere around there. Two years uh, ago. Yeah, that's probably a fair number. Yeah. And I think that 10 races, that helps Sealy. And that's why we're seeing him maybe race, rise to the top a little bit. And Anderson's had a couple bummer weeks, and he's realizing that it's a grind. Out all, there, so all around, Sealy's more experienced too. Yeah, 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 no, that's true, absolutely. So, yeah, Jason Anderson-ish. Okay, all right. Uh, JT, who do you think will be the first to stop going to the races every weekend? You or Steve? Oh, Steve. Steve's looking for a way out right now. <laughs> really? Says the guy who will not be going to all the nationals. You've already stated you are not going to all of them. Well, that's correct. That's correct. But Supercross, <laughs> oh. super, I think my shelf life in Supercross is longer than yours right now. I will be right now. I will be back, and I'll be back with a vengeance at Houston, like no other. All you catering trucks, watch out! I will be there. <laughs> All right, Baluti. Yes. Who is a rider that is more consistent than Dungey? Currently riding, I think in general. You know, McGrath. <laughs> I mean, are we? Where is it, are we current? Or? I, yeah, we can do whatever. Yeah. I mean, Moser didn't. You know, uh, Dunge reminds me a lot of Jeff Ward. Uh, Wardy never maybe got a lot of the kudos that RJ got, you know. Uh, but when you look at the record book, oh, absolutely, Wardy's Wardy's got more wins than RJ. Uh, same amount of titles, I think seven. Um, and but I feel like Wardy was never like as respected as RJ, one of the greats, when he really is. Absolutely. And I feel like Dunge, when he hangs it all up, we'll look at Dunge and be like, whoa, look at that. I mean, he's he's second all time in outdoor wins, two fifty outdoor wins. You know, 250 slash 450 outdoor wins. So, yeah. All All right. right. Steve, when Weege goes to NASCAR, who Mm. will be your new boss? Mm. Voss? Yeah, Heath Voss. All right, JT. Hold on. Kenny wants to weigh in here. Okay. Who picks these questions? Mosier. Which non-industry person has hit you up the most for free stuff and hookups, JT? Most uh, non-industry person. Um, Probably a Cindy Thomas in Gainesville, Florida. No. Melrose, no. Florida. I don't, that's <laughs> tough because I don't, I don't know of it. Man, it's, 
I don't really know many non-industry people. That's that's what I keep coming back to. <laughs> All you, my friends work in the industry. You're saying you have no real friends. No, I have lots of real friends. They just all happen to do yeah. the same thing we do. You don't know anybody used to throw the ball around to and pretend you're Tim Tebow back in the day? And Yeah, I mean, I, you know, unfortunately, I turned pro when I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. And my career path took a vastly different road than most of my friends did. So, yeah, I just kind of lost touch with a lot of those guys. And it's not like they're not my friends anymore, but we don't. I don't ever see them or anything. And they certainly don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask for things. So. I, have, uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I just don't have an answer for it. I have two friends that uh, have nothing to do with moto that I keep in touch with. Two of my like childhood friends. That's it. It's pretty sad. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, right. this. You know, we live this. It's not like it's just our job. This. You know, and, and I know Steve. You can vouch for this. It's all we talk about. Whether we're at dinner or we're texting each other during the day oh, yeah. or. It's all that goes on. I squeeze in some Raider talk and some Maple Leaf talk. Of course, of course, there's that too. But even the friends that we have, we still, they're moto friends. So it's not like I have this pack of football friends that I, you know, it's all still moto people. Hi, I'm Tim Tebow. (laughs) Tim Tebow's on the line. He wants to talk to you. All right, let's go. I don't know if I needed to pull a tear off that. That was way 15 seconds. All right, right, Berluti, two strokes. Or four strokes. Four strokes. All right. When are you going to pull out? You have a sweet looking RM250 in there. You ever ride it? I rode it a couple weeks ago. It's Did handy. You? Nice. Yeah. Nice. You know what? What year is that thing? It's an 04. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah, it's like new. I am. Um, that's Carmichael bike, right? Is the Carmichael replica? No. Oh, no, you just did it replica. up. Oh, you just did it up like that. No, no, no. It's stock looking. I thought it was one that they sold though. No, they sold the Carmichael. Yeah, repli- they did, but it's. I, oh, it's that's not, not one it. of okay. those. Right. No, no. But um, yeah. No, I, I rode. Uh, did you like it? I've had so much fun on it. I yeah. last time I rode it and I got on the four stroke. I go, this is cheating on the four stroke. <laughs> right, right. And I hadn't ridden that thing in probably five six years. And I jumped oh, on wow. it and I go, wow, this is actually still fun. No, uh, that's that's fun. That's cool. All right, Steve, what shortcomings did Swisscore have trying to fill your flip-flops this weekend? I'm sorry, what was that? I'm looking at my Twitter. Okay. What? Okay, now what? What shortcomings did Swisscore have trying to fill your flip-flops this weekend? Swisscore did a great job. Yeah, he did a great job. Nothing, really. No. Handled goggles, handled the interviews, tweeted, wrote a, wrote a good column on Trey Kennard on uh, pulpamex.com. Did a good job. Yeah, no complaints. All right. Good job, Swizz. Uh, JT. If you yep. could attend or watch a race, or couldn't attend or watch a race, what and who would you... Fuck, I fucked this up. My bad. He's not good with the reading. No, I'm not. Add $10 to the boots. That's fine. But when you throw wood and like come and all in it, it just fucks me up, Moser. Uh, if you couldn't attend or watch a race, what and who would your read to follow the race? <laughs> I swear what? that's how it says. I swear that's how Let this reads. Let me see it. No, I swear that's how this reads. You, you I'm not getting it? up and watching. Yeah, I know, you know, like, it, that's what it says. We don't have to repeat what it says. Who would you follow? If you couldn't go to a race, right, JT, right. and you couldn't watch it on TV. Okay, we got to establish that. Yes. What and who yep. would your read to follow the race? I swear that's uh, what it says. I would follow Steve if he went, which he's shown that he doesn't want to do. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I would follow Racer X. There we go. I would follow. I would follow some other people too. I don't want to think just because I work for him. I would. I would follow. I think Transworld does a pretty good job. They do. Um, yeah. 
They're, yeah, they're, I, I would say Transworld, Racer X, and Steve. I think Steve does a good job when he's there. So the, not uh, Vital. Uh, I don't. I don't. Does Vital have a Twitter? I don't. I don't know. They have a Twitter account. I don't know if they tweet as much. I as, don't really. I don't, follow, I don't follow it. I don't think it's the same as like Racetrack and Transworld do. JT, I'm drinking out of my Finland Starbucks mug right now. The one I got. Uh, nice. That Yanni got. Nice. Does, it, does it taste like failure? <laughs> <laughs> it's the one that Yanni double parked and illegally <laughs> parked while I ran in and got it. <laughs> it's got a reindeer on it, Berlut. It's Finland. Wow. That's what they eat. They, eat, cool. they eat those innocent. You ever had reindeer? reindeer? I've had reindeer. Innocent pure reindeer. Burgers or a steak. Uh, it, was, it was actually sausage. Oh, okay. Yeah, I bet it was. What about right. elk? It was. Elk's good. JT had some Finnish sausage. <laughs> There's no sausage like Finnish. <laughs> oh, that's what they say. <laughs> that is hey, what they say. All right, let's, let's wrap this thing up. Come on. Right, we got Justin question. Brayton coming up. Right, the helicopter Berlin. was from there, right? What helicopter? The helicopter? <laughs> What's his jobs? Was it, from Finland? I don't know what. Um, the guy that used to race here. You're doing the a. The big dude? You're doing the Wiener Finland thing, or helicopter thing. The big dude. <laughs> that he used to race here. Who is it? JT, help me out. <laughs> finished, dude. I, I think you're talking about Juice Land, too. Yeah, is he finished? No, he's, he's, a, Estonian. he's Estonian. Oh, my bad. But he used to take his wiener and do it like a helicopter? I've heard stories of crazy <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> I, wow. haven't, I didn't see it. But yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, very, <laughs> it's a very weird yeah. region. Yeah. All right, Berluti, last question. Which team did you work for that was the most frugal, and who was the most frivolous? Hold on. Berluti worked for two teams in his life. All right, well, which one of those two? Well, the most frugal. <laughs> the most frugal. I mean, literally, Berluti was a mechanic for 28 years and worked for two teams. It would have to be, before RCH, it would have to be the Hart and Huntington team. All right. Is that it? That has been. All right, coming up with Justin Brayton here on the Pulp Mech Show, presented by BTOsports.com and Fly Racing. JT, will the... Well, actually, hey, before we let you go, um, what do you think of Brayton's uh, performance on his return on the BTO Sports KTM thing? Pretty good. I thought it was great. Uh, his heat race, especially, he yeah, you know, no hesitation went. I mean, got the whole shot and and didn't ride like he's been gone, which I always struggled with, you know. And yeah, I think even from him talking to him a little bit, he was a little bit tentative and not a hundred percent, and and wanted to ease into this thing, but mm-hmm. he didn't show that. Um, right. You know, the main event, he he. he Made a few mistakes at the beginning, but then fought back at the end. And yeah. I mean, overall, I thought it was a great kind of stepping stone to get back uh, to where he wants to be by the end of this thing. We look like geniuses because we look like geniuses. The, boot, the boots just went up again, 20, 20 more dollars. That's fine. We look like geniuses because we picked Brayton. We said Brayton would finish around 10th, I think, on our Fantasy Moto Pod. So we look pretty much. Yeah, we're, we sound like assholes because he's probably on hold right now. No, he is. Yeah, he looks like geniuses. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think a tenth on first race back is an asshole prediction. I don't. No, know. I don't either. And and I think he had, uh, you know, I think he had realistic expectations on the weekend too. So yeah, um, yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised at uh, at how it went, especially right. like you know how he looked in the heat race and stuff. All right, thanks, JT. We'll get you back hey, on can here. Can I All get right. him one question? Oh, oh next who, time you maybe. can hit JT. Up? Yeah. All right. Hey, JT on the on Bogle Muskin. Uh, Moose, how are you? Muscan. Muscan. Marvin um, Muscan. I know you You and Steve love him. I know you and Steve love him. That's JT. That's love fault. him, but uh, was Bogle actually faster this week? You know what? For the first time all year, I felt like uh, Bogle was just the better guy in the main event. Gotcha. He was yep. getting that yeah, quad do, over the ta- He was getting that quad over the table, right? And he won his heat race. Yeah, I mean, he really just, he, he's been building up to this. You know, he's been getting better and better and better and better, and 
you know, the main event at Indy wasn't great. He went off the track and crashed and whatever. But I felt like this had been coming. This wasn't just uh, mm-hmm. a one-off race where he's like, oh, I'm just a lot better this weekend than I was. He's been coming back, and he was injured, and he wasn't fit like Michael Rocco kind of diagnosed. So this was, the writing was kind of on the wall for this. Uh, you know, I still think Muscan's right there. It's not like Bogle's the better guy now, but Bogle uh, not you know, now, but kind yeah, of got the start and, and was confident and went away with the thing. 13, I mean, Muscan really had nothing for him. Thirteen points with two rounds left. That's what the deficit is. So yeah, I think I think Muscan's got this thing. You know, yeah. Bogle already kind of made his bed, but yeah. he certainly is uh, certainly turning some heads as far as if he wants to move up next year. Right. All right, thanks, JT. Appreciate it, bud. All right, thanks, JT. All right, coming up next on the show here, uh, leader in design and development of high-performance dirt bike cam shops. Hot Cams is now a proud supporter of the Pulp MX Show. They want to give you a discount, too. Hot Cams wants to help you with extra power and a discount, 30% off. Hot Cams 2015. Hot Cams unleash the power within. Go to hotcamsinc.com. A lot of top privateers in the sport use Hot Cams. A lot of teams use Hot Cams. And in the world of uh, high-performance racing, it's the one to get. So Hot Cams is uh, pleased and proud to present uh, to you on the Pulp Mech Show, BTO Sports KTM, Justin Brayton. JB, what's up, man? Yo, how's it going, guys? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. We, uh, we, had, come on. we had to put you on hold there for a little bit so we could break down your performance, you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, heard the, I heard the tail end of it. Right. Um, hey, uh, were you happy? Tenth place? And you're, you, people forget, you raced two rounds and then you got hurt. It, 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 uh, you haven't had a ton of time with the team and the bike. Yeah, uh, honestly, I, I was. That was that was my realistic goal going in was top ten, mm-hmm. and um, you know, got tenth. Which, hey, it's a top ten, you know. So, <laughs> um, but you know, with with a few guys injured, I, I realized that stuff. But um, hey, I, I was just happy to be there, honestly, and and to start building. And mm-hmm. the past month, not even with my injury, my injuries were healed. I, I should have been back. Um, probably before Daytona, right? but um, I had a bout with the flu and then got rid of that and actually rode for the first time and, and felt pretty good. I was like, man, I actually feel decent. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I, I got an illness called myalgia, which I got from having such a high fever with the flu. So oh, wow. basically was sick for about a month, and, uh, and I rode I rode two days um, last week, and that's all I've ridden. So <laughs> wow. I just... I told Forrest, the team manager, like, I'm just going to book my flights for Detroit, and I'm committed to it no matter yeah. no matter how I feel. So right. we just kind of made up our mind that, hey, I'm going to go race. And um, the unfortunate part was that track was awesome. Like, that was my wheelhouse type of track with some, some pretty big whoops mm-hmm. and Some quads jumps, and yeah, jumps yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, but I was proud of myself that I didn't do those jumps. We We talked about it after the first practice. I'm like, I know I can do them, but just if I was to overshoot one or, or case one and yeah. and then, you know, my shoulder kind of weak and just didn't want to put myself in any position. So just did the basic stuff all night long and, and um, just yeah. did 20 kind of decently solid laps. You got cheers right at the end. What happened? I didn't see it on TV. Um, what, did, he, did you catch um, and pass him or did he make a mistake? Or Yeah, what? yeah. no, I, I caught and passed him. I, I forget where I passed okay. him at. Um, yeah. but, um, well. but, yeah, just – past him and uh yeah I, I wish i could have been a little bit further up there obviously but i think just to get one under my belt and uh going to st louis this week with a little more confidence yeah. have some more time on the bike and 
you know, Chiz is, Chiz is an ex-brand rider. He's and got top ten all year. Yeah. And I was watching that tenth yeah. place, and I was like, yeah, it's good. Good job, Chiz. Tenth place. He actually was riding good. And then yeah. Brayton got him right in the end. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. My yeah, bad. yeah. You're bad, right? Exactly. Um, so yeah, people don't uh, don't understand either. Too when you came into the season, you were nursing a back injury already from a practice crash, right? So it's been a tough, mm-hmm. tough kind of year. It stops and starts here, <laughs> you know, for you. Yeah, it really has a. It's definitely been tough. The week before Anaheim, I uh, I crashed on actually a quad, which I probably shouldn't have been doing. But it's just you know, <laughs> right. I, I was confident, I was feeling good, and and uh, I endowed and um, come to find out, I fractured a vertebrae in my back that I didn't know about. I was I was I knew my back hurt, but I was like, mm-hmm. you know, it's the week before. I'm not going to doctor to get checked out. Anaheim <laughs> won this week, and I'm I'm ready to race. You know, it didn't matter what happened, but right. Um, Come to find out, when I got everything X-rayed and stuff, I had a, a fractured vertebrae, and, and um, yeah, so it's it's been tough, I, you know. Yeah. But hey, that's that's our sport, and uh, got to keep keep digging. And wow. the whole time, I just felt like I'm gonna, you know, there'll be a time when hopefully I'm standing on the podium again, and it's just you got to take it in waves and and uh, be mm-hmm. positive through it all. Yeah, I mean, look at this weekend. We lost Weimer and Kennard for most likely the whole entire Supercross mm-hmm. season, maybe longer in Jake's case. Kenny Roxon leading yeah. everything and uh, looking great. And then, of course, you know, he's out right now. And it this sport, and we're going to have Wyndham on later and, and Emig and, uh, and Rhino to talk about this kind of stuff. But the sport is gnarly. And, and Berluti, you, you're kind of in the corner like there's not a whole lot you can do. It's just gnarly. And we see guys like Justin Brayton and the guys I just mentioned injuries happen well, it happens like, a lot like justin just said it's it's our sport mm-hmm. it's what it is justin didn't you know take up tiddlywinks he didn't take up tennis he didn't take <laughs> right. up you know what i mean so yeah. it is a dangerous sport yeah. that's all i mean yeah. sure you can probably work on safety and i hope they do and i mean i'm i'm all about safety but it's a dangerous sport yeah it always has been yeah always will always be, has you know? been yep. um and so what about the bike now justin how do you feel about the bike and everything i mean obviously when you were out you're watching the races and Andrew Short is pulling whole shot after whole shot, and Ryan Dungey's mm-hmm. winning. Uh, uh, talk about getting a little bit more used to the bike. Yeah, I, I love it. And like you said, sitting back on the couch watching, it, it was awesome to see the bike doing so well, but then I'm chomping at the bit because, you know, there's only four guys on the bike right now, which is myself and Wilson who are hurt, and then Short and Dungey doing so good on it, the 450-wise anyways. Mm-hmm. And, um but it's awesome. I haven't. I honestly haven't changed one thing since I started back riding. Just trying to focus on getting fitness, and the mm-hmm. bike is is seriously so good that you don't really have to have to do much to it. So right, yeah. Um, it. I. I mean, yeah, it, get, it looks good. It handles it, good. It, it, it's yeah. lightweight and you know shorty. Super light. Yeah. yeah. And, and I. I think. I mean. I think Dungey's emergence. This year, uh, you know, obviously Alden Baker has something to do with it, and uh, and no Ryan Villapoto, James Stewart has something to do with it. But I also think that that bike, and he's a known kind of a picky test rider guy. I think that bike has really helped him. And Roger seems to agree with me. They've got that thing's a nice, nice machine. Yeah, yeah. I rode them back to back actually when I first signed with the team, and mm-hmm. the current bike was was really good. I mean, when I first I rode it first, yep. and uh, and I was I was impressed. I was like, man, this thing's pretty good. And I got on the new one, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like, there's just there's certain things about it that I've never actually felt. And I've ridden quite a while, but it sounds weird, but the rear end traction that that bike gets mm-hmm. is unbelievable, and mm-hmm. I've never felt anything like it from even going through the whoops or right, right. off the start or anything. It's just it's 
it's crazy. So, mm-hmm. and then obviously the lightweight and, and, um, it's just a really, really fun bike to ride. Yep. And, uh, I wouldn't say easy bike to race, but it definitely helps, you know, going on, gives you a little more help, I guess, during, during the race. You don't have to yeah. fight it so much. Well, and let's face it, the JGR Yamaha bikes, are, they're terrific bikes. They've proven with great results, but you're literally going from the heaviest bike to the lightest bike. There's probably, I want to say, I would say 10-pound difference between race bikes. Yeah, uh-huh. I forget what they said. I actually didn't know how much the JGR bike weighed, but when I first came to KTM, um, one of the KTM mechanics was at Impound when I got second at Phoenix, and they, mm-hmm. I guess they weighed the bikes, and it was like a ten or yeah. or so pound difference from that bike. At, so right, right from the from the old KTM. So I'm not sure what it would be. <laughs> would it be the now? new one, maybe twelve or right um, pounds. But what about the third gear starts? Uh, how, would it be radical gearing that Shorty runs um, for you to pull that off? Or how do you feel about that? It's uh, something... no. I actually ran. I actually ran that gearing for a little bit. Okay. And I tried it before the season, and it's so difficult. <laughs> I mean, when they showed it on TV last last week, I was like, I hope people try it because. Yeah. Then they'll be getting terrible starts because it's so difficult. Shorty makes it look easy. Yep. And I I tried it for a day and literally, I mean, I looked like a complete goon. I was stalling <laughs> my bike. And, and uh, but it's taken him. I mean, he's worked on that. He said for over a year now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know. It's taken him a long time to to perfect it. And um, but yeah, I'm I'm just traditional third gear. I don't run that that gearing anymore. I'm a yeah one or two teeth different than that. But um, second gear, it just. It would just take a long time to to learn it, and, yeah. and he's perfected it, though, man. He's getting some great starts. <laughs> I know, right? Like, even on a short start straight, like this weekend, still pulled it. Yeah. You know, like, I know. I just, I guess, just not shifting and, you know, doing it the way he does it. It's funny, though, um, mm-hmm. uh, he's been doing it for over a year, like, like we talked about, and all of a sudden, yep. I feel like in the media, this is now a new thing, and we've been talking about it for a while. You know what I mean? And now, I, someone, mm-hmm. someone discovered Shorty starts with third gear, like a few weeks ago, and now it's like the newest thing. I think so, even Andrew's yeah. tired of getting Andrew's tired of getting asked about it. So the bit. final gearing mm-hmm. is that change? Is it, it's not the counter sprocket? It's just the it's it's the rear only, Justin. Yeah, j- yeah, just mm-hmm. the rear only. Yeah. He runs a uh, fifty-three, and I think me and Dungey run a uh, fifty-two. So it's really not that much different. Yeah. I ran a fifty-three at the first couple races, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I mean he's just he's just yeah. really really got it down. So uh, does qualifying out of the heat? this weekend in detroit is that good or bad it's good i'm thinking because you haven't been riding a lot and you need sort of rest but it's bad because you need nothing more than track time which which was it good or bad yeah no i I definitely think it was good okay for pretty much one reason and that's because my shoulder it's still pretty weak Mm -hmm. and jumping up into the stands like we were doing killed it every lap if it wasn't for that i would have been totally fine but like lap eight in the main event, I I stopped doing it. You know, we we're going triple up yeah. into the yeah. up the hill, and every lap. I mean, you probably noticed like even everybody's bike bang, you'd hit, and the front end would bounce up, and the next yeah. lap something different would happen, and it just really took a toll on my my shoulder. So I was I was happy to get out of the heat, and um and just confidence wise, I mean, right, I'd just right back in the mix, you know. And, yeah, yeah, that's true, right? Yeah, that's what I I wanted to do, and I, you know that's that's the goal. But like you said, there's it would have been nice to get a little extra track time. Right. Too. That's what I'm thinking. Hot Cam's bringing you Justin Brayton mm-hmm. from the BTO uh, Sports uh, KTM team, hotcamsinc.com. Use the code HOTCAMS2015 to get 30% off. We thank uh, Hot Cam's for coming on, and they're pumped to bring you um, the Justin Brayton, who, by the way, uses W Wheels on his team, W Wheels, official wheels of the BTO Sports KTM team. So, you know. Um, Mathis, you weren't, you weren't there this weekend, huh? No. 
No. No. You know, Detroit. Yeah, we, uh, we did... were talking about you though. R. Oh. Kelly came to the race with me, and he was uh, he was actually bragging about you how fast you were in Switzerland on those on those mini bikes. <laughs> yeah. Forget who we were talking to, but they're like, no way, Mathis. Mathis wasn't going that fast, and I'm like, I vouch for you. I love I like, it. Dude, he was actually going pretty fast. I like how this story comes up. I do look good on that. Yeah, that, that uh, I can bring that up all the time if you want because um, yeah. yeah, I have no problem with that. I mean, you had me covered, but I had everybody else covered on that. Every, on the, you were you on, the, on the podium. Also, no too, uh, back in the day, Reed came out to Lake Elsinore, and I was riding. Um, I think I was riding Nick Way's bike, or maybe this was Factory Yamaha days. I don't remember, but Reed was out at Elsinore, and I was jumping this big tabletop thing. You know, they Two-stroke, four-stroke. I think it was on a two-stroke. Yeah. You know, they had those step tables. That they yeah, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was Elsinore. jumping the whole thing, uh-huh. and, and uh, Chad happened to look over and see me, and he always talks about that, and it's great. I'm like, yeah, Chad, never forget that. <laughs> Bring that up whenever you can, that I was jumping this big tabletop, you know? So um, that was fun, though. That was a good time. No doubt. That was Gen- yeah. Geneva or yeah. Bercy? Where was that? Was that Geneva? Uh, Geneva. Geneva, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, uh, good time. Yeah, and also I'm not going to this weekend either. So good luck in St. Louis. Oh, really? Yeah, St. Louis, that's, that's the best one of the year. I it think. is good. The track, the dirt's really good, and the stadium's yeah, the nice. And, yeah, good. Stadium's good. Yeah, you know what? I love it. I just uh, Chris Kiefer is going to cover it for Pulp MX, so I'm looking forward to s- oh, yeah? sending him out. And uh, was there there was another guy there from Pulp this weekend? Yeah. Yes, yeah, Wiscore. My guy Swisscore. Ah, oh yeah. Gotcha. No, far- I think I met him at the end of the night. I'm farming out my work. Yeah, he d- you did a post race interview with him. Thank you for that. Yeah. So hey. <laughs> yeah, uh, no you're on the East Coast right now. You're staying in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, oh. Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's my home. Yeah, that's where uh, that's where we're we're and, living. So can, I love it. I mean, well, wait a minute. Crazy how thought- things happen. I mean, my time at JGR was was obviously awesome, and and uh, I met my wife, and she's from here, and now you know we have a nine month old baby girl that um, we just it's nice to be around family. Me being from Iowa, mm-hmm. I love Iowa, but. I can't stand the winters anymore. So, <laughs> yeah. especially obviously with racing and stuff. But yeah, but yeah we uh, we stayed in California for a few months, and now we transitioned back to back to Charlotte. We'll be here the whole summer. Oh, you will be. I th- I, th- I thought that the SoCal thing was going to be the main residence with a few months here and there spent in Charlotte. But it sounds like Charlotte will be. Yeah, for we kind of thought about that, but yeah. honestly, when when we got out there, I mean, when I'm out there, it's just strictly work. We don't really have uh, well, we have no family out there, and mm-hmm. just with having a having a little girl it's right it's nice for Paige and her to to be around family and yep. and um and i love riding at club mx i think the the track is awesome mm-hmm. uh, for sure for outdoors it's the most realistic outdoor tracks that that uh i've ridden as far as what we race on it's really really realistic and um the heat humidity travel everything's right. good so is uh and, like and also too you get filthy phil complaining being around <laughs> phil being- yeah being grumpy. I rent a uh, like a garage down there. And it's right next to Filthy, so we hang out all day. Oh, Filthy! Yeah, try to stay away try from. Try and keep him as positive. No, as yeah, I can. stay really away. Difficult. Stay away from Filthy. His negativity and yeah. his grumpiness will bring you down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just yeah. in the last two weeks, he's told me that uh, he's got uh, pussyitis. He wanted to hang himself when he fell. Uh, he felt like a goon when he fell another time, um, and I think I'm missing one other time. Like literally. The last two interviews with Phil have been all about how he wanted to kill himself after his race. <laughs> oh, I can't wait till tomorrow. I'm riding there tomorrow morning, and uh, I'm I'm curious to see how how the weekend went because I think he went down in the yeah maybe the second turn. Yeah, he said he's got his leg caught and in his. I bike. think he tweeted yeah. he tweeted already how it was <laughs> dumb move or something. Yeah. So. 
I'm excited and, to chat with him tomorrow. What about your buddy Cole Seeley, too, uh, a guy you're close to and uh, a couple of podiums now? He's really kind of finding his uh, his groove right now. It's pretty impressive by Cole. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been saying it for a while. The guy's so talented. And mm-hmm. he, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they're better on a 450, where he truly is. I mean, just his, his style. And I believe he's in it for, for the long haul, too. You know, like just his, his style seems like, yeah. obviously, injuries are, are part of the sport, but he he rides smooth i mean he's he's rides within himself too you don't ever see him get super sketchy mm-hmm. and um yeah i mean he it, it was cool to come out one two in the in the heat race high school and then right. obviously he he dropped me pretty quick but wow. um it'll be fun to get up there and battle with him and uh it's cool to see though i mean he's totally wow. changed it around i remember before he hated to train he, he didn't <laughs> like it at all and then right. him and i started mountain biking together and he basically just took off and yeah. now he's super into cycling and and uh he's fit so yeah dude hey i remember this cool to see i mean it's a long time ago everybody changes uh, uh i remember him at the suzuki city days he would fade huge he'd get so yeah. tired you know way back yeah. then and um but yeah the guy's doing great and i'm soon yeah. and soon enough i i got this feeling you and him will be slamming each other in in bull turns at a supercross near you because that's right about yeah. your level you know what i mean i feel like that's you're right around that, and that's where you can be. So it's going to be interesting yeah, for him. Yeah, I think so. It's uh, be a good spot to be for sure, and yep. it's motivating. Like we, mm-hmm. I actually had dinner with his mechanic, Rich, on on Friday night, and I'm like, man, it's it's really cool for me to see him do well because mm-hmm. I've I've seen him go from a guy that, I mean, shoot, he was well when he won his first race, I guess, but it wasn't like no one expected that, and then yeah, you know, he kind of got. Um, like I said, he got in the mountain bike thing. He started to get fit, and so it's really cool to see um, him mm-hmm. do well. And I, it'd be awesome to get a, a picture with both of us on the podium. Yeah, no doubt. Um, talk about two guys too that like weren't sort of amateur superstars, and you know what I mean, that kind of thing too. That's a whole other thing about YouTube being yeah, on a full totally. Supercross podium. It's like, wow, look at these two dudes, self-made if there ever was, you know. Um, yeah, he had a long period where he didn't ride, and yeah. And, same, same with me. So, and you lined up for a pro, cool. and you lined up for a pro arena cross with bone stock suspension. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I do like that story. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, how's the NASCAR thing going? Are you hanging out with anybody? You've been growing down with these guys. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You're into nah, it. Nah. You're into those dudes. I, I do in... like NASCAR, man. I, I yeah. do for sure. And uh, yeah, it's fun. I, you know, mountain bike with uh, with Jimmy a little bit and hung out with him in in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm the day before the Supergrass on Friday. And uh, it's funny to hear him. He's so into into mountain biking and two wheels. And and uh, for me, I'm into, yeah, you're into the, cars. the four-wheel thing, yeah. you know? So we kind of go back and forth. And and uh, obviously, Charlotte's the right. kind of hub for NASCAR. So, yeah, yesterday I spent uh, a couple hours on the couch watching a little NASCAR. Yeah, I I, uh, I can't get into it. I can't, just can't. I tried. <laughs> I can't do it. Um, I think if you came and saw, like, actually what goes into it there's so well, much that no. goes into it with the pit crew and stuff i got it's i got pretty the, amazing i got the tour i got the koi gibbs tour of jgr and i was blown oh, i was blown I away you'd been there yeah i was blown away i i had no yeah. idea the the depths of the technology involved i just i mean i just look at these nascar cars you know carbureted up until a couple of years ago uh you know 1970s you know old school motors and i just kind of eh, whatever but then when you take a tour of that gibbs shop you're like oh wait like the shit's cool. Yeah, like really wow. Yeah. So I was impressed, no doubt. And it was gnarly, and they they were running a motor on a on a on a on, the, on a dyno for the Detroit, like in a month or whatever, or Michigan Speedway, and they had you know the, mm-hmm. they had it all 
the speeds and the curves and everything. I'm just like, wow. you know, it's crazy. Anyways, yeah. Of course, I, I probably could have got a yeah. tour with a better guy with a better guide than Coy, because Coy really just <laughs> opened each door and went, yeah, yeah this is this is right. the, this is the motor room. Yeah. And he would point at whoever's in the room and be like, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> and then that guy would swear back at Coy. They would call him a name, and then we'd move on. So <laughs> it was it was a Coy Gibbs tour. Um, yeah. Uh, well, J- JB, thanks for coming on, man. Pulp and Mac show. Appreciate yeah, it. No uh, nice to catch up yeah, with you. For having me. Yeah, and uh, good job on your comeback. Tenth place, no doubt about it. I have a feeling you'll be a better in a, after the break, no doubt. You'll be right up in the mix. Uh, although nothing wrong with tenth, don't get me wrong. Passing the X brand athlete, though, not good. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. And yeah, we'll talk soon. Cool. Thanks, uh, guys. All right. Thanks, JB. Good See luck, you. Justin. Hot Cam's bringing you Justin Brayton on the BTO Sports KTM team. Good guy. I like Justin. He's a very good guy. He's a really good guy. Hot Cam's. Salt, salt, right salt of the earth guy. You know, one of them guys. 30% off Hot Cam's. Use uh, Hot Cam's 2015, com. If you're not using Hot Cam's, you, know, you won't win. That's right. I just stole another tagline from another thing. Fuck it. Um, hey, let's get to some emails real quick here before we uh, take a commercial break. Race Tech, world's largest aftermarket sus- motorcycle suspension mod company. For over 30 years, they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension. Vince Freeze, Ben LeMay, just some of the guys, privateer, developed and proven. Uh, they, they choose Race Tech. Pulpamex. 2015, 10% off race tech, parts and labor. And, uh, look, I guarantee you, uh, Berluti, how many people neglect their suspension, do you think? Uh, probably 80% me, of people. I was going to say 82.7%. You know what? You might be on it. I might be on it. Yeah. Um, they just they just go too long without changing their fluids. Oh, dude, I mean, look, even if you... Even if you don't want to get a revalve, you know, if you're like, ah, I don't need a revalve, change the suspension fluids. Oh, absolutely. You know, just uh, the bushings, the seals, that kind of stuff. And use Race Tech to do it. Uh, they know what they're doing. All right, so here's some emails. Uh, Mark sent this in. Great podcast and content. Wondering if you could bring up a podcast about gear deals. While the star deals are known, the star rider deals are known, I was wondering what sort of money the lower end pros pull in. Does someone say, like Jake Weimer, get free gear and say 20 grand a year or am I way out? How about the seven deuce deuce? Is he at the level he gets free gear or would he get cash as well? Well, Mark, um, you're way out. Weimer is a Weimer, Nick Way, Chisholm, those kind of guys. They're about a 75 to 100 grand level for gear. Deuce deuce does get money, um, a little bit of money, and of course, all the free gear you can get. So that's what those guys kind of pull in. Uh, Albertson is uh, 30 to 40 grand, those type of things. So, uh, yeah, uh, give me some info there. Blair said, uh, a question came to me as I read the interview with Mike Webb. He said, Stewart is around for PR doing signings, but he hasn't really seen any. This guy hasn't seen any interviews or had any mentions from TV guys that James is even at the events. Because of the suspension, has Felder the AMA put a gag order on Stewart content, or is it James just staying away from the media? Yeah, Blair, it's funny how that works. The uh, Feld guys have... Pretty much, they they just act like James is dead. They just, I mean, they don't talk about him. They don't bring it up. I think well, they brought it up Anaheim one, and how, that's it. How you about know? you guys uh, interviewing him? Nobody's interviewing him. Just for like, just to say, um, hey, what's Transworld up? did a magazine story with did him. Um, I'm supposed to be talking to him tomorrow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. think he'll talk to you, Steve? Yeah, oh. yeah. He reached out to me. Oh good. So I think okay. we're going to talk tomorrow and do awesome. a podcast. Um, so he's he's going to come out a little bit and uh, do a little bit on. Um, Full on podcast with Steve. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we'll get we'll get Impressive. we'll get Stewie uh get Stewie talking here. Um Is that all the emails I got? I think I forgot to print off a few. God, what a hack show I am. 
Uh, oh, wait. Here we it. go. No, we got another one from Derek. Hi there, guys. I wanted to send a quick note letting you know that I love your shows and what you do for our sport in general. Kiefer and DV are outstanding co-hosts. Kiefer makes me laugh and a very informative, and DV's knowledge and understanding of the sport is second to none. I look forward to the next show every week, but I am pleasantly surprised when they are on. All of your other co-hosts help make this show top-notch, but I enjoy these guys the best. Derek says you. Derek says he enjoys you. Yeah, but not as much as DV or hey, Kiefer. That's fine. You know, I'm not. That's Sorry, not, that's, that's, that's not my goal in life to be, to please everybody. Crap! I have a hard time. Asshole, Derek is. Hard time pleasing my girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, racetech.com uh, again please check them out vintage stuff also and uh, even if you just want to put your own springs in you can do that racetech.com they'll uh, hook you up alright let's take our first commercial break here on the Pulp MX show presented by btosports.com and fly racing coming back with Kevin Windham Jeff Emig that's a lot of race wins yeah. right there uh, I guess so Ryan Hughes will be on Yeah. Uh, Sebastian Tortelli so I, I, I should have told you think about your best Sebastian Tortelli question Okay. Or story, I yeah. should say. All right. Oh, when you worked for him, two years, couple of years, couple yep. of years, yeah. When he was healthy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember when uh, Ferry and Mathis uh, Super Team passed Seb at the opening round in '03, uh, late in the Glen Helen Moto to take wow. the third spot overall? Wow. Do you remember that? Now that you've mentioned it, when Hunt- he was on Honda Factory, Honda. no, he was on your Suzuki. In '03, okay, maybe '04 then. It would have been 04, 05. Yeah, 04. Late in Glen Helen. Okay. You had third overall. You and Tort had third overall. Yeah. Wrapped up. You fuckers. And here comes Ferry. Yeah. Just on the Mathis tuned YZ450, catching, passing Seb, taking away the third spot on the podium. Well, if it was if it was oh four, you got to realize he was. We were on two fifty two stroke too. So I don't care, Berlute. It's a little bit of an advantage. No, anyway, no. I, you think it was an advantage of Glen Hill? No, probably not. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, um, a little bit more mechanic talk. Uh, with Blue. We'll, we'll line up our wins. I have one. So Outdoor win? Yeah. Yeah. You have? Um, two that I know of for sure for overalls. <laughs> what do you mean two that you know of? Well, I don't, I don't, try, I don't, I don't have them all marked down like you do. Yeah, see, Probably that's, two that, that means, I know of for sure. That means you, don't, you have a lot and you don't care like I do. So I, gotta, I don't have that many. Supercross wins, though. Oh, uh, just, just in, 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 in 125s, yeah. Still, I'd be running with that. All right, take a commercial break. We're right back. The great Tony Berluti in studio. Hey guys, this is Jason Thomas. I wanted to talk to you for a minute about fly racing. Fly racing has grown by leaps and bounds since I started wearing it back in 2003. If you go back and look at a picture from back then, and flash forward to now where you see guys like Trey Kennard, Andrew Short, Justin Braden, Weston Pike, and the 250 Rockstar Husky team wearing, you'll see what I'm talking about. We're now producing premium products, but our goal to give you more bang for your buck hasn't changed since those days. Our F2 carbon helmet, worn by all of our pro riders, is what I consider to be the best value in the motocross world. Our new Evolution 2.0 and light hydrogen lines have been continually improved and perfected over the past couple of years to give you the ideal fit. Whether it's off-road, supercross, motocross, or just riding in the backyard with your buddies, we have something purpose-built just for you. I invite you to check out our website at flyracing.com and of course your local dealer and online retailers to learn more about what we have been working on. Follow us on social media at FlyRacingUSA and post pictures of you riding on our Fly Racing wall on our website. From all of us at Fly Racing, I want to say thanks for listening and support companies that support Pulp MX. The Pulp MX Show is brought to you.
to you by btlsports.com. Whether you are looking for new gear, helmets, boots, or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up, BTO is your source for all of your motocross needs. As a proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM race team and the heart of the BTO Sports amateur motocross team, it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store. We support a sport that supports us. us. We at BTO Sports want to give back to you, the listener, for supporting us and the Pulp MX show. Use coupon code PULPMX when placing your order at btosports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. Race Tech. Privateer proven. When riders choose, they choose Race Tech. Supporting the world's fastest racers. Providing factory level products, support, and service to the everyday rider. Each setup and product is 100% guaranteed and made in the USA. When racers choose, they choose Racetech. Visit Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Or check out Paul Feed's Motorcycle Suspension Bible, your guide to everything suspension. To receive 20% off parts and labor, enter discount code PULPMX2015 when ordering. Racetech. MFAB is the undisputed leader in high-quality accessories for your truck, Jeep, and SUV. For products that are as unique as your vehicle, check out MFAB Off-Road Accessories. From Nerf Steps and Lighting Accessories to the all-new Adjust Step and Endura Step. MFAB has you covered. MFAB products are handcrafted in the USA, delivering unsurpassed quality and durability with cutting-edge style. Available in cab length, wheel-to-wheel, and fed access models, MFAB Nerf Steps offer the widest array of configurations to access your vehicle. NFAB also offers a wide range of mounting solutions for auxiliary lighting, including pre-runner light bars, light cages, and full replacement front bumpers. All NFAB products are backed by a lifetime craftsmanship warranty and a five-year finish warranty. To find out where to buy NFAB products, visit www.n-fab.com or call 866-806-NFAB. NFAB, truck products for truck people. Usually, Safety comes at the expense of comfort or mobility. Notice how we said usually? Back in 2007, many of you bought the wrong neck brace by mistake, and we don't blame you. We did too. But there's good news. You don't have to make the same mistake again. Since then, things have changed drastically. The all-new line of Atlas braces are 20% lighter, have three times more suspension in them, maintain the much-needed flexibility, and even contact 27 more percent surface area of your body than the competition. All in a smaller overall package to make it feel like you're wearing less. The experience speaks for itself. The only thing left to do is join RV, Jason Anderson, Dean Wilson, and Martin Davalos to experience why Atlas is the fastest growing neck brace on the market. Get yours today at atlasbrace.com. Follow them on social media at atlasbrace to find out new and exciting things all the time from Atlas Brace. We thank those folks for coming on the show. If you're on the fence about a neck brace, please try the Atlas one. Best one out there. How's it going? My name is Chris Laredo. Patrick Marker. Scott Lewis. My name is Ben Schiermeyer. I'm a mechanic for Jason Anderson. Weston Pikes with Andy Wrench on the number 10. Justin Brighton. I work for Justin Barsh. We are running uh, Galfer. Galfer. Galfer Brakes. Yeah. The best thing, yeah, it's like got to run Galfer. For 2015, X-Brand has added stellar new colorways to our exciting Volcano, Phantom, and Limited lines. You know Nick Way demands the illest style. And now with RCH Racing's Brock Tickle on board, we have assembled a motivated squad. Our simple approach to a fresh look 
unmatched comfort, and elite performance remains pegged in the red. You can rest assured knowing X-Brand has you covered with a full offering of lenses, tear-offs, laminates, nose guards, and our zip-off system. Order direct through the EKSBrand.com store and enter discount code PULPSHOW15 to save 30% now. The leader in design and development of high-performance dirt bike camshafts, Hot Cams is now a proud supporter of the Pulp MX Show and its listeners. Looking to increase the horsepower of your engine without spending a fortune? You need to get a set of Hot Cams. Engineered using state-of-the-art valve train software and CNC machined from 8620 billet steel, Hot Cams camshafts are one of the most economical, reliable, and easy-to-install ways to add 5 to 10% power gain to your engine. By selecting one of our three stages of camshaft profiles, you can specifically tune the power band of your engine to best suit your riding style. Designed, dyno-proven, and made in the USA, Hot Cam's performance camshafts are used by privateer riders like Jimmy Albertson, Mitchell Oldenburg, Michael Lee, Adam Entignap, Nick Schmidt, and the Monster Energy Leading Edge Kawasaki team. Hot Cam's wants to help you get the extra power you need by offering all Pulp listeners a 30% discount on all orders placed online at hotcamsinc.com. Type in the discount code HOTCAMS2015 at checkout. Hot Cam's. Unleash the power within. Works Connection is proud to be a sponsor of Pulp MX because just like you, they're passionate and dedicated to the sport. For over 23 years now, they've been producing innovative products like their Pro Launch Start Device and the 123 Easy Build Elite Perch Line. Just take a look around the AMA Pro Pits and you'll see Works Connection's proving ground for products under the canopies of Yoshimura Suzuki, RCH Racing, Star Racing, and other top teams. Plus, they now stock hints and clutch components, peg armor, ARC levers, and FASCO products too. Works Connection, your one-stop shop for cutting-edge products. Visit them on the web at www www.worksconnection.com and use the keyword PulpMX for 20% off your order or visit your local outlet and check out the new lineup of products for 2015. Do you own a KTM like Andrew Short? Then listen up. You can stop searching for the best place to get genuine KTM parts and accessories. Grab a whole shot like Shorty and go directly to KTMPartsExpress.com, your number one online source for KTM parts and accessories. There's no shortage of genuine KTM parts in our huge warehouse, as well as a full selection of KTM power parts and power wear accessories. We also offer the same aftermarket parts and accessories that you see on Shorty's bike for your own KTM. 29 years of experience would be impressive, but we have over 35 years of experience in the motorcycle industry. We're here to serve you with a huge inventory, great prices, and fast, dependable service. The staff at KTM Parts Express is not short on experience and will process your order with speed and accuracy. Our goal is to get you the parts you need in the shortest amount of time. If you're in need of KTM Parts or accessories, this is the place to shop. Roost MX. Roost MX, the official graphics company for both Cobra Moto and Cycle Trader Rock River Yamaha team. For over 16 years, Roost delivers professional level graphics for every rider from amateur to pro. Choose from our huge selection of graphics online and make yours one of a kind. Roost also offers a wide range of other custom products from t-shirts, sticker kits, helmet kits, trailer graphics, and more. With our quick 48-hour turnaround, shipping orders is top priority. Be sure to check out the new Pulp Nation section to get your Pulp MX swag. And follow us on Instagram at RoostMX. 
for monthly sales. Get your equipment looking fresh by visiting RoostMX.net and use the discount code PULTNATION to save 20%. RoostMX. Motocross bikes have become very advanced over the past seven years, and yet ignition coil technology hasn't changed for almost 40. For almost 40. As a rider, you change sprockets, exhaust, ECU mapping, and even engine internals to gain an advantage. So with four times more energy than that of a stock ignition coil, the Black Ops Moto ignition coil is race proven to help engines starting, throttle response, and acceleration when it's needed most. The Black Ops Moto coils are designed for two-stroke and four-stroke engines, as well as vintage and Evo bikes. Replace those tired, worn-out ignition coils with proven performance coil. Stop overlooking the obvious and contact us today. Pulp MX listeners will get 15% off just by emailing or calling us directly at Black Ops Moto. You can also visit us on Facebook or at BlackOpsMoto.com. Black Ops Moto. Hey, 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 hey. W-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-E-
All Vortex racing products are made with the best materials and the tightest tolerances. All because Vortex Racing is owned and operated by guys just like you. Enthusiasts and riders that demand the best. We have over 1,000 different gear choices to suit your needs and track conditions. All sprockets are cut from 7075 T6 aluminum and come in an assortment of colors. Want something even stronger? Check out our full line of laser-cut steel sprockets. Besides sprockets, Vortex offers V3 oversized motocross handlebars that are 29% stronger than the competition. With years of research into these bars and top riders like Arena Cross champion Tyler Bowers putting their trust in them. You know these bars can take the abuse you'll give them. Remember, there's a reason champions choose Vortex. So the question is simple. Do you want to join the ranks of James Stewart and FMX legend Ronnie Renner? Choose Vortex. For more information, check out VortexRacing.com. All Pop MX listeners are getting hooked up with a discount on any Vortex Racing product. Just email Roger at VortexRacing.com for promo code PULP2015. Or call him at 800-440-3559, extension 222. See you on the track. Hey guys, it's Brady Chisholm here. Listen up. You'll spend $9,000 for a new bike, $3,000 for bling, and you wonder why I have monkey butt? I'll tell you why. You didn't go to GutsRacing.com for new seat foam and cover. Guts Racing has been the leader in seat technology for 25 years. They've worked with every top rider at some point in their life, and that tradition continues. With riders on teams such as Cycle Trader Yamaha, Motor Concepts Racing, RCH Suzuki, Yoshimira Suzuki, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, Geico Honda, they have worked with them all. They have riders like Cal Chisholm, <laughs> Ben LeMay, Matt LeMoyne, Ryan Sipes, Brett Metcalf, and many, many more. They have been working behind the scenes with factory riders for over two and a half decades. So here is your chance to join stars of Supercross, Motocross, Arena Cross, GNCC, and FMX by taking advantage of the discount they have going on. If you head over to GutsRacing.com and use the code PULPMX2015, it'll save you some money, save you from having monkey butt. It's a win-win. Head over there and check them out, guys. Welcome back, everybody. Vortex Racing, the leader in making top-quality racing components for 15 years, a proud supporter of our show now. We appreciate it. The materials you get from Vortex are made with the best stuff out there, the tightest tolerances, because Vortex is owned and operated by guys like you, enthusiasts and riders that demand the best. thousand different gear choices at Vortex, as well as sprockets. V Vortex offers a V3 motocross bar that is 29% stronger than the competition. 
You can ride with confidence knowing that Vortex has put years of R&D and testing in these bars. Yosh Suzuki runs the uh, sprockets. Mavitz Kawasaki runs the bars and sprockets. Seemingly, uh, Jimmy Dakotas runs the uh, Vortex as well. And you want 40% off? 40% people. 40%. Email roger at vortexracing.com. Get 40%. Welcome back to the show. So the winner of the Arena Cross, Chris Blows, w- runs Vortex, huh? Yep, absolutely. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, they're into the chase now, right? So Yeah, uh, they started first chase, and yeah. Chris went 1-1. Yeah, good job. Um, and are you going to the finals? It's on Friday before yeah. the Supercross. Right. Chris, uh, you know, when, he, when Chris... Um, started off hot at the very beginning, you know. I sent him out a text and he goes, "You got to come to the final." I go, "Well, if you're in there, I'll be there." Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's interesting what they're doing with that series. Imagine if they did it in Supercross series, how much better things would be right now. I don't know. Well, I you mean, know? there again, so. old school, new school. Do you? It still it kind of makes me mad to think that somebody takes something that you gained away and then starts. Well, over. they give you a point. They give you a point advantage. You know, One they don't point. totally take it away. Five points, I think. Maybe it's a point. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we they, could do, use they it. do it in NASCAR. We I could, don't know. We Whatever could use works. it right now in our uh, series. I agree. Yeah, All for right. sure. I agree. Vortex yep. Racing, uh, pleased and proud to bring you our next guest on the show. Uh, what more can you say about this guy? Uh, he's, a, he's a legend uh, on and off the track, uh, recently retired, and uh, we're happy and pleased to have him back on the show. The great Kevin Windham. K-Dub, what's up? Hey, guys. How's it going? How are you, man? Thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm, I'm fantastic. And uh, actually, you know what, guys? It's... Uh, Five points separate the top ten in the arena cross. Okay, so five race points. To the champ, race to the championship. Yeah. It, uh, do you like that? Do you like that idea? I mean, honestly, I'd be open to seeing it be done in our sport just because let's try it. Let's do something different. Yeah, Kevin's well, I had perspective. The, I had the pleasure of being there for this uh, this weekend's uh, kind of opening round for the championship mm-hmm. uh, yeah. deal yeah. in New Orleans. And you know what? The guys, there was a lot of life. It's, it's kind of like the life that you get when you hear Ryan Villapoto's going to Europe or <laughs> the life that I got that one year when I heard Ricky Carmichael blew his knee out. You know, it's like <laughs> right. sometimes it gives you, gives you a little life, you know? Right, right, exactly. Or like Chad Reed in Detroit, he goes down hard in practice, <laughs> and you're like, hey, wait a minute. Um, yeah, exactly. It, exactly. Uh, uh, did you, did you, I heard you did a transfer, you did a nose wheelie, you, you, you rode a little bit, so you brought the fans well, to your yeah. feet. Yeah, it was fun because everything that I did was was on a smaller level, right? Like, um, well, except my waist. My waist was actually on a larger <laughs> level. My, uh, pants. <laughs> but everything else was on a smaller level. So, like, my transfer, I'm like, I totally blamed it on arena cross. I'm like, guys, it's just an arena. I can't jump 180 feet, right? <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I was, little did I tell them that I haven't rode but one time since partying in the pasture. So. Oh, geez. That's funny. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, 702-586-757 uh, if you want to talk to uh, Kevin Windham Vortex Racing you bring him on the show so yeah it's good to see you at the Arena Cross and good to see you out again a little bit we saw you in uh, Atlanta um, also as well but uh, the real reason we're having you on the show is uh, just um, a little bit of dialogue let's get a little bit of dialogue going about our sport we saw Trey Kennard and uh, Jake Weimer go down this weekend in Supercross again that's a racing incident but we had a, a promising amateur rider, Tyler Heft, uh, pass away uh, at Freestone at, in the Amateur Nationals. Uh, Devin Chester, a, a 17-year-old kid from Florida, uh, crashed a little while ago. He passed away. I'm, I'm, your, your buddy, Chris Blankenship, from uh, uh, Dirtworks guy, uh, your good friend of yours, uh, crashed riding. And I'm sure we're, we're missing some guys there. And like you said, in, yeah, in a very well, passionate... Hmm? Look, guys, I'll add to it. And uh, this is kind of the latest and most... Uh, kind of latest news uh my tweet about tyler 
are not really about Tyler specifically, but, yeah. but, but about the events that are occurring in our industry. And one of my tweets, I text, he's the last guy until the next guy. And, uh, I'm sad and, and quite angry that, uh, it's happened again. Uh, three palms just outside of Houston, Texas has put out a press release that there was a young kid, uh, 16 years old, has not released the name, but mm-hmm. he has succumbed to his injuries, uh, that happened this weekend as well. So, wow. Yeah. Um, yet another one here. Uh, it's, it was just a horrible weekend for the racing community. Yeah, and, and it does seem, I mean, of course we live in the information age, so things get out uh, sooner and quicker, but it does seem in the last um, 10 years or something, we've seen more and more of these accidents. We've seen more and more in our series, too, in our Supercross series, we've seen some, some big injuries from top, top riders, and uh, and then it's transferring down to amateur racing. And, and um, you know, again, you, you had a very passionate plea on Instagram um, and, and I think Twitter too, Kevin, uh, about how your son um, doesn't really seem to show a lot of interest in racing. And, and frankly, you're okay with that. This is a career that's made you millions of dollars um, and uh, brought you nothing but great friends over your career, um, a lot of great memories. And, and frankly, you're okay with him right now, not really choosing to go racing. And, the, well, I'll take it even a step further than, than that. It's, it's not that I'm okay with him not racing. I'm actually kind of pleased and, and, and relieved. Um, look, the sport has given me everything that I have from, you know, a large percentage. Obviously, I'm to a point now where, you know, uh, my children and my wife and those kinds of things are, are obviously a, uh, are, are, you know, they become more and more important as you mm-hmm. get step away from racing. But, I don't want to describe where, where you're going with it. And racing has given me virtually everything that I am. It's made me who I am. But the, the problem that we're starting to see is that for how many people who can say that for racing, there's an equal or probably a greater amount of people that are, are able to say now that it has taken everything away from me. Yeah. You know, yeah, it has no, taken my son. It has taken my daughter. It has taken my husband. And that's where, you know, you kind of start to have the issue. I mean, it, it doesn't, it shouldn't be an all or nothing kind of deal. Right? right. And I know there's a million stories of people who just bebop along through their career of riding and fun family memories. And, you know, Hey, I had that one broken arm and Hey, I had that one broken ankle or, or whatever, right. Mm-hmm. Or a concussion. But man, the, the, the horror stories are becoming all too familiar. In my opinion, it, it's not a freak occurrence anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there's always going to be a freak happening in, in, when you're riding the motorcycle. Of but, course. Yeah. If you look at the reports, it's it's not so freakish right now. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Uh, also, joining the conversation are brought to you by RoostMX.net. Use the code PULPANATION to save 20%. Uh, these guys have been supporters of our show this time, and we appreciate it. Let's bring in a uh, former Supercross Motocross champion and now color analyst on uh, Fox Sports for our sport, the Jeff Emig. Fro, what's up? Nice to be here, guys. Thanks for How coming. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, kind of kind of sucks to be here uh, with a certain subject in mind mm-hmm. of course but uh with a certain intention um but i always like being on the show so yeah no thank you for coming on you know what and look an open dialogue uh, we have a lot of listeners we have a good platform and, and a dialogue starts something maybe you know and uh and so anyways let's let's get into that a little bit it, it's uh kevin in your opinion i mean like we talked a little bit earlier today it's I, I lean towards uh, the the four strokes. The, the bigger bikes are more powerful than ever. I lean towards track design. 
maybe safety equipment a little bit on some end of things. Uh, I can't pinpoint one thing or another, but it does seem, Kevin, that it's more and more occurring. So what are your thoughts on where, not what, not what and who's to blame, because we don't know, we're just discussing stuff, but what are some of the issues do you feel we're facing? Well, uh, I agree with, with everything you said, and it, it's, it's right now the biggest issue is the fact that it hasn't been made the big enough issue. I, I, I would start with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, I, 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 felt, uh, I felt like I should have sent something out when Chris uh, Blankenship passed away, and I didn't because I, I knew everybody would have been like, well, you know, Kevin's just passionate about it because that was his good buddy. Which, you know, the, to me, you know, yeah, I am passionate about it. That's, I was passionate about it when I was thinking about hanging my boots up. So, um, you know, I didn't want to do it then, although I should have, and I don't know what it made a difference for these last couple uh, fatalities that we've had, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that no matter how, you know, dangerous riding a motorcycle is, or no matter how much you personally believe we can't make a difference, mm-hmm. we don't have statistics, we don't have evidence, we don't know the number of fatalities that have happened in 2014, we don't even know how many have happened in 2015. I can name two that happened this weekend, but we don't know the number from, from January 1, mm-hmm. 2015. I mean, do we not, are we not sophisticated enough to keep up with this and, and, and document it, research it, and find out if there's a, a common occurrence in, in one of these or two of these or all of these or, or whatever, right? I mean, there was one up in the Northwest. Uh, I don't think it was in 15. I think it was in the end of 14 where a young kid managed to get on a track and, and, unfortunately ran into a water truck mm-hmm. well that's not that's not a, a freak occurrence that, that is an extremely avoidable situation that that's that's not rocket science this to, to keep bikes and water trucks off the track at the same time right so if it's better staffing or if it's what, whatever it is there's some of it now not all of it i, I will agree wholeheartedly that you're not going to solve it but how many do we need to solve to really feel like we're doing our job or, or bettering the sport right right uh, what about what about you, Jeff? What do you what do you think on this? What's your what's your topic? Uh, what's your thoughts on this this topic? Um, I've talked. To, I've been on the phone for probably three hours today, four hours today, uh, with different individuals about this subject, and and um, had a great conversation with um, a uh, top pro rider that everybody knows. Last week, we happened to get on the subject of safety, and this was like last Tuesday. Um, I feel like there's probably uh, four facets to this conversation, <clears throat> one being track safety, track design, um, whether it's um, proper flagging, which flaggers have been, uh, you know, flagging, you know, yellow flags and, and safety people on the track um, are the first line of defense when a guy goes down over a jump and you can't see the other side or something like that. So and then there's the obstacles, the speed, the things about the track. Um, there is one of the facets that I think it, it kind of gets overlooked is the pressure from the parents for these kids to uh, perform. Mm-hmm. And especially in the situation where we're talking about uh, Freestone and some of these top amateur kids who have gotten injured, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not just your casual amateur motocross racer, right? They're not your casual vet rider. These kids are working towards a uh, professional career. Mm-hmm. So I think that the pressure from the parents is one. Um, um, the, certainly what you guys mentioned about the safety equipment is, would be the third one. 
Um, and when it comes to neck braces, helmets, chest protectors, full body armor, things like that, there's a, there's a whole conversation uh, to be had there. Um, where my thoughts really are focused and, and all those are, those three other facets are things that, that, that really have to be addressed. Um, but, but where my thoughts lead me is to, uh, the motorcycles that we ride. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, a lot of these situations, like this last weekend, was, uh, was there's, to me, there's a gap between um, the kids that ride 85s and super minis, and if you're riding a brand that doesn't support a 125, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, doesn't make a 125, and let's face it, the 125... You know, kids don't stay on them for very long, even if they do ride them. But that gap from a Super Mini to a 250F, in my, from my opinion, I think it's just too big a gap. And um, and I would venture to say that not only is is it our largest, one of our largest segments of our motocross community, mm-hmm. but I'd venture to say that not not just because of the numbers, but I if you had like like Kevin mentioned, if there was some way to get the data and get the percentages of kids that ride 250s, there's probably a large percentage of them are the ones that we're seeing these these really bad accidents out of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you're absolutely right. I think and, the, the bikes. And are... yeah. And and uh, Kevin and I were speaking earlier today. I was thinking about when I was. Strictly a 125 rider. I, I rode a little bit of 125 while I was still on a mini bike. I rode a little bit of 250 at times while I was primarily a 125 rider as a pro. But I basically was on my primary race bike for six and a half years was a 125. And the horsepower was, what, 39 or yeah. less? Yeah. Right? And we're talking 250Fs now. The the production 250Fs are, I'm going to say, 43, maybe more, right? The race bikes, yeah, of course, are even more than that. And the weight has got to be 25 pounds or more. Um, and Kevin brought up an interesting comment uh, in his Instagram when he had those questions. Uh, was about, you know, do we need to look into how these machines, you know, the physics of them and, mm-hmm. and, and, and how they operate, how they jump when you let off the throttle with, uh, you know, the engine braking and this, that, and the other thing. There are a lot of questions that, you know, none of us probably have at the moment, but we need to start asking some questions and my, and you know, and so out of those four facets that I feel like I've kind of narrowed down, mm-hmm. my real passion comes in figuring out if we're missing it as far as that gap in between the super mini and, uh, and the two Yeah. Yeah. All good points. Uh, no doubt. Uh, Kevin, when you moved up to, when you, when you got off a two fifty two stroke, and you know, four fifties came on vogue when you when you came back from your injury, and you got the the Geico Honda ride. Do you think the bigger bikes, uh, sort of, like they kind of? I heard from a few different riders, the four stroke like to chase you down and make sure that you were when you crashed, you know, kind of make sure that you were done. And do you feel like that? Do you feel like the bigger bikes are are like the damage is worse when you crash on them? Well, and I'll, I'll take this back, and I, I really want to 
I was going to touch on what, what Jeff just said. And sure. There's so many points that we can make. We, we really could talk about this for days. Uh, real quickly about the AMA, uh, you know, and, and their, their decision. Uh, we know that the AMA missed it when they came up with the displacement of four strokes. Yeah. I mean, we know that because they, all they had to base it off of when they decided to make the change to four strokes were these, these four strokes that were dual purpose. They were on road and off road. They all had headlights and they all were like turds, slow boats to China. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they knew, they knew that they were not capable of running the speeds. So they changed this displacement, but we got one problem. The Japanese are really smart. And they decided that they was going to put a lot of money and effort and R and D into making them fast. And they did. Yeah. And they're too fast. Now going with the characteristics of the bike and to, to your point of what you're asking me, uh, Steve, is that, uh, I watched a lot of the arena cross this weekend on the amateur day. And again, I don't want to point AMA made a decision based off the information they had at the time. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to badmouth Anzal arena cross. It was, it was fine. But I'm watching these guys and I'm watching how they're riding. And I'm noticing that they come out of corners. It's a really tight course. All of a sudden they're majorly on the gas and they almost loop out. <laughs> right. Or they're backing off the gas and then those points straight down. Well, pros don't really back out too, too terribly much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their momentum is such that it, finding them looping out, you know, as, as you go faster, those things happen less, the loop out or the nose down, right? Because right. your momentum's helping you through the situation. But eventually, when you make a mistake and you have to get off the gas for some reason as a professional, where do you go? You go over the bars. Well, what happens when you go over the bars? There's always a 200-plus-time motorcycle that's about to be the next thing that hits you. So these are characteristics of a four-stroke, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I read Twitter. I read. I read Instagram. I, I see people say you can't fix it. Well, you know what? You these are probably the same people that 15 years ago would have said you can never make a four stroke fast. Yeah. I think we got to rely. We got to. We got to find a way, whether it's through the consumer, or through the AMA, or or, or through uh, you know, mm-hmm. obviously the safety committee at this point needs that needs to be uh, um, formed or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, the reality of it is we don't know that. that you know, that four strokes could possibly be made without engine braking or, or whatever, right? I, I don't know. I'm not a mechanic. You might know better than me, Steve. Well, they're better than ever. They, they don't have much engine braking at all anymore. You know what I mean? But, uh, but, but, but they, still have that, they still have that characteristic to They die. do. Yeah, it's just the nature of the, of, the, of the motor design. You know, there's not much you can do there. Um, the one thing I look at is uh, you guys have brought great points, um, but who, like, in our sport right now, we have Feld Motorsports promoting the Supercrosses. The FIM is involved uh, as, a, as a sanctioning body with the AMA that is sort of a shell of its former self. And we're going to have Sean, Helbert, Sean Hilbert on, the uh, president, president of Cobra Motorcycles, who also was on the AMA Board of Directors, to talk a little bit about that. We have MX Sports running the Nationals. We have more and more na- uh, amateur national races all the time. We're so fractured as a sport... How can we get together to talk about safety? How can we get together to to even bring that up? Uh, Jeff, do you have any ideas? How do we how do we do that? I just don't see which party will step up and try to do something. Yeah, that's a that's a tough question. Um, you know, tracks or the industry in general would do itself good if there was. Uh, um, like someone mentioned um, in an Instagram today or a. Uh, a tweet that they sent Kevin and I and mentioned about, you know, a database for logging mm-hmm. um, accidents and stuff. And then that way we could start to gather some information like Kevin recommended, <clears throat> you know, and have somebody smarter than the three of us put together looking at it going, Hey, 
you know, what, what is it, what are the, you know, the common denominators here, the correlations between this, that, and the other injury, um, and what needs to be changed. Um, but what track is going to do that? Because by, you know, it seems like that for as long as I can remember in our sport, you brush the risk factor and the injuries, um, the fatalities, you limit those, you know, any of that data being collected. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that it has to do with an insurance and a liability situation. Mm-hmm. I'm not a track owner, right? But I would assume that that's something that's on their mind, right? You know what I mean? You know, you mean insurance rates going up. But right. the flip side of that is if you were proactive about it as a track owner, promoter, you know, anyone involved in that uh, capacity is that then you would gather the information and, and uh, uh, be able to help make changes and spearhead that. But, but out of all my conversations over the last week or so, and, and it was just ironic that this conversation started like, uh, like a week yeah. ago. And then these incidents that have happened, we had a, you know, a rough weekend at Supercross with injuries um, and it's on everybody's mind right now. And it, and it, and it should be, um, you know, is that one thing that I'm very, I hate to be so pessimistic about it, but I, I have this feeling that even with my conversation tonight, like if, let's say that Kevin and I started a, started, you know, um, a partnership and we were going to go mm-hmm. help everyone that needed to be helped with all of our experience. And here's all of our knowledge that we have, and you need to do it like this, this, and this, right. I'm, I'm very doubtful that any one track owner, you know, manufacturer, you know, whatever it is along the line that they're going to listen. And so I'm, I'm convinced, I've convinced myself today that the real change comes from the customers, comes from the motocross community mm-hmm. by saying, we're not going to put up with this anymore. We're not going to ride this track if it's like this. We're not going to go there unless you have flaggers and there's a water truck and there's somebody you, you know, watching mm-hmm. what's going on, or we're not going to, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to bring my kid out to ride your motocross track if you're going to have 450s and 65s on the same track. Right. You know, all of those, all of those sort of risk that need to be minimized. We know that motocross has inherent danger. It's why we do it, because it, it does have that risk factor, and it does get our adrenaline going. That's why we do it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be... Um, you can, you can minimize the risk, um, you know, mm-hmm. by, by being proactive about these things and nobody's going to change until the customer, which is the people that are either buying the machine, buying the equipment, going to the track. They say, Hey, if you don't change the track, we're not coming back. Right. Right. So I, I, that's, uh... that's why I, that's who I hope is listening tonight. Is the thousands of motocross customers out there, people that are all passionate about the sport, and they're going, okay, we need to do something different. I think it kind of, my opinion is it kind of starts at the top. It starts with the heroes of, like, you know, Jeff Emig and Kevin Windham, the superstars of our sport. It starts with the FIM or AMA or someone being proactive. Look, there's no doubt that pro race. Supercross, in my opinion, since the advent of 450s, has grown a bit stale. These things, 
you guys know you can sit at the base of a triple and, and, and hit it and clear the triple nowadays. The stadiums are too small for these bikes. We see in the two-stroke days you had to be pretty much perfect to clear the big jumps. Only a few guys did it. Well, now with the CCs and the horsepower of these bikes, it's easier than ever to jump things, easier than ever to have confidence, like you were talking about Berluti earlier. I'd like to see it start at the top. I'd like to see some sort of regulation. We're only going to race 400s in the stadium. We're going to race 200 cc's in the stadium. Uh, something like that. And then the OEMs maybe say, well, we don't need to build a 450 anymore. Now we can build a 400. I think it starts at the top. And I don't, I'm not confident in our leadership at the top, uh, Kevin. I'll throw it to you to make these changes. But I believe that's where it starts. It starts with the heroes of the sport. Well, uh... Clearly, the proof is in the pudding that we do not have that at the top to make those changes. Right. I mean, that, that's a that's a given. That, that's not a guess from anybody, and it may make a couple people mad at the top. But guess what? You're not doing your job if that's what your job is. Okay. Now, with an exception of the starting line, I can already tell you that the 450 needs to go, because Jeff, week in and week out, what is the separation in lap times from 250 practice to 450 practice? Less than a second. Almost. Yeah. Well, week. this. This weekend, uh, I believe Muscan was fastest qualifier in the 250, and I think he was second overall, third overall. But there were times last year where Seeley and Anderson um, and those guys uh, would have the fastest lap in qualifying. Okay, so, so to the point, other than the start, you can do everything the same on the 250. Now, I don't know the name because I don't really look at them, but... The consumer is awfully confused, and I think the confusion comes from the top a little bit. I had a young lady that commented on my Twitter uh, that she rides her 250S to the top of her uh, top of the bike's ability. I'm sorry, man, lady, kid, I don't know you, but I beg to differ because unless you're Bogle, you're probably not riding your 250 or, or Marvin or any of the guys at the top, right? Yeah, I mean, sure, sure. Dude, 250s yeah. are are, are freaking strong yeah absolutely and we're and we're seeing that in the lap times right so you're already making a point i mean so what you're saying is that our our legs need to get better our backs need to get better our heads need to get better and we need to build bigger stadiums because the 450 is so freaking impressive (laughs) that we can jump the whole stadium yeah that's what i mean right let's let's take it out and and triples no longer need to be 70 let's make them 140 right Right. that's good because that would be the equivalent of what me and fro did back in 1994 when we had to run the corner absolutely perfect, and if you jumped a triple 10 out of 20 laps, you were the freaking man. You were, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, the, the, um, the answer kind of starts coming out on, on some issues. Now, look, when we point out points one, two, three, and 4, dude, there's the information that needs to be obtained on all four of the points. It, it's not a, it's not a one, there is no one answer, but right now there is no answer, so that's what we have to work on. Yeah. You know, uh, a few years back, um, I had this great conversation with Bruce uh, Sternstrom, who used to be with Kalafaki for, you know, um, a number of years, team manager, team green, tons, tons of experience. And this was, you know, this was, uh, man, probably before 2010, tw- you know, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the mistake that Kevin was referring to with the displacement size you know, when when we created the four strokes, the the 450 or the 400, 426, you know, whatever right. it was, was supposed to line up horsepower-wise with the 252 stroke. And Supercross tracks, 
in the early 2000s that they were developed for a 252 stroke. Okay. And then the four stroke came out and the, the powers to be from AMA, FIM and the Japanese companies, uh, they decided, okay, with the 125 class, because of the weight and the moving parts that we're going to allow it to be a 250. Okay. The last AMA, professional AMA championship that was won by a two-stroke was Carmichael in 05 in the Supercross championship, correct? Mm-hmm. I, if I remember, I, I was talking to someone from Pro Circuit, and I think maybe it was around 2009 or so, that and, and and you know my years could be a year or two off, but basically, you know the horsepower that was made out of the 250 four-stroke was equivalent to what Carmichael had on his 250 race bike. So now we no longer have the 250 and the 125 matching up weight and horsepower-wise, and the 250 and 450 matching up. Now you have more like the 125 is down here. Then you have your 252 stroke and 254 stroke are, are pretty much the same horsepower bike. And then the 450 is, is on a totally another level. You know? Yeah. I mean, I just. So that's where, to me, that's where my mind keeps going about the gap between the 85 slash super mini and the 250F. And so that's where my thoughts go, like I mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Pulp and Mech Show presented by BTOsports.com and Fly Racing brings you Kevin Windham, Jeff Emig on the show. Emig brought to you by RoostMX.net and Windham brought to you by VortexRacing.com. Berluti, you've uh, been sitting there for a while. What are your th- thoughts on this kind of stuff? Uh, what do you think? You know, Obviously, you've been involved in a sport when it was 125 two-strokes, and then you started working on 454 strokes. I I think all, all the points are spot on, Jeff and uh, – Kevin both, but I just feel the ability of a four-stroke is so much easier to ride than the two-stroke power, so mm-hmm. um, I think more people can go fast that probably shouldn't be going fast. <laughs> yeah, which that, is that's, what that's, Kevin that's, was saying, right? I, yeah. I, I agree that um, that they're faster and, you know, technology, so the 250's faster than what it was when it first came out, the yeah. f- 450's faster than what it was when it first came out, but... Just the, the, the power delivery of it is it, they're just easier to ride, don't you guys think? Yeah, and, and part what? of the I mean part of the situation with the, why the four fifty is so successful is because the the customer and even myself, I ride a four fifty Kawasaki right now. I ride it, I don't touch the engine, I throw an FMF pipe on it, I do the suspension and I don't have to work on it. If I rode a two fifty or or a two stroke I'm doing engine work. Mm-hmm. So for the veteran riders and the casual rider, they buy a 450, the piston is huge, right? No replacement for displacement. Yeah. And, and, they, and they go ride it. And so that's one of the reasons why it's so attractive. You sit on the seat, turn the throttle. I, I would just love to see, as I said, I'd love to see at the pro racing, somebody grab the bull by the horns and look, the OEMs, they're five years out, so they're building 450s, they're building 250s. None of this is going to stop. Two strokes are probably not ever going to come back. So that's fine. That that barn door is open, and, and due to some poor decisions, uh, that's where we're at with CC-wise. And So that's fine. But in our upper level of sport, someone, anyone, grab the, the bull by the horns, make some calls, make some decisions, and be like, okay, look, we're done. 
We're not, we don't need 450s. Uh, here's, a, here's an ECU. Here's a motor package and gearing where you are now going to run a 400. That is the, that is the limit. And just like F1 or NASCAR, which are not what you can buy on the floor, they're a special type of racing. When you're racing pro, you got to build a special bike to, to fit in these CCs. And eventually, I believe, the, the, the OEMs would come around and we'd start seeing slower bikes. But, I mean, it's just one of those things where uh, the riders are getting better and better and the bikes are getting faster and faster, as we all, we all talked about. I just, it's, uh, I don't know if we'll ever see it just because of lack of leadership at, at many levels. But, um, uh, you know. Steve, real, real quick, I just want to touch on a couple of points because my mind, is, it's really an uncontrollable mind spin that, that I find myself <laughs> in because with every valid point, it, it just brings up different things. But one, earlier in the conversation, we talked that there was no one at the top that could kind of come together and have a good idea. And I just want to tell you, like, from for kind of the first time in my post-career, I really feel like I, I, I'm super passionate about this, uh, again, for ways it affected me prior to my retirement and, and certainly post. And the, and the brotherhood, like, I don't know this last guy that just passed away at Three Palms and, and did, never met Tyler. Uh, but you know what? I, I truly feel like a, a brotherhood from from riding from riding dirt bikes. But... Uh, my point is that uh, I soon to reach out to uh, the Caselli Foundation. Uh, I spoke to Master Pool today. Um, there may not be able to uh, build a, a, a force to be reckoned with from OEMs or AMA or FIM or any of those guys in exports, whatever. But uh, the people who this kind of stuff has affected, I, I'm, I'm hearing a common voice, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think that I think that it will gain traction soon. And, and another point, I think in a, in a situation like we have right now, I, I think we need to be very thankful that we are small potatoes because uh, don't think that higher powers outside of our industry can't step in. I mean, we know how bad they screwed up the lead law thing mm-hmm. when they kind of devastated our industry. Don't don't think this can get, you know, when you talk about higher powers as in, in the industry, don't think this can't go outside the industry. Yeah, and then we'll be really screwed in a way. You know very, what I mean? Very, very. Uh, Hey, Fro, do you think, uh, can we, I mean, this goes back to a personal choice thing and, and geez, it even goes back to like a, the constitution of, of America here, but could we make riders have to wear a chest protector? I mean, can we make them? You're not going to make, okay. you're not going to make anyone do anything. Okay. I'm convinced of that. I, I, um, you know, I don't want to wear a chest pro. I don't. That's my choice. I don't want you telling me that I can. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. So yeah. what? So all of this, whether it's uh, uh, change in safety equipment, whether it's different displacement, whether it's um, you, you know uh, the track design, things like that, the, how the track's built, I believe that there is uh, a law of attraction that you know that has to happen. Mm-hmm. So things need to be created where you choose. Hey, you know what? That's pretty cool. I like that. I want to go ride there. I want to ride that bike. I want to wear that piece of equipment, right? But Jeff, in, in a lot of ways, you're wrong though. Because let's think about it. The hats off device uh, in Supercross was implemented and mandated, and we just recently saw. Uh, uh, oh, come on! Who was it that was on the line and they were forced not to? Oh, uh, to Josh ride? Hill. Josh Hill. Hill. Yeah. Josh Hill couldn't yeah. ride because he, he his helmet came with a sort of hats off device, but it wasn't. And they regulate it. So, look, if Jeff Emig wants to come down yeah. to Kevin Wyndham's house and rip up on my thousand acres and not wear a chest protector, that, that's fine. But if you're in a sanctioned race or a fellow, uh, a, a track owner, someone is collecting your money 
to participate in, in a practice or, or a uh, or a competition, hell yeah, you can make them wear any, anything. You know, yeah. it's going to take more than one person saying it, but mm-hmm. uh, the AMA has already proven that you can force equipment. The problem is with our equipment, well, I don't want to wear a knee brace because it breaks a femur. I don't want to wear a liette because it kind of, uh, you know, it can break my back down lower. Or I don't want to wear a, a, this helmet because it's, it's designed for high-speed impacts, but low-speed impacts give me a concussion all the time. Or I don't want to wear a chest probe because it breaks my collarbones or whatever. So there's always this, this yeah. well, what's better than that? Well, you know, right now, the, the conversation has to be catastrophic. Let's start there, and let's see where the, where the answers take us and the results take us. Uh, you know, paralysis, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about death now. It, it went for, from a time where it was broken femurs and arms and, and things like that to where we went through a paralysis phase. We're, we're now in the death phase. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I mean, if you don't like a chest protector, if research tells you that it's safer and, evident, and, and, research, and, and statistics show you why, uh, I'm sorry, you, you got to wear it or you're not racing. Uh, if you want to go ride out on your private land, Go for it, dude. I can't stop you from going by in a 450 and trying to jump the thing 280 feet. I can't, <laughs> right. I can't do that. But close course, absolutely. And it's nice to see a company like 6D come out and uh, an Atlas, too. Atlas has redesigned their neck braces to, to uh, you know, make them sleeker and fit better uh, due to some of the concerns from the first generation of braces. And a company like 6D has looked at a helmet design that literally has been the same since, you know, whatever helmets came out. 6D is looking at it a different way. Maybe we need to look at safety equipment in a different way, like Atlas has done with their brace and like 6D has done with their helmet. Applaud those guys, you know. There's a new way to skin a cat here. Yeah, yeah. there definitely is, uh, you know, the situations with the equipment getting better. Kevin's um, comment about there being, okay, now we're in these different phases. I mean, I started riding in the 70s. You know, there were guys that were breaking collarbones and things like that. And of course, the safety equipment was pretty crappy. The rear suspension on the bike tended to just throw you over the bars. Mm-hmm. You know, then the speeds got better. and The 80s were really kind of like knee braces. You know, the 90s, unfortunately, we started to get into some pretty serious injuries. You know, the last decade or so, um, it's ramped up to the next level. And so, you know, I, that that thought of, okay, what's, you know, what has changed? Like equipment keeps getting better as far as the rider's equipment yeah. um, in certain ways, but, you know, the machines are, are quite a bit different than what they used to be. And so, you know, power sports manufacturers in general, you know, if you look at, I mean, I'm 44 years old and I've, I've seen what's happened with, with uh, you know, jet skis and three-wheelers and all these things. It's Pretty, it's a 200, then it has to be a 500, then it's a 650, and it just keeps yeah. going, 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 yeah. right? And w- one issue that I had, and like, once again, it goes back to my real, the, the thing that I focus on is, for the longest time, we had 125, 250, and 500, right? Well, there was 80s and 60s, and then we had to go to 65 and 85. Why the extra 5 cc's, you know? Mm-hmm. So our, our rules in AMA racing were 125 and 250. Unfortunately, the manufacturers and the teams and all of us have gone right along with it, right? We, there was a way to exploit the horsepower rules by, oh, well, now we'll run these four-strokes, and now we're not riding 125s and 250s anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, they're, they're double. And I, 
you know, and that, and I, so that's why I always get back to that gap between the mini bikes and the big bikes. Right. That's where a large percentage of our customers are. That's where these kids are that are, that are getting pressured. Either they're pressuring themselves, they're pressure, pressure from their parents, all of this, 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 this real group of really hardcore amateur motocross racing. And that's not the only place where these accidents happen, but they're pushing the limits. And that's the age group and that, that displacement size um, that I believe that there's a lot of the accidents happening. Well, there, there's no doubt, look at amateur racing compared to when you two guys came up. I mean, both of you were the most hyped kids to come in, and you raced Ponca and Loretta's. Well, guess what? There's now seven amateur nationals that are, that are the big mm-hmm. seven or whatever. And, and you know why? Because there's money in it. There's more pr- there's profit in it in, for these guys. And so now you're an amateur motocross racer. You're homeschooled. You've got support earlier and earlier than ever before. And you're hitting seven big amateur races a year. And that's a whole other topic to get into. But the, lev- the levels are getting higher and higher. Well, let's, let's see how quick this thing crumbles, right? So you have, you have these people that it, it, it's a business. And they want people to come out and they ride their track. And they want to get as many bikes through the gate as they can. They want to run. Instead of running 10 classes, I mean, you go to an amateur, a big amateur race, I mean, dude, what are there, 30 classes now? Yeah. I mean, it's so many freaking classes that they're just herding them through like cattle. So let's think about the consumer. What's our target market? I mean, what would you guys think? I mean, sure, sure, there's a wave of them that start as kids. And then, you know, I think our biggest kind of market that me and Jeff talked about earlier today is that kind of 12 to 15, right? I mean, they're having fun. They're wanting to ride, but... You know, girls maybe aren't quite on their mind just yet. But then you get to 16, and you're either going to go pro, or you're at the top of your class, or you, or you get a girlfriend in a truck. And and then you, you got the other run of people who come out after work, who now have kids who are like, "Hey, I want to go ride with my son, and I want you know, my son's five, and I'm going to go buy him a bike, and we're going to go have a nice weekend together." Mm-hmm. Well, how long does it take for the consumer to, to say, "Well, damn, I've been to three races this year." And we're in, uh, you know, we're in March, or we're in February, or we're in, we're in late January. I've been to three races this year, and I have seen three people perish. Or I've seen one uh, super bad concussion. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be all right, but it's going to take him months. I saw one broken back, and I saw one death. How long is it going to take that consumer to be a Kevin Wyndham who has devoted his entire life to racing motorcycles going, I don't want my son to race anymore. Yeah, wait a minute. Or right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, that, that's yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, Kevin, you you know, you've got tracks and everything at the farm there, and ride and stuff. I mean, I ride you know with my kids right from the house. Um, my wife grew up in a motocross family. She's been she's been around this whole time, right? And um, even though she doesn't discourage us from going riding in the hills and riding the trails, you know, she was pretty adamant, saying, you know, I don't I don't want Jagger to to do that, and you know, I still ride. I still love to ride. I've made the choice. I'm an adult. Um, but there's, you know, that I think is one that's, that's one of the topics that needs to be fixed in our, in our sport, right? That attraction that, Hey, this is a great sport. There's those great people. Yeah. There's some risk, but it's this, that, and the other, right? She's going, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And that's not good. When we look at it from a business point of view, all of this separate from safety and, you know, uh, the human aspect of it is, you know, these are all of our customers. I make products in the motorcycle industry. My broadcasting and everything I do and all the money that I make comes mm-hmm. from motocross. And so I don't want to lose my customers. 
right? So what what needs to change so that I don't lose my customers? Well, I think it right? goes back to what Kevin was saying. Exactly. You know, we need to, yeah, because yeah, we'll lose a bunch of customers here with what's going yeah. on. I mean, what if you were at uh, Freestone and Tyler Heft uh, crashed right, you know, last lap all over the finish line and you saw that? And, you're, you know, and chances are, you know, somebody else that got hurt or, like Kevin said, uh, passed away. You're all of a sudden going, wait a minute, this sport, I'm not into this, you know? Yeah, and and I think that you can tell just by the fact that, you know, the fact that I reached out to you guys that Kevin um, openly questioned a lot of stuff that we are two people and we're and there's there's dozens of us that are really passionate about the sport. We love everything that the sport has given us. There's some there's some things that are starting to happen that the direction needs to be changed, right? I mean, when you look at the history and all of the great things about motocross and the great things about amateur motocross racing and the great things about going to the local track with your buddies and the great things about teaching your kid and taking him out to the local peewee tracks and all that, I'll put, I'll put our community up against any community out there, soccer, baseball, peewee football, you name it. It, it has been an unbelievable experience to grow up racing motocross. And, you know, I don't want to see the generations after us not get to experience that. Right. Well said, uh, Jeff. Uh, we're going to move on. Uh, i got Sean Hilbert coming up from Cobra, president of Cobra. Uh, thanks for reaching out to us and uh, coming on. Great points. And uh, I love the fact that you reached out to, to myself and to Kevin about this topic. It's clearly something you're very passionate about. And, and thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah you bet. Like, like I mentioned, it's power of the people here. Right. They're, you know, I, I hope that we've raised some questions and that the conversation uh, continues after this because Kevin and I will be there for whoever needs us. Yeah, and, and this show is an open forum for a guy like yourself to, to call in and, and talk about it if, if you got something to talk about. You know, no problem on there. So, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys. Take All care. Right. Roost MX bringing you uh, uh, Jeff Emig, RoostMX.net. Uh, uh, Pulp Nation saves 20%. KW, you want to take some phone calls here? Yeah, this ought to be interesting. I can't wait. Uh, I love <laughs> uh, the opinions have been awesome. The comments on, uh, you know, normally you get a comment like, hey, that's cool, or thumbs up. Or, yeah. But yeah. Dude, I've been reading paragraphs upon paragraphs. So, yeah, this, this should be you're, nice. You're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I'm the transfer guy. Everyone loves me. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, they, they, the, the vast majority have been, have been okay. very positive. Good, good to hear. Uh, Dave, you uh, you got a comment uh, with Kevin Windham? Yeah, a couple things I just wanted you guys, uh, you were talking about early. One thing that's good that they're talking, we don't need the main media to get involved because just like you said, what he said earlier about, look what happened to the three-wheelers back in the 80s, you know, mm-hmm. in the industry. And the other thing, one topic you all haven't touched on is, Okay, now, if you look, ever since the 70s, most of the guys that were racing from the 70s were older. Now, you see everything with the media, with X Games, everything's, they're finding these kids are more marketable. They're marketing stuff. The kids are younger that are riding the bikes. You know what I'm saying? They're mm-hmm. uh, they're starting to pull them out no, a lot man. younger, younger and younger and younger, you know, and I lived in Italy for eight years, and they have laws over there for not just for street bikes that only certain CCs for a certain age. Like if you're 16, you can right. only get a uh, uh, an 80 or 50 CC bike. Once you get 18, you yeah. can get a 250, and so on and so on. Maybe Amy got to look at that, like for as far as racing. Yeah, maybe so. Like like Kevin said, the, the 
you know, the government will come in and look what they did to the to, to the to the three wheeler thing. That's a great point, Dave. You're right about yeah. that. Uh, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate okay, it. We got a bunch sure. of calls. So, right. uh, AJ, what's going on? You got a you got a CC size question for Kevin Windham? Yeah, it was something I was I was been kind of thinking about. And I I saw that Kevin had had you know made his post on Instagram there. Um, and I was kind of hoping to just take on it a little bit um, due to the fact that he he'd ridden the 500 at uh, at MXD and and I believe it was 96. But um, Kevin, do you think it's it's something that you know? Obviously, we we used to race 500s in Supercross in the 70s, and they said it was too much power. I mean, I, I saw what you could do in Vegas doing a transfer jump how far you can jump the things. Is it something that we need to look at more of? We need to back the CC size down to, you know, say 250 CC period. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. Um, and I can tell you that I've never hit a transfer. Uh, well, other than the one I came up short with, uh, at, uh, on in Houston post career, but, um, that was just for the amount of run I had, but generally, you know, you can jump them so much further than I've ever jumped them. Right. And, yeah. and a transfer, just given the run, I mean, they're so incredibly, uh, capable that it, it, it's truly scary. They can do more and bring, bring riders in places that they're not willing to go. Uh, you know, uh, there's always an obstacle on those tracks where we're, you know, we always walk them and say, man, we could quad this, but it, you know, we're not going to do it. You, you know, you can, but we're not because it's the, the price of, of not making it just is, is too high. But you know, I think that's all kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the AMA about how they missed it and just, the Japanese guys are—I mean—they just killed it. I mean, they came through. I mean, they—they they were given a, a set of requirements. Yeah. <laughs> they took it and ran with it. And uh, yeah, you know, to Mathis's point, already made, and, and everybody else's. You know, they can do too much. I mean, you, you made the yeah, point and, and we could just build a bigger stadium, right? Yeah, exactly. That's real easy, right? All right. Yeah, I mean, from, from the way I look at it, I mean, you, you're now you've got a fuel-injected four-stroke that's got you know way more power than a 500cc two-stroke. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, where does it end? Sure. No, for sure. Uh, all right. Thanks uh, Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Uh, let's get Chris. Chris, uh, you got something to say to Kevin Windham? Hey, Kevin. Uh, I don't know if you remember me, but in 1998, uh, Children's Wish Foundation kid came and spent the day with you at Los Angeles. I do remember that. That was actually uh, part, of the, part of my most rewarding day of uh, racing motocross. I do remember it very well. Well, I just figured out how to call down to the states there and i wanted to tell you that was a really big thing that helped me get better no oh, this is you i'm i'm uh 33 now oh, wow. uh well i guess a little backstory i had a brain tumor when i was 15 steve mm-hmm. and my mom's friend got the children's wish foundation involved and they sent me to the los angeles supercross and i got to spend the day with kevin and the oh, yamaha crew pretty cool yeah that's awesome oh it was once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yeah, that's great. Look hey, at that, hey, for, for, both, for both of us, bro, that was, that was a good, that was good time. Um, I'm glad to hear you're uh, uh, obviously in some, some form of remission or something, things going well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, good to see yeah, that K-Dub could not help you out. Not everything, but I just wanted to let you know that, that was a huge deal for me, and thanks for doing that, man. Oh, there you go. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks, Chris. Thanks for calling. Thanks for waiting on hold for a while. Right, bye. Yeah, cool story. Igor, uh, are you going to talk to Kevin Windham? Igor, are you there? Yo, What's yeah. Um, Kevin, big longtime fan, and uh, I'm really stoked to be uh, to be able to talk to you about this because this is such a huge, huge subject. And I think track safety is one of those things that um, um, has been overlooked for for a long time. And I know you talked with Jerry Masterpool this morning, 
And, uh, you know, I know Jerry has affected my life and, and a bunch of other people's lives uh, tremendously by, you know, educating us on how moto can be better and safer by building a different track. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's been doing it for a long time. I'm, you know, he's built thousands of tracks. Uh, and I don't know if, if other people can, can say that they have that experience um, that, that he has. And uh, just wondering, you know, how did your conversation with him go this morning and, and what did you take from it? And, and what do you think about his theories on, on uh, protecting us by, by building, you know, safer tracks for us to ride on and, you know, make more aggressive racing um, by, you know, giving us more options and corners, maybe a staggered start, um, you know, all, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so so I did, in fact, talk to uh, to Jerry this morning and had a had a fantastic conversation with him on on a, on a bunch of issues. But I actually, you know, as we started to get into depth, I actually asked him to kind of let, let's streamline it right now. Let's, here's a nice introduction. Uh, there's the potential that he's going to fly into St. Louis and meet with me this weekend. If not, if that doesn't work out, I'm going to fly in and meet with him uh, in Dallas here in the upcoming weeks and. I said, look, man, I, I need to keep it simple because, uh, you know, I know he's he obviously lost his son and, and he still has boys at race and, uh, you know, he's, he's he's very passionate about what he's doing for, for all the right reasons and that's uh, very commendable. But as he was talking to me, I'm like, look, I've just started to kind of ask questions and and I can't wait to sit down with him and, and kind of find what he found, you know, find out what, what he has you know, um, stumbled upon through research and other things, and, and and that's a big part to me. This is a very very serious topic, and if I say something, I have to be able to defend it. And, and something so serious as this, I mean, we can't just start throwing ideas out there uh, or, or getting too left wing, and and we have to be able to defend it. And it sounds like he's on 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 par with with coming up with some of that stuff. And I I really. For the fact that I'm simply on a crash course where I, you know, one Twitter or one Instagram comment less than a week ago has stirred a lot of this up, mm-hmm. I said, you know what, let me go in and, and, and really take a stand of why aren't these questions being asked and, and why aren't we getting answers and why aren't we documenting this stuff? Because there, he, he was such a wealth of knowledge on things that he has researched that I didn't want to get confused and come in here with a mixed message on, on what my motivation is tonight like like look guys we're starting a conversation but this is this is nothing in the in the big picture of what we have to do whether it's master pool myself or emig or or whoever the caselli uh, foundation or, or what, wherever it goes mm-hmm. it is a much bigger picture with uh with every big player involved in a conversation that goes on time and time again like this is clearly just the start and it was just so much for me. I'm like, look, man, great talking with you. We, I guarantee you we're going to sit down. We're going to continue this conversation. But for now, uh, let me come in, into this, at least the Pulp of Mexico tonight, uh, in, in a, in a, in a I guarantee, almost in a I position guarantee. of ignorance where, you know, I don't know a lot about it, but I just, you know, yeah. wanna, I want to find out. I, I'm the man that's going to ask the question. Thanks, Igor. You know, yeah. well, hold on, can, I, can I just get in one, one last thing? Sure. Jerry's tracks are one of those things where when people have ridden them, they don't, really you know quite get it at first but once you get it and you go to something different right. it, it's night and day it's night and day kw you ride one of his tracks guaranteed you will let this man do what his thing what, what his thing is you'll give him the keys to the dozer and let him do it sounds good man yeah absolutely um yeah just another person out there with an idea it's it's fantastic great thanks igor 
Thank you. Uh, let's bring in our, our next guest to uh, talk a little bit about this. Uh, he is uh, a former AMA, uh, on the board of directors of the AMA, and uh, president of Cobra Motorcycles, uh, and a, a real guy that called, reached out to me today, K-Dub, and made some very good points. Uh, Sean Hilbert, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, we talked earlier today, and you know we've been. Have uh, you been listening to the show? I'm sure you have been. So yeah, uh, definitely, throwing, definitely good, good stuff, uh, both from Jeff and Kevin. So yeah, thank you guys. Throwing out some ideas now. Can you take us a little bit um, through your process of, of of when you were on the AMA board of directors, and 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 you made a, a perfect point to me today. If Cobra Motorcycles doesn't make a more powerful bike in 2016, you won't sell as many, and that's where we're at. And maybe we shouldn't be that. That's not where we should be at. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly, and and that, this is something that that's been uh, on my mind for a long time. Ever since I came into this industry, well, well before I came into the industry, uh, over a decade ago, um, and I spent before I was even on the board of the AMA, I, I spent a fair amount of time lobbying the organization um, at their at their annual uh, at their annual meetings. You know, to to find some way, so to speak, to put the genie back in the bottle. <clears throat> which is really tough in this sport, and, and I'm coming to, at this completely from the perspective of the motorcycle. I know Jeff said earlier that you know you talk about gear, you talk about track design. Oh yeah, no, there's lots of things track, for sure. Track operations, um, but if you come at it completely from the perspective of the bike and say bikes, you know, faster and faster, we've we've gone through that. Uh, you guys have. Um, how do you how do you slow them down? You know, you've got. A lot of issues out there that you don't have in Formula One or, or IndyCar or NASCAR um, uh, or MotoGP, for that matter, where you, you at, at the amateur level anyway, you've got bikes that might be 10 years old, five years old that are out there. You've got legacy issues. So how do you put rules in place and who puts the rules in place uh, to, to slow things down? Yeah, I, I, exactly it. Who who would do that, right? I mean, I, like I said earlier, it starts at the top and I. I don't have a lot of faith it, that they would do it, but I mean, when you bring it, it to the, when you brought it to the AMA uh, board, kind of, I mean, they listened to you, but there wasn't a lot of wasn't a lot of no, action and, being taken. And right? I don't, Steve, I don't view that as a leadership issue. I view it as a bigger issue than mm-hmm. that. And and like I said, I think legacy is part of it. I think expertise is part of it. I mean, really, the AMA for forever. In fact, you know, one of the statements I made earlier was, we've been sixty years in this sport without a single uh, tune down of the machines that are ridden. Right. Every year the bikes keep getting more capable, whether it's uh, power or suspension, chassis. Mm-hmm. And there's been nothing to, to, to tune those down over the years. Um, and so uh, part of that reason is because there's this customer retail aspect of the sport. And you've got the OEMs who have always been extremely powerful. Um, and they've come to the to the AMA and the FIM and said, basically said, in so many words, here's what we have. You make a class for it, mm-hmm. rather than what I think ought to be happening, and that is the FIM, the AMA, uh, you know, MX Sports should definitely have a voice in this. They should be looking at, at it from totally the opposite perspective and saying, here is a specification for our class. You guys go build a bike for it. That that conversation's never happened, and the main reason it's never happened is because there's never been enough technical expertise inside those organizations to be able to um, basically spar with the OEMs and say, what about this? Okay, what about this proposal? And have a good conversation going. That, that, that has never been able to happen 
because the right people haven't been on board at the FIM and the AMA and, and other organizations. You know, when it's interesting when you look at other forms of racing, uh, drag racing, I believe, has backed things down to the point now where they're going slower than they were five years ago because of the risk of, of injury. Uh, F, F1, Formula One, has been uh, tuning, detuning the cars for a number of years now, taking away some of the advantages of these machines because of the G-forces of how fast they're making these cars. NASCAR, yep. I believe, has limited... They're basically at limited at 200 miles per hour now, where they, they were reaching above that uh, a few years ago. There's three massive racing organizations that have all made steps, uh, Sean, I don't know if you're familiar, but to, to, to bring back down the speeds, bring the, the, the speeds down. No, I'm, I'm very familiar with all of them. I have, I have uh, good friends in all those sports, and, you know, F1 is, has you know, changed aerodynamic rules, they've changed tire rules, they've changed engine rules, uh, all of the above in an effort to, to basically tune down the cars to keep speeds under control. And, and I really do think speed is a major issue. You know, we, um, you guys talked about the, how forgiving the four-strokes were and how easy they were to, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have, like Kevin was saying, you don't have to rail that turn in order to make the jump anymore. Even as a sea rider, you can kind of flop around and still, still yeah. go for the thing. And, and that's, I think that's certainly not a perfect situation for uh for a sport that has a bunch of amateurs running around. No, absolutely. Uh, Berluti, you were talking about that, how easy the bikes are. I mean, yeah, to, you know, sure. when you took your two-stroke out, like we talked about, yeah, it was like, oh, wait a minute, i gotta, I got to rail this turn perfectly to clear this tabletop or whatever. Exactly, you know, it doesn't yeah. happen like that anymore. Now you just jump everything people, on a 454 People stroke. that don't have the ability go out there and, and still can do yeah. it and get hurt, you know. Sean, do you have any faith that the that something will change on speaking from a bike thing? I mean, Kevin and Jeff have some great points about everything else. Do you have any faith that something will happen, or what do we got to do? Well, I, I think this is one of those things that's uh, it's it's kind of steering the aircraft carrier a bit. Um, uh, I do have faith in the AMA and MX Sports uh, more now than I have. In, in the ten years that, that I've been in the industry, mm-hmm. to, be, to be very blunt about it, I think uh, I think those two organizations uh, are working closely together. Uh, I'm not so familiar with the FIM, but if if I had, and, and this may sound weird coming from an OEM, but if I had my druthers, I would think that this really needs to start at the FIM, and it has to start with a technical committee, and it has to start looking out ten years, and. The, the two things have to happen. One is you have to look now and say, what can we do mm-hmm. simply to tune down the bikes that we have on the track today? Uh, can we use carburetor restrictors? Can we use exhaust restrictors? Can we, can we mandate some things that the amateur folks can do uh, cost-effectively mm-hmm. to get the bikes um, you know, legal, so to speak? And, and you know, granted, there's a million issues with... How do you police that? How do you, you know, how do you do any of that stuff? But, but mm-hmm. let's put those aside for now. Um, and then the bigger thing is, what do you do 10 years from now? You mentioned earlier, Steve, you know, five years is pretty much locked up, right? The OEMs know yeah. what they're going to do five years from now. Um, and that's part of a product development cycle that's five times longer than what you have in Formula One or NASCAR. So you've got to look farther out than that. And you've got to say, what are we going to do 10 years from now? What does that class structure have to look like? Mm-hmm. What do the specifications of those bikes have to look like? And and somebody uh, at at the FIM level uh, has to step up because if the FIM isn't going to govern this thing, then you guys have mentioned it. Then the federal government's going to come in and do it, and we're not going to like that. I've I've been <laughs> I've been uh, to Washington D.C. way too many times on the Web Law, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and uh, I just don't want to. I don't want to have to fight that battle on that front anymore. Well, uh, K-Dub, that's something you brought up to me that you feel like that's going to happen the way we're going. Someone's going to someone who's got a kid or or a friend of a kid at a congressman level who who crash in a motocross race will will say, and you know what? Um, this is what happened to baseball. Baseball was doing fine. Uh, they had a drug uh, testing program that they felt was okay, and but yet somehow in the government they started looking at McGuire and Sosa and said, "Wait a minute, you, are you're you're showing the youth of the world and what you know taking steroids can do?" Even though the the Major League Baseball sort of had a steroid testing program that wasn't really catching anybody, well, the government got involved. And remember the, the all the guys getting called before Congress and Sammy Sosa pre- pretending he couldn't speak English. Well, that was a huge thing for baseball. And and Wyndham, I don't know how much you follow baseball, but we could have that in our sport. I, I agree, and and I also agree that's not a that's that is not a direction that we want to go. And uh, you know something as simple as a, as a, you know, a kid ingesting the nipple of a spoke almost shut our, you know, shut our program down. I mean, mm-hmm. how many, how many kids have chewed on their, on their, you know, <laughs> rims of their, of their motorcycle or, or whatever. Right. I mean, right. it just doesn't happen, but that, that shows, you know, what mm-hmm. we would have to deal with if it goes that far. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I don't think we want that. Let's welcome to the show in our uh, cavalcade of, uh, of guests, uh, Jason Thomas, JT, you're back. Um, do we have a problem, JT? Are you on a level of Kevin Windham, Jeff Emig, uh, saying that uh, we have, in your opinion, I mean, you know, look, nobody has the facts. Where do you stand on, do you sense that there's more and more people seriously getting hurt or dying for, in, in our sport more than ever? I don't know. I'm, I'm a little torn on, uh, on the issue still. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm all in favor of making the sport safer. Of course, know? yeah. Long-standing, you know, been my biggest concern, and and why I was so relieved when I actually retired was I didn't have to take the chances anymore, and and I knew it was dangerous. I knew every time I went to the practice track every day, you know, that was my biggest concern was, am I going to get to go home in one piece today? And I don't think that's really the best way to go about it, but it was still, it was always in the back of my mind. So, anytime there's talk about how to make things safer you know i'm all ears for it um i think it's a tough it's a tough subject to approach because i don't think there are easy answers to it i don't think you can just blanket uh one and you know one catch-all easy answer and and all of our problems are going to go away Mm -hmm. um and, and obviously that's what you guys have been discussing and and conversation is always a plus you know there's right a lot of smart people in this sport that you know there, there is a way to do these things, um, but as you guys are talking about, I think there will be some pushback uh, from you know different people that have different agendas, and mm-hmm. I'm sure they don't aren't against safety, but there's also other things at play. You know, this it's a business on many levels as well, and uh, these OEMs have tens of millions of dollars in in technology and and research into these bikes now. So just mm-hmm. telling them to detune them and build different bikes may be a tough fight for a little while. Hey, Mathis, for real quick, can I go from interview uh, either? Or, yes, yes. Uh, your floor is yours. Thomas, you started off by saying you were kind of on the fence or, or the verdict was still out for you. I mean, based on based on what? Like, So I guess my question would be if 
do you feel like deaths are on the rise, like Matt has said? But let's say they weren't on the rise. Let's say they were, say they were status quo since 2000, and 2000 or even 1990 or whatever. They're just status quo. Is the number of people perishing in our sport acceptable at this point? And if they're not, what can you be on the fence about, I guess, would be the question. Uh, I don't know that I'm on – I'm obviously not on the fence about um, preventing, you know, death. <laughs> obviously, that's not what I'm on the fence about. I'm just on the fence about what the solutions are. And I don't know that just, you know, across the board saying detune everything, then it's going to be safer. Maybe. Um, I don't know that on a professional level that's always going to be true. Um, you know, I don't think if if Jake Weimer's bike was slower that that accident would have been avoidable this weekend with Trey. And uh, I think that, you know, on an amateur level, I think that could be true. Um, speaking from personal experience and in anything with safety, even in my real job with fly, I, I always try to make sure I'm only speaking for myself because I don't want to ever put my opinion on someone else or say this is what you should do or shouldn't do or should wear or shouldn't wear because that's just a dangerous road to go down as far as telling someone that this is going to keep you safe or not going to keep you safe. So for me, I always felt okay on a 450. Like I never felt like this bike's too much. I shouldn't be riding this. I want to slow it down. So for me, I always felt okay with it. Um, but you know, there are people that I, that I ride with, um, people that, you know, that I work with that we have ride days, the fact that they can get on a 450 uh, <laughs> and go ride. That's a little bit scary. That goes to what so, K-Dub was saying about amateur day at arena cross where he was like, Ooh, wait, maybe some of yeah, these guys. It, it, and right. that, and I, I do agree with that side. I, I, and I've had this, this conversation with people at work because they're like, Oh, you know, the, the 450 is so fast. I want one of those. And I've had that serious talk and sat them down and said, please, please don't buy a 450. I, I don't, I know your level of riding and I don't think that you, you know, this, this may not go bad for a while, but at some point you're going to get into a situation where well, this bike is, is going to be too much for you and you aren't ready to handle that. You know, I just, I've been around bikes long enough and I know Kevin has and, and everybody on this call has to where you can assess people's riding ability, and you also know very well what a 450 will do when things go sideways. Well, um, I think just by that point alone, you're saying, I mean, look, you can handle it. You're a professional motocrosser, but right. we can't make the people, we can't help, we can't make people make smart decisions. We see that every day on Yahoo News when people do dumb things. So you can't, you know, you can't do that. So let's, let's take that option away from them, you know? Right. And, um, and that's, I guess that's at the beginning of the, you know, of us talking, that was kind of where I was on the fence a little bit because I don't think that a 450 is too much of a motorcycle for Kevin or Ken Roxon or Chad Reed or even myself. I, 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 I never felt like that. I felt like um, I could ride a 450 pretty well and pretty hard, and, mm-hmm. and of course you're going to crash. That's what happens on motorcycles, but I never felt like, oh, man, I crashed because the bike that was just mm-hmm. too much for me. Right. You know, but on an amateur level, man, I, I really, really – question you know the fact that somebody can go out and buy a 450 but i also question the fact that someone can go buy a a suzuki hayabusa and pull out onto the freeway you know that yeah to me that's unbelievable that that's that's legal to do well one more point to your uh 450 comment uh jason uh you know when you let's take back at your career because i can do it with mine and and uh 
you know, anybody that's read the 450, let's take the gnarliest obstacle that you ever thought about doing. You know, because there's always that obstacle that you know your machine would do, but like you just don't have the guts to do it, right? Right. So let's take that. Let's take that obstacle that was your gnarliest obstacle. Think about it in your career for a second. Maybe there was one. Maybe there was five of them. Would you know the 450 would do it? Would a 350 have been able to take you to a point where you say, "Damn, I don't want to jump that," because we've all had that "I don't want to jump that" phase in our career, but yet the 450 makes that and much more possible so to say the 450 was was you know not a big concern to you and it may not have been and and nor could a 550 or 650 or a 1050 but maybe a 350 wouldn't have been either and it would have still got you to the point where uh you were jumping i mean there's very few tracks now that that, that the 250s don't do an obstacle that the 450s do right so that alone kind of tells us that we can back it down some 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 uh, you know displacement and still get to where we need to get to on a professional level. Yeah, yeah and I'm not. It's not like I'm completely opposed to that either. Um, I guess I just you know at the elite levels of any sport, I kind of battle against regulating them so much. You know, it's it's less like saying. For MotoGP guys, they're doing 200 plus on straightaways, okay. And and when things go bad, things go very bad for them. And we've seen deaths uh, with Simoncelli and these guys. You know, they could they don't have to run 1000s. They could run yeah, but 600s. You know, I gave you three. Uh, I gave, I talked about three racing series that are doing something about it: F1, NASCAR, and drag racing. Right, but you know, but even looking at them, I there. I mean, it's not like you're really deterring death with the speed you know, that they're bringing them down. I mean, if you hit a wall at 200 versus well, 15. Absolutely, they're deterring death. Safer barriers, the cars aren't going anywhere. Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying with, with the, the – I'm not saying with the safe walls and all that. Of course they are. Of course they are. I'm talking about the difference between doing 210 miles an hour or right. 198 miles an hour. Well, whatever. Which, that, the, but the, they said, okay, look. You guys are going too fast. Yes, you, you're absolutely right, JT. Ten miles per hour at doing 200 isn't going to make a difference. But they've stepped in at least and done something to keep speeds but, down. Well, wait, guys, it does make a difference because at 210 they were they had proven that cars were going airborne. At 198, they proved that they were not going airborne. Now there was testing done on that, and there was research because when a crash happened, they knew exactly how fast the car was going. They have the technology to tell them that exactly to figure it out. The yeah. But, but wouldn't there be the, uh, so many variables as far as how the car was hit, what angle it was hit? Was it hit from the side? Was it hit from the rear? Was there was there downforce in the I would car think from they the front of it? Yeah, I would think they would have most of that. What, sh- what were you going to say, Sean? Yeah, I had the I had the opportunity. Uh, this is many years ago, maybe fifteen years ago now, to to, uh, to talk to Jackie Stewart. Uh, I was at Ford at the time, and, and he was a liaison to Ford. And he told me something. He said when he was racing uh, Formula One in the sixties and seventies. He said he'd go to the he'd go to the the grid every year at the beginning of the year, and he always thought to himself, uh, it wasn't if any of his team of his of his competitors were going to die that year; it was how many. And and you know, the, if you think about where that sport has come from, that kind of attitude to today, where you know, there, every once in a while you'll have a death, but uh, it's certainly nothing. Uh, I think the Ayrton Senna death um, in the in the '90s really really made that sport uh pull back and 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 really think in in a big way about safety um and and the same thing happened with with dale earnhardt and nascar you know thank goodness at the pro level we haven't had that that thing yet 
but I, I keep thinking there has to be something, and, and I'm hoping you know that that with mm-hmm. with uh, with Kevin and Jeff's attention on this issue that we've had in the past week that that there's something that pushes us over the edge to to really put the effort, time, and money behind what it's going to take to turn the corner for for motocross as well. It's never going to be a perfectly safe sport. You're never going to have a cage. You're never going to be able to to, to make those mm-hmm. changes on a year over year basis like the other pro sports can, but but we've got to start moving the needle and and you know the time there's no no better time than than now yeah no i agree my my question my question would be uh if if we made all the, everyone race a three fifty instead of a four fifty or a two fifty instead of a three fifty would would there be significantly less injuries because i i don't i can't say for sure that that would happen well I, you know the guys would push the bike so much harder. I don't know. I mean, I, I watch the 250 class now, and I see guys crashing all over the place, you know. And I know the riders would be better, but those guys would still be in Supercross as well. One of the things I did a few weeks ago was I, I popped on a, a YouTube of, I think it was um, uh, early 90s, maybe late 90s, Steel City, 125 National. And do that. It's amazing how slow <laughs> the sport <laughs> looks from that many years ago. I mean, a 250F just... Is so much faster speed-wise than a, than a 125 used to be, and and when you think about you know the kinetic energy, not only just the kinetic straight line energy that you have wrapped up in a bike going that much faster, but also in a four-stroke, um, you know all those internal parts, cams, and 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 uh, and, and uh, uh, timing chains if you have them, or, or, or sprockets, and and all the things that are whirring around inside that engine that that create. Uh, uh, much more inertia than than what you have in a two-stroke engine. You can start seeing why you know why that bike's chasing you down when you when you uh, when you crash. Yeah. And and well, I do agree with that. But I also can remember sitting in staging at Binghamton in 1998, and there were four factory riders because everyone was hurt. Every you know all the factory guys were out. I mean, there was what I I ended up getting top ten like every moto at the end of that year because there was no one left. You know, all sure. of the factory guys were injured, and not to say they were life-threatening injuries, but guys were were still getting hurt. You know, even no one had four strokes back then. You know, maybe Doug Henry did, but that was about it. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I don't think that the four stroke has just caused an injury pandemic for the for the professional side. The amateur side, like I said, I'm much more uh, scared, I guess, for people to get on motorcycles so fast, but. I don't know that the four-stroke has just created an injury dilemma for the professional side. I've seen injuries ever since I've been around. I just want to make a good point. Jason, go ahead. Finish up. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm done. Well, you know, to your point, I I agree with you. We we don't know that, and that's the problem that I'm having because Jeff can make a great point about CCs, and and I cannot disagree, nor do I want to, but there can be a great point made about track, and I I'm probably don't want to disagree. I mean, we all know of a local track that has an obstacle that more people get hurt on on the other, but yet they never change that obstacle. I understand all those things, but but the the reality of our problem is is that, Jason, you can't prove anything. I can't prove anything. Emmy can't prove anything because there are no statistics. Not, Not one of us on this call can tell us who has passed away this year or last year racing a motorcycle or the situation of the crash. So let's at least all agree that we need to start there to develop a database because we don't know, and there are no one on the planet that knows more. Maybe get Roger DeCoster on the phone. He's got more experience than all of us, but 
other than that, it's, that's about it. It's, it's, it's more, more races on this call right now than any other people you could put on the planet, right? I mean, there's people with similar track records that could, could, could rival what we have, but there's very few people that could do more. But yet we yep. can't answer the simplest of questions, and that's where yep. the problem lies because without that, Jason, you can't make a point, and neither can I if we're on different right. sides of the fence, right? It's just impossible to do, so we at least need to start there. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Sean, before we let you go, Sean Hilbert, front president of Cobra Motorcycle, before we let you go, if you could wave a magic wand, Sean, and change something, what you know, in your experience on the AMA Board of Directors and as president of the Cobra, if you could wave a magic wand, where would you start? Uh, kind of where I was at earlier, and that is, I think there's a short-term thing we need to we need to start doing, and a and a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. I will, you know, I'll raise my hand right now and say, and and I've actually put this proposal in front of the AMA a few years running. I will, I'll be happy to uh, do a couple of things at the at the junior level. One is I think we could we could do things like restrict carburetors, and uh, and a few other things on current bikes that are out in the field. Uh, it would require some policing, but I think we could do that and slow the little guys down mm-hmm. um, and, and, and start there. I think for the 65, 7 to 9 class, I think there are things we can do uh, from a rule book um, that would, that would you know, be very similar, that you mm-hmm. could actually modify bikes that are out in the field and, and have any new stuff coming out uh, comply. It wouldn't slow things down a lot, but it would get the ball rolling. Right. And then... And then I, I honestly think the FIM and the AMA, uh, we have to find, as a sport, we have to find the resources somewhere to get uh, some technical folks that are willing to be, you know, willing to spar it out with the OEMs and come up with future specifications. And this just isn't for 250s and 450s. I mean, I think, about, think about it in terms of new stuff coming down the pike, about uh, electric bikes, for example. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're kind of in that same mode. The OEMs are off playing in their sandbox. They're, they're, somebody is going to come to the table uh, in the next few years with an electric bike and say, here's my bike, find a class for it. And that's exactly the opposite of what should be happening. So we really need to find the resources, and that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Those people are expensive, but, but we need to hire them at the, F, the FIM level mm-hmm. and start developing specifications for, for 10 years down the road. And 10 years is going to be here quicker than any of us you know, yeah. think. I mean, that, that's, that's where we need to start, those two places. Uh, absolutely. Hey, thanks for coming on, Sean. I appreciate uh, I think you added a lot to the conversation, and, uh, and thanks a lot, man. I, uh, thanks for, again, it was, uh, it was good to have you on. Thank you, guys. It was fun. All Thank right, you. thanks. All right, we'll get, come up with uh, Ryan Hughes uh, coming up uh, next uh, on the show. Um, it's it's absolutely a conversation that needs to be had, and I'm glad we're having it tonight on the Pulp Mech Show presented by BTOSports.com and Fly Racing. Berluti, you like how I throw in those sponsor mentions? Yeah. In the middle of a very serious conversation. Emig did a good hey, job, who, too. Yeah, who, yeah. Brought, who brought me on, uh, by the way? Uh, Vortex who, Racing. Who, who brought Vortex Racing. Vortex oh, Racing. Good plug. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> Vortex Racing. VortexRacing.com and FlyRacing.com bringing you Jason Thomas on the Pulp MX show. Uh, no, look, hey, this is, this is a good conversation. Sean's coming at it from an amateur point of view and says that that's where he would change. And, and I, came, I come at it because I follow the pro racing and I think it starts at the top. So right there, we have very different opinions on it. And JT, and, and you have some different opinions as, as from K Dub, but we're all talking about it at least, right? Or no, no for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, I, I mean, I it's completely a, respect everybody's opinion. And I, I was just going to say, I, you know, 
to get to solve any problem, a problem as wide scaled as this, with so many, uh, you know, because changes like this are going to be affecting a lot of people. Um, it, it affects every level of the sport, both business wise, you know, mm-hmm. on the business side, and uh, what people want out of you know their motorcycles and what they want to buy. Uh, so there's a lot of effects to this, and I think you know to solve any problem this wide ranging right. is going to take a lot of talk and you a know. lot of conversation and a lot of uh, you know, studies, as Kevin said, um, you know, th- there's just a lot of things that are going to have to happen before I think we can get real change. And, you know, conversation is where it all, all of that starts. Well, JT, too, as, as your job at Fly Racing, uh, we talked, uh, you know, before you came on, I said to, to Jeff, can we make safety equipment mandatory? And, and you know, and, and Jeff said, I don't want anybody to tell me what I have to wear. And he's got a point, and that goes into a bigger thing. But here's another thing, too. In the litigious society we live in, fly racing sells you a chest protector. Now, look, it's a plastic and foam thing. They've been the same for a long time. If something happens and you, someone is told that they had to wear that chest protector, well, you see where that goes. They're that's, liable. That's yeah. not an answer, you know, and that's right. Right. that's scary, too. Well, yeah, in a you know, litigious country that we're in, um, Mm-hmm. very, very dangerous to force anyone to wear any sort of safety or protective equipment. Yeah. You are opening yourself up mm-hmm. to a lawsuit immediately. So. Right, right. But, you know, that's something that people have suggested. Hey, let's make No, and, and, and their heart's in the right place. Yeah. It's just, unfortunately, in this country, that makes you very liable. Absolutely. Well, you know, earlier we had talked a little bit, uh, Jeff, I, I assume he's still on the call. I haven't heard him for, for a bit. But, you know, Jeff, you had made the point about... No, uh, Fro's gone. Oh, okay, it's gone. Well, insurance and, and, and you know, people, uh, you know, don't want to kind of open that can of worms because premiums go up. Well, look, I've collected on a policy, okay, and uh, during my femur uh, accident. Mm-hmm. Don't think my premiums didn't go up. Don't think it wasn't harder for me to get insurance. I mean, we all have, have high, high policy, uh, you know, high premium policies and things because the sports evolve. So, Let's not act like they're not paying attention. If anyone's paying attention, it's the insurance. <laughs> right. You know, I yep. mean, there's, you know, the AMA is getting these policies and, you know, there's, other, there's a couple other places to get them. But, dude, they're the ones that are, you want to know how many deaths happened last year? Knock on their door. They may not tell you the answer. You may not be able to get a truthful answer, but they know. Well, we're not, we're not pulling the wool over insurance for sure. During our conversation here, I got a couple of texts from people who are in the safety end of things, and they said that, you know what you're saying, K Dub, is a great point about collecting data and learning data. And but on the other hand, uh, someone's uh, cause of death is uh, is you know a, a closely guarded secret that maybe people don't want to get out that the hospital collects, and it's very hard to get that information on on what well, exactly happened to somebody. You know, it's it's a private thing. It is, and I guess one of my points would be uh, not so much on necessarily cause of death, but I would like to know more of action of motorcycle. And, I see, and, right, you know, right. Yeah. Witnesses and things like that. I mean, you know, to, to me, if, if someone died of a head head trauma or if someone died, now I know they're safe, you know, we, we've, we've touched on safety equipment several times, and that that's one issue that we need to discuss, but from a standpoint from an OEM or what we're going to change on a bike, mm-hmm. what's the characteristic of your motorcycle when you get out of shape? And, you know, right. it, whether, whether it be a broken neck that kills you or just blunt force trauma to the head or, or whatever whatever it is, 
is kind of not nearly as important to me as what the characteristic of the machine was before it threw you or, or in the process of throwing you. Got it. Got it. All right, let's welcome in our next guest on this uh, roundtable of, uh, of people. He is a former factory rider turned uh, trainer now, a former GP winner. Ryan Hughes, welcome to the show. Uh, how are you guys doing? Thanks for doing yeah, thanks for doing it, man. Thanks for you reached out to to me on Twitter today and said you wanted to come on. And uh, absolutely, uh, Kevin Windham's on the line, Jason Thomas, Tony Berluti, and I in studio. So, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, just being on this, uh, hearing just a little bit of what you guys are talking about, I agree on quite about quite a bit. All of it. It's like um, there's one thing that everybody has to understand is that we're never going to take it completely away from our sport. It's part of our sport, and that kind of gives it that little bit of that leer. You know that. That, that excitement is, hey, man, the, the total consequence is death, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But we have to be very careful of where we point our fingers and how big our fingers are because our, our sport, to me, is very fragile. And if we start, you know, pointing fingers at manufacturers, at tracks, at safety equipment, this and that, then we start kind of opening up a big can of worms. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard to find out who's going to take, take lead. Should we, you know, should we let the track owners, the promoters, the riders, or should it be people like, you know, maybe myself and K-Dub and, and Baluti and people that just have been in the sport that has a lot of experience, Jason Thomas. All these guys have a lot of experience because now when we step out, we see things that we never saw when we were riders. Mm-hmm. And every sport has had this happen from F1 to NASCAR to all this, and, and nothing changed until people kind of stood up and started making a point to it, you know. And But we have to do something because the sport is just it's too dangerous. Myself and Wyndham, you know, I'm sure both can look each other in the eyes and be like, Man, now I'm glad I made it through. That's kind of my championship now seeing what's going on here because I crashed like every single one of these kids. I believe I've crashed more than any writer ever. (laughs) That's my claim claim to fame. I've crashed more than anybody ever has. So I'm I'm lucky that way. But what I see that needs to be changed and looked at possibly is, one, the tracks. You know, the tracks have become too much almost mad skills. Turn straight away and this nice manicured jump that's just, inviting people to ride way over their head. Mm-hmm. You know, these people get all the suspension done for their bikes, is it for the jumps or for the tracks being rough. You know, my, myself, Jason, and, and K-Dev, we grew up with these big jumps not being there and the tracks being a lot rougher. And there was great racing and maybe not as much, not as much uh, uh, crashes, you know. Mm-hmm. Every turn, at least in California, has a berm on it. Now you're going to get like a guy did at uh, Kauia. I don't really know what happened, but he flew over the berm, landed on his head, broke his neck. He died right there. So, you know, there's too many things with berms that maybe people that get a little bit of whiskey throttle or don't have the experience are going to, you know, cause problems. So what is that? I don't know. But to me, the jumps are too big. It's, they're too fast. Things need to slow down a little bit because when the track's rough, you just don't go fast. But when the track's smooth, it's so easy to ride over your head. Um, you know, the second the second thing is maybe why are, as a kid, that 13, 14, 15 years old being on a 250F? When you get into, you know, uh, MotoGP and all that, you don't ride a MotoGP bike until you get till you get there. You right. know what I'm saying? That these yep. kids are, to me, are too young. They're too, because reading what Kevin was saying about, you got to be so much stronger now to ride these four strokes. Well, I train a lot of kids, and, man, they are so incredibly weak when they get on these bikes. And that's, so that's why I'm such an advocate mm-hmm. of getting stronger, because the faster you go, the stronger you need to be, because these bikes are now heavier. They're faster and they have more inertia to them, you know. And and then um, you know, so that's another thing. And, and the other last thing for me, because you know, my three things are 
teaching these riders? Where is the teaching of anybody in the sport? You have to get a license to drive a car because death can happen and you can hurt other people. So why don't we have something that is mandatory for to teach people, to teach these little riders, to teach these amateurs and have it something doing that so we can develop these kids and develop this next generation because I believe a lot of it is coming from lack of know-how. You know, there's a lot of crashes that these kids have and people have that Kevin Windham would do every single day, no problem, without a blink of his eye because he knows exactly what to do because he's so experienced. Do you understand? So those are Mm -hmm. my kind of three things that I would like to, you know, possibly look at, but where do we start? I have no idea, bud. Yeah. It's the wild, wild west out there. It is. Our sport <laughs> is the wild, wild west. It is. Yep. So, so Steve, real quick, I mean, are, and, and all the listeners across the, the world or whatever, I mean, it, does, it, is, does it concern you that I didn't know about the death at Cohia that, that, uh, that Rhino had just spoke of? So it's like, yeah. and he, he probably, I don't know how long you've been listening, but I don't know if you knew, realized that there was also another one at, at Three Pumps this weekend, and then there was the one at, at uh, you know, Freestone, and and, and there's one up in Washington. So, so yeah. I mean, it, so to me, Kevin itself, and the one I know in the last week, has got to alarm the last week and a half, right? there's been five deaths, man. Five people have died in this last week and a half. That's incredible. That's disgusting. Well, and that's you know? that's why Kevin, yeah, that's how K-Dub, that's, sorry. that's where you start, yeah, right there. I'm sorry. Um. Wyndham, uh, um, the the tracks is certainly what Rhino's talking about. Is the tracks are are pretty good, and I'm going to bring this back around to the pro racing again. Uh, look, these are the the elite of the elite guys. Last year at Redbud, you know, we got Larocco's leap, and that's an awesome, fantastic jump. And we, you guys, have all jumped it. I doubled it, by the way. But um, you guys have that's, all that's, that's the same. Yeah, you guys have all doubled it. So, you know what they did this year, and then Rhino and Kata, maybe you guys didn't see it on TV or weren't there, but JT, you know, on the other side of the track, and look, I'm not just bagging on the Redbud guys, but on the other side of the track, they built another 100-foot triple tabletop thing. And, and I, I'm just, I, I wrote in my column, like, why do we need this? Like, I understand it's the pro racing, but guess what? The guys from 30 to 40th, they have jobs to go to, even though they're pros, quote-unquote. So, again, I'm going to bring this back around to the pro racing thing. Why do we need another giant triple-slash-tabletop thing on the other side of the Redbud track, which is a great track, great facility, fantastic Richie family running it, but I just look at that and I go, come on, man. Uh, 38 minutes in or 35 minutes in, you know, hot, hot as balls, you want to jump, still jump that thing? So I was in the same, I was in the same boat on racing Redbud, you know, on a 252-stroke. That was a stretch to do that thing. So for 30 minutes, I go, okay. Come on, get that shift, get that shift. Okay, here we go. Woo! Yeah. All right. Well, and so, and how much, how much passing is done with jumps that big? None. And being a true fan, isn't it so much more exciting seeing someone coming down the straightaway, swapping, and just Ruth going out sideways? That's motocross, man. Not not these hundred foot jumps. That's mad skills. Play that on your iPhone. Yeah. That's but that's getting passed down to because I live in Southern California, so we have all these tracks, and that's getting passed down to these tracks now. Mm-hmm. And so you have these huge jumps like at Paula and all this stuff, and, yeah, they're cool for the pros and this and that, but, man, I see a lot of Euros get out there that should not be out there, have no business being out there, but they're trying to jump the shit. Yeah. And that, again, is where it's not so much the top, top, top cream of the crop. Those guys know what they're doing. They're so experienced. It's, it's down a few levels. You know what I mean? And even, I'm sorry, even like Justin – 
it's he's you know he was young it's still he's still learning there's so much involved in the sport but these bikes allow you to go so fast and no kid is scared when you get to that point they just don't have it yet because they haven't experienced it yet you know and I don't yeah know. no you're right what are, what are your thoughts on that uh Wyndham? uh well one one thing that popped in my head just recently when mm-hmm. I, when he used the word euro i mean i would i would love to that would be a pretty easy thing to research like uh, i would think if we could ever get get our heads wrapped around what's really going on in the industry but what are the defining difference between european tracks and and american tracks and and are they safer mm-hmm. over there and are they i, I can tell you this uh i, I don't want to bash on america too much but every one of the, every one of us on this phone has been to a motocross of nations. Where are the best motocross of uh, the nations at? They're not in America. No, yeah, right. No. Where are they? No. Where are they at? Well, they're Europe. hands down. Hands down, they're in Europe. Now we can we can say, well, why is Wyndham Bash on America? It's it's just a simple fact that everyone knows that when you do a donations, if you go to Europe, it's a way gnarlier experience. Are their tracks safer? Do less people get hurt over there? Do they have a better experience as a fan of the sport? Do they have a better experience as a racer of the sport? Are they doing something different than us? And if they are, what are what are those answers? What what are those differences? Can we implement them over here? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, all good, all good thoughts. You, you made it earlier in the conversation. One of your first points you made it was, was, in your opinion, racing has become less entertaining here in the last decade. Why? Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. No, I think, I, I think myself, I've written this, I've said it for years, Supercross, with the advent of 450 Supercross, it is, and with no changes from the sanctioning body in terms of format or point structure or anything else, in my opinion, and maybe I'm jaded, I've been going to the races since 1996, but the, the, the racing's never been uh, more stale than guys coming out of a turn, yeah. going 4-4 four, four, turn, 3-2-1, three, or 3-3-3, three, 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 turn left, 4, you know, the days of, of supercars racing where you had to be perfect to nail the jumps. Kevin, you talked about being on a 125, and if you tripled 10, 10 laps of the, or maybe Fro said it, 10 laps out of the main event, you were a hero. I, I, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't happen anymore, yeah. and, and I think it's hurt racing. I think it hurt supercross anyways. I think it's hurt supercross easily. What do you think, JT? Yeah, no, I, uh. I believe the same thing because I, I watched the tape from, like, 99 or whatever or before, and I couldn't believe how much passing there was. People could cut, dive, stop case it, lose momentum, right. all these things were happening where, like you're saying, like the four-stroke, it's just like we're in a slot car. You know, you, they can't cut and dive because the guy going around the berm is doing 100. Right. You know, where in our sport, or in our time, the guy wasn't going 100 so you could get in there and kind of cut him off, or you had you didn't have so much momentum that you could slow down faster. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was there was a lot, and it seemed like the, the, you know, the track seemed more technical, but maybe because our bikes were mopeds, so... JT, are we <laughs> are Rhino and I old men who walked up to, to school uphill both ways, or do you do you, do you think that too? No, I I, I agree with yep. a lot of things that you guys are saying. Um, with the racing, the bikes, I mean the racing. Yeah, being, yeah, yeah. The the racing's much much different than you know when I first turned pro in you know ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. Uh, it was much more. I feel like now when you're racing a four fifty, or I felt like my last few years, I was racing. Uh, the track as fast as I could possibly go, and back then I felt like I was racing more the people because it was a, it was so much slower. Um, and you never you never really see guys racing each other anymore. They're going so damn fast that they're just trying to race the track, and and they're like Rhino said, they're hitting turns 
so fast when the track, especially when the track's really mm-hmm. good, like in the heat races or in the in the last practice. Yeah, it's it's scary to me how fast you guys are going around some of the turns. Um, and back then it was just different. It was it was much slower. It was much more mm-hmm. like technical, and uh, it was just a it was a different look to the racing than it is now. I think. Yeah, yeah, and not necessarily in a better way. You know? No, no, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think it is better. I think yeah. back then there was it was more like almost like dogfighting when you were in a battle back then. Now it's like, holy hell, you're just trying to, you know, you're going through these sections so fast, how could you possibly race anyone? You know, you're just trying to get through there as quick as you can. That's a good point. Good point. Very good. No, absolutely. And, uh, uh, and, and, you know, again, the racers are better than ever. The, the, these kids, they're not, uh, they're more, the amateur level has exploded. There's major racing all over, year-long major amateur racing that the OEMs want you to go to and these, uh, you know, if you want to be sponsored. And they're, they're racing more and more, which I think increases your risk of injury. Of course, you can get, you can get hurt in practice also, but a lot of these things happen in racing. And, and, and it's sort of like, where do we stop? When, when do we say, hey, we're not gonna, we're not gonna get these kids and make them race. You know, all this, all these races to to, you know, in, in, increase the chance of them getting hurt. But you know, hey, no one's telling, no one's telling these OEMs or promoters or anybody, hey, stop with the races. So there's a uh, yeah, but it's, the thing is, it takes so long to get to the place where I guess us three riders on this panel have been. It takes because motocross is unlike any other sport, so it takes so long, and you have to master this craft to get there it, it's you know you can't you can't speak about it about what these guys are doing on these motorcycles and the speed that they're doing so it takes it takes so long you know i i, I teach a lot of a lot of amateurs and and stuff like that so i see where they're at and i'm at these tracks all the time these practice tracks and there's just such lack of know-how and but to get to that point it just takes year after year and racing after racing because you're going to make more mistakes and and have more mm-hmm. bad times and good times you know, going up to that point, unless you are a Wyndham or somebody else that has this amazing talent. And so, but most of us uh, struggle all the way up there. So, (laughs) Um, but I go to these tracks and I see these kids and they have so, they have no idea what's going on and they have parents just telling them to go, go, go because they saw another little kid jump it. And that's, you know, man, I'm I'm scared to death half the time out there because I know when they go off sideways what's happening on the other side. Yeah, and that's my biggest thing because you know maybe because I'm a coach or whatever, but I'm all about technique. I'm all about how to ride this motorcycle correctly because when you start out in a good position, you end up in a good position, so to speak. The more know-how you have, the more you're going to be able to <clears throat> maybe get yourself out of trouble. But if you just put somebody in a, you know, you put me in a, a NASCAR and say go, I'm hitting the wall because I don't know yet. You get what I'm saying? And that's kind of what you're doing sometimes to these guys because anybody can go buy a 450, a 250, or have an angry parent on the side of the uh, track just yelling them on, and he doesn't want to get his ass whipped, so he's right. standing in this little cobra, and whatever's on the other side, he doesn't has no idea. Yeah, you know. Um, let's take so, some calls before we wrap this thing up. Uh, some good talk yeah. tonight for sure. Ryan, uh, thanks for being on hold for so long. What's going on? What's your question for uh, Wyndham Hughes or Thomas? Yeah, so I think Kevin has uh, hit it on the head here with the data. I mean, obviously, you guys have talked about that, but I think to, to focus a little bit more on that, I mean, at the end of the day, these are businesses involved and in going to them asking for change. They're going to have one question. It's going to say, how is it affecting the bottom dollar? Mm-hmm. You know, where's, where's this change coming from? Why is this, this direction needed other than just the obvious? They need statistical information and data to back that decision up. My opinion and maybe even a suggestion for Kevin is to – 
reach out, and I'd be more than happy to help with something like this, reach out to form a committee of maybe people within certain regions in the U.S., people who are attending these local races. Obviously, there have to be criteria and some, maybe some, some small upfront training involved right. to collect some of this data and to compile it back into the source, whether it's Kevin or a team that's been compiled, yeah. to at least start with gaining some sort of data to, to start from and to, to begin compiling that, even though it may be on a somewhat amateur level, if you define the criteria something. specifically yeah. enough, yeah. you might be able to get a good start on something like this. Yeah, it's something, right, Wyndham? Uh, absolutely, and I mean, it, it's definitely going to take a, a collective effort, you know, where, like I said, you know, just briefly in the other, in, earlier in the call, I mean, it's going to take a team of people. There can't be division between a, a master pool and Caselli and a, a Kevin Wyndham or anybody else for that, that matter where mm-hmm. we have to work together, but there, there's so many uh, regions and, and states and, and local races going on that, yeah, I mean, that, that the undertaking of, of trying to re- report that data I know because I just did party in the pasture. I know that I had to report to the AMA because they sanctioned the event, and I hope to hold races one day. And mm-hmm. um, you know, they they did uh, the the you know the party in the pasture, and I bought insurance through them and insurance through them and all that. I had to report every crash and every incident and every trip to the, the paramedics and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So the, the the data, at least from an AMA sanctioned race, is out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The question is, can you get it? Well, and there's, there's, you know, there's a couple, uh, obviously, some things that have happened in the past, too, that have shown the rider input from a professional level. I mean, I held a professional license briefly and was a privateer, and I remember going to some of the Supercrosses when the hats off devices came out, and, you know, Ricky, uh, RC, actually, at the time, donated, he he bought with his own money, donated some of the hats off devices to some of the privateers, so obviously that had an impact, but that kind of phased out over time, I think, are you coming back in? And, and doing something like this uh, was going to help. And I even remember one instance where they were giving out, like, impact sensors that you put on your helmet. Yeah, and the, helmet, the helmet right. had a, a certain impact yep. that it would turn orange to, to indicate that it, it, it no longer could be used because it, you know, it took so many Gs or whatever. And that mm-hmm. illusion on, on what we were talking about NASCAR, you know, the difference between 15, 10 miles an hour, whatever, it might produce different types of Gs, which obviously may have been determined like Kevin had said right. earlier. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, man. Good points. Yep. Thank you. No yeah, absolutely. That was, that was great. And it, it is funny to mention stuff that, you know, was safety-based in our career that has has gone away. I, I remember the G-sensors on the helmet. Yeah. They're not required anymore. I mean, that, that's amazing. And I forgot about it until he had said yeah. something about it, that those are no longer out there. So, you know, short of having a, a true concussion, which – may or may not be enough of a load to set that sensor off. I mean, it's conceivable that you could have such a load and not mm-hmm. get a concussion, but yet still wear your helmet and your next crash be, be a catastrophe, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a fantastic point. Uh, Bart, welcome to the show. What's, uh, what's your point here? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I think, thanks, fellas. Uh, I think this is a very important topic for uh, the future of the sport, and I just want to share a couple couple of my insight. I uh, as far as committee, I think a mix of past riders, present riders, promoters, and manufacturers would all have to be at the table. I think the big danger of the sport is that past and present riders get up and say, I want to let my kid do this sport. We're seeing it in football, mm-hmm. and, that's, and it's going to be the danger of the future of the sport. And I think we need to look at, obviously, collecting data, uh, gear, tracks, you know, and bikes. I, I watched Danger Boy. Uh, this is Deegan's kid. Kid's amazing. Like the stuff he's doing now, but mm-hmm. then you get some other six or seven year old 
um, trying to mirror that, I think we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a lot of trouble. And uh, then, then just some gratitude. Uh, Rhino, I, I've worked with Rhino a couple, couple of days. Thank you, man, for sharing your purpose. Uh, I think your teachings transcend motocross. It's more, more life. And uh, Berluti, uh, Berluti spent about two hours with me one day bench racing in Chinatown, 2003, in Vegas. And I'll never forget it, man. Thanks, guys, for the good work. And uh, <laughs> thanks, for riding this. This is, this is important. This is real important. Thanks, Bart. Appreciate it, man. Uh, and I think I think he had a good point that we have to all be careful about. Um, you know, since that linebacker came out and said, "Okay, I'm done with football," mm -hmm. and now all these moms knowing about what the consequences of hitting their their little man's head for 15 years is going mm -hmm. to do. How many moms are going? No, I'm not going to put my kid in that because if you get to the pros, you got to be 15 years or whatever hitting your head, mm -hmm. and you know I'm not going to do that. The consequences now, <clears throat> if someone finds out that. Our sport has killed maybe 20 people in a year worldwide, which it probably has now. Yeah. Um, who in their right mind is going to want to put their kid there? And that's what we have to be careful with because who's going to start being the next the next Dungy, the next Wyndham, stuff like that if we don't have a big crop to, to feed from and also feed the sport because mm -hmm. the sport feeds itself. You know, we don't have these huge outside sponsors, so to speak. Absolutely. Well, hey, guys, uh, great talk. A uh, uh, couple-hour conversation with Jeff Emig and Sean Hilbert and Ryan Hughes, Jason Thomas, Kevin Windham. Uh, uh, it starts somewhere, and if it starts with a conversation on a janky radio show, then I'm fine with that, and, and maybe we keep it going, and uh, uh, all good points for sure. Um, thanks to everybody for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I think we've uh, hopefully started something, and, and, and if any one of you guys have something going with this in the future, let's Let's keep talking, you know? Let's keep discussing things. Awesome. Yeah, yeah you well, know, thanks, guys, guys, for being interested. It was awesome to be a part of it. And I think at the end of the day, we all need to realize that, that all of this stems from just the love. I mean, there's there's not a person that you talk to or that called in or that's listening that just, you know, literally just doesn't love the sport like no one has ever loved anything before. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's all good stuff. And, look, I'm committed to continuing the conversation and, and kind of the, to date, the most rewarding thing I've done since retirement. So, uh I look forward to uh, continued conversations. Appreciate you having me and everybody else on, Steve. Yeah, no problem. Anytime we can do it. Thanks, Rhino. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, right. thanks, guys. Thanks for having that passion. All right, see you. See you, guys. All right. See Bye. All right, everybody. Uh, hold on. Okay. Technical uh, difficulties. Technical difficulties. Hey, uh, uh, we're going to take a commercial break here. Uh, a Pulp Mech Show presented by BTOsports.com and uh, Fly Racing. And uh, we'll be covering Sebastian Tortelli. Nice. For loot. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we'll just try to have one of your old riders on every time you're on. <laughs> I love it. We this. can just go forever. Yeah. So uh, thanks, everybody. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. Hey guys, this is Jason Thomas. I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Fly Racing. Fly Racing has grown by leaps and bounds since I started wearing it back in 2003. If you go back and look at a picture from back then, and flash forward to now, where you see guys like Trey Kennard, Andrew Short, Justin Brayton, Weston Pike, and the 250 Rockstar Husky team wearing, you'll see what I'm talking about. We're now producing premium products, but our goal to give you more bang for your buck hasn't changed since those days. Our F2 carbon helmet, worn by all of our pro riders, is what I consider to be the best value in the motocross world. 
Our new Evolution 2.0 and wide hydrogen lines have been continually improved and perfected over the past couple of years to give you the ideal fit. Whether it's off-road, supercross, motocross, or just riding in the backyard with your buddies, we have something purpose-built just for you. I invite you to check out our website at flyracing.com and of course your local dealer and online retailers to learn more about what we have been working on. Follow us on social media at FlyRacingUSA and post pictures of you riding on our Fly Racing wall on our website. From all of us at Fly Racing, I want to say thanks for listening and support companies that support Pulp MX. The Pulp MX Show is brought to you by BTOSports.com. Whether you are looking for new gear, helmets, boots, or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up, BTO is your source for all of your motocross needs. As a proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM race team and the heart of the BTO Sports amateur motocross team, it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store. We support the sport that supports us. us. We at BTO Sports want to give back to you, the listener, for supporting us and the Pulp MX Show. Use coupon code PULPMX when placing your order at btosports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Pulp MX Show. That's right. Hey listen, I know a bunch of you people probably need suspension work. I would bet that a lot of you people need suspension work. Pookie, how's your suspension? Ah, definitely need some work. And from who? Racetech, Obvi. Obvi. For over 30 years, Racetech has been supplying the racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension for the everyday rider. Each setup and product is 100% guaranteed and made in the USA. 10% off Racetech parts and labor. Use pulp code PULPMX2015 when you order. And uh, I guarantee you guys need some springs. You need some suspension work, your bushings, your seals. Jimmy Dakotas uses Race Tech. Vince Freeze uses Race Tech. Pookie, who else? Who's your favorite rider that uses Race Tech? Omaha Zone. Cody Gilmore uses Race Tech. That's right, everybody. Cody Gilmore uses Race Tech. They offer a full line of high-performance springs, suspension parts, suspension revalves, of course, the world-famous gold valves as well. Race Tech suspension. Check it out, bro. MFAB is the undisputed leader in high-quality accessories for your truck, Jeep, and SUV. For products that are as unique as your vehicle, check out MFAB Off-Road Accessories. From Nerf Steps and lighting accessories to the all-new Adjust Step and Endura Step. MFAB has you covered. MFAB products are handcrafted in the USA, delivering unsurpassed quality and durability with cutting-edge style. Available in cab length, wheel-to-wheel, and fed access models, MFAB Nerf Steps offer the widest array of configurations to access your vehicle. NFAB also offers a wide range of mounting solutions for auxiliary lighting, including pre-runner light bars, light cages, and full replacement front bumpers. All NFAB products are backed by a lifetime craftsmanship warranty and a five-year finish warranty. To find out where to buy NFAB products, visit www.n-fab.com or call 866-806-NFAB. NFAB, truck products for truck people. Usually, safety comes at the expense of comfort or mobility. Notice how we said usually? Back in 2007, many of you bought the wrong neck brace by mistake, and we don't blame you. We did too. But there's good news. You don't have to make the same mistake again. Since then, things have changed drastically. The all-new line of Atlas braces are 20% lighter, have three times more suspension in them, maintain the much-needed flexibility, and even contact 27 more percent 
surface area of your body than the competition. All in a smaller overall package to make it feel like you're wearing less. The experience speaks for itself. The only thing left to do is join RV, Jason Anderson, Dean Wilson, and Martin Davalos to experience why Atlas is the fastest growing neck brace on the market. Get yours today at atlasbrace.com. Follow them on social media at atlasbrace to find out new and exciting things all the time from Atlas Brakes. We thank those folks for coming on the show. If you're on the fence about a neck brace, please try the Atlas one. Best one out there. The leader in design and development of high-performance dirt bike camshafts, Hot Cams is now a proud supporter of the Pulp MX Show and its listeners. Looking to increase the horsepower of your engine without spending a fortune? You need to get a set of Hot Cams. Engineered using state-of-the-art valve train software and CNC machined from 8620 billet steel, Hot Cams camshafts are one of the most economical, reliable, and easy-to-install ways to add 5 to 10% power gain to your engine. By selecting one of our three stages of camshaft profiles, you can specifically tune the power band of your engine to best suit your riding style. Designed, dyno-proven, and made in the USA, Hot Cam's performance camshafts are used by privateer riders like Jimmy Albertson, Mitchell Oldenburg, Michael Lieb, Adam Entignap, Nick Schmidt, and the Monster Energy Leading Edge Kawasaki team. Hot Cam's wants to help you get the extra power you need by offering all Pulp listeners a 30% discount on all orders placed online at hotcamsinc.com. Type in the discount code HOTCAMS2015 at checkout. Hot Cam's Unleash the power within. For 2015, X-Brand has added stellar new colorways to our exciting Volcano, Phantom, and Limited lines. You know Nick Way demands the illest style, and now with RCH Racing's Brock Tickle on board, we have assembled a motivated squad. Our simple approach to a fresh look, unmatched comfort, and elite performance remains pegged in the red. You can rest assured knowing X-Brand has you covered with a full offering of lenses, tear-offs, laminates, nose guards, and our zip-off system. Order direct through the EKSBrand.com store and enter discount code PULPSHOW15 to save 30% now. Works Connection is proud to be a sponsor of Pulp MX because just like you, they're passionate and dedicated to the sport. For over 23 years now, they've been producing innovative products like their Pro Launch Start Device and the 123 Easy Build Elite Perch Line. Just take a look around the AMA Pro Pits and you'll see Works Connections Proving Ground for products under the canopies of Yoshimura Suzuki, RCH Racing, Star Racing, and other top teams. Plus, they now stock hints and clutch components, peg armor, ARC levers, and FASCO products too. Works Connection, your one-stop shop for cutting-edge products. Visit them on the web at www www.worksconnection.com and use the keyword PULPMX for 20% off your order or visit your local outlet and check out the new lineup of products for 2015. Do you own a KTM like Andrew Schwartz? Then listen up. You can stop searching for the best place to get genuine KTM parts and accessories. Grab a whole shot like Shorty. Go directly to KTMPartsExpress.com your number one online source for KTM parts and accessories. There's no shortage of genuine KTM parts in our huge warehouse, as well as a full selection of KTM power parts and power wear accessories. We also offer the same aftermarket parts and accessories that you see on Shorty's bike for your own KTM. 29 years of experience would be impressive, but we have over 35 years of experience in the motorcycle industry. We're here to serve you with a huge inventory, great prices, and fast, dependable service. The staff at KTM Parts Express is not short on experience, 
We'll process your order with speed and accuracy. Our goal is to get you the parts you need in the shortest amount of time. If you're in need of KTM parts or accessories, this is the place to shop. Roost MX. Roost MX, the official graphics company for both Cobra Moto and Cycle Trader Rock River Yamaha team. For over 16 years, Roost delivers professional level graphics for every rider from amateur to pro. Choose from our huge selection of graphics online and make yours one of a kind. Roost also offers a wide range of other custom products from t-shirts, sticker kits, helmet kits, trailer graphics, and more. With our quick 48-hour turnaround, shipping orders is top priority. Be sure to check out the new Pulp Nation section to get your Pulp MX swag. And follow us on Instagram at RoostMX for monthly sales. Get your equipment looking fresh by visiting RoostMX.net and use the discount code PULPNATION to save 20%. RoostMX. Don Emler had a simple vision for FMF racing when he started it in his garage back in 73. Provide top-level U.S. racing equipment at the grassroots level. 43 years later, FMF racing is known for delivering the world's top performance exhaust products. Today, Don's vision continues to guide the family-operated company in its 100,000-square-foot, state-of-the-art manufacturing facility in the heart of Southern California, where 100% of everything is built under one roof. FMF is factory. Vortex Racing, the leader in top quality racing components for over 15 years, is now a proud supporter of the Pulp MX Show. All Vortex Racing products are made with the best materials and the tightest tolerances. All because Vortex Racing is owned and operated by guys just like you, enthusiasts and riders that demand the best. We have over 1,000 different gear choices to suit your needs and track conditions. All sprockets are cut from 7075 T6 aluminum and come in an assortment of colors. Want something even stronger? Check out our full line of laser-cut steel sprockets. Besides sprockets, Vortex offers V3 oversized motocross handlebars that are 29% stronger than the competition. With years of research into these bars and top riders like Arena Cross champion Tyler Bowers putting their trust in them. You know these bars can take the abuse you'll give them. Remember, there's a reason champions choose Vortex. So the question is simple. Do you want to join the ranks of James Stewart and FMX legend Ronnie Renner? Choose Vortex. For more information, check out VortexRacing.com. All Pulp MX listeners are getting hooked up with a discount on any Vortex Racing product. Just email Roger at VortexRacing.com for promo code PULP2015. Or call him at 800-440-3559, extension 222. See you on the track.
Welcome back, everybody. As I said, RoostMX.net, they got a whole section for Pulp MX on there. And they can make you some custom graphics also for uh, for your bike, uh, RoostMX.net. Great guys down there, pr proud sponsors of the Cycle Trader. Rock River team, they're not your average graphic company. 48-hour turnaround. Pulp Nation saves you 20% on RoostMX.net. Go on there and uh, get a shirt, get some stickers, or whatever. Even if you don't have pulp stuff, get your own stuff. And uh, stay away from Pulp MX if you want. If you don't want that on your bike. Jerks. Welcome back. Pulp MX Show presented by BTOSports.com and Fly Racing. Works Connection sponsored teams. RCH Suzuki, Yoshimira Suzuki, Star Racing, Cycle Trader, Rock River Yamaha, Rocky Mountain ATV. Too many other teams to... to uh, to talk about here, a uh, new product for 2015 is their steering stem nuts, all brands including KTM and Husky. Their pro launch start device is used by more OMA pros and other companies combined. They got a patent on that thing and uh, works connection, Berluti, great guys, been been in the business forever. Forever. They're they're great products. Their radiator brace, must have. Factory Honda. Yeah. 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 Great, great uh, guys and uh, I mean, think about, you know, Berluti, I use works connection stuff on teams I was on, you yeah. used them on. When did you ever get something that didn't fit or didn't work right or wasn't Sano? How often do you find that in an aftermarket company? Right, right. Yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable. The fit and finish. They must, they must just go through, you know, um, they not, must not release anything until it's just perfect. You know what I mean? Because you no, never have any problems. Eric's like that. You know Eric, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, he's... Uh, two under. They offer the pinnacle of tagless mid-rise regular fit boxer briefs. They innovated the patent-pending Joey Pouch for out munch support. And our commitment to premium features doesn't end there. Pulp MX 2015 at 2under.com saves you 20%. The number 2, UNDR.com to save 20%. I'm rocking my 2-unders, I think, as we speak. Where's mine? You were going to give me some. Yeah, are you a large? Extra large? Uh, pro uh, pro I don't I got know. Some, I'm, I about, I'm about a 34. You said they run. You think they run, uh, they Devin? Run a, they run a little big. They I, run a little big. I, so I, maybe run a, I run a 34 waist. It's large would fit good okay, for you. Okay, large. Good. I'll get, I got one for you. Actually, here, Devin, you, Devin tell no, them about no, two no, under. I don't want the ones no. that you're wearing, Steve. <laughs> Devin, tell them about two under. I'll go get them a pair. Yeah, no, two under is an awesome company. I've had them for like about a month now. Every single time I, they come out of the washer and dryer, that's the first pair of underwear I put on. I actually went to the golf store. About a week ago, Golfsmith that they just opened right around here, they have every single type of two-under that you could buy there. And it really surprised me because I haven't even heard of them until the show. And then I go to my local golf store, and there they are. Wow. Yeah, they're, uh, they sell the swing shifts. Those ones are sweet. The day shifts are like the normal, <laughs> like Hanes, just normal material. And then they got the gear shifts. The gear shifts are kind of like what you would wear for like you know, uh, bicycling or riding your dirt bike or oh, whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, a little yeah. bit more like, uh, you know, it's 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 really good, man. I, I love their stuff. There you go right there. Was that the swing shifts? Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to love those, Steve. Brilliant. Are these, these, these would be kind of like for uh, bicycle riding? No. No, those are for like everyday. everyday use, bro. Right on. It's got the Joey pouch. It does have the marsupial on there. It see? does. Pulp MX 2015 saves you money at 2under.com, like I said. JT, welcome back. Appreciate it. We're trying to lighten things up in here after this. Yeah, JT. Yeah. You know what, though? Hey, you know, you know what? We have a lot of fun on this show. We do a lot of uh, uh, crazy things and talking about the sport and all that. So let's let's have a, a couple-hour conversation about something that, you know, that's good and bad, you know? So I'm down. I'm down with it. All right. 
Yeah. Uh, Galfer Breaks, check them out. Galfer Breaks used by seemingly half the team in the pits. Galfer Break guys uh, are a big part of uh, of the show this year, and we appreciate them having them on. Uh, people spend a ton of money on uh, their brakes, but they're on their bikes. But the last thing they think about is their brakes. So why do they ignore their brakes? I don't know. GalferUSA.com, uh, used by uh, TLD, Lucas Oil, KTM, Rockstar Husky, JGR Yamaha, BTO Sports KTM, among others. Galfer USA. Uh, check them out. So thanks to uh, the guys from Galfer for coming on. Great company. They got me some stuff for Project 88, too, which I'm stoked on. So uh, let's get the phone calls here. Snowman, you still there? Yeah. You've been, you, you've been on hold a long time, Snowman, but what do you got to say? Well, that was a pretty crazy conversation I jumped into. I had no idea what was going on when I called in. I was coming back from Vegas. Right on, and, Vegas, uh, bro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Whiskey Pete, man. Chicks are hot there. But, uh, well, my original question was um, Trey Kennard, when he was getting carted off, but, I don't know, he gave a face. I hadn't seen him yet with all his <laughs> other injuries. Usually he's giving thumbs up or whatever. He just looked really uh, pissed. He did. At what point, if you're Trey Kennard, I'm sure he's pretty well off at this point. He's been with Factory Honda, and he's... You know, I'm sure he's made some good money, has a nice little uh, plantation or whatever he got to call him out there. What, at what point do you just say, fuck it, man? You just got married, you're having sex finally, you're enjoying life, I'm sure he is. No, I, I, no, no, it's it's a broken arm, Snowman. It's a broken arm. I mean, uh, he won Supercrosses this year. He's in the middle of a factory Honda deal. Broken arm, whoopee, he'll be back for outdoors probably. So why would you, you know, I mean, it was a racing incident, I, I... that's a dumb no, I'm question. Not saying, I'm not saying it just because it's a broken arm. I mean, it's just added all up together. Okay, well, I mean, he won races That's this year, so uh, he's making millions of dollars, and he broke his arm. Like, it's – I know what you're saying. I know you got – he's been seriously injured, but, you know, this wasn't – this wouldn't I, – I mean, JT, would you think for a minute that Trey would think like that with this? Uh, No, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't in this case. I would think maybe for Jake Weimer, but I don't, I don't think so for Trey. I yeah. think he's – uh top of his game. I think he's all right right now. I think yeah. he's in a good spot. He, you know, lots of people want to employ him. Mm-hmm. He's been kind of in a, you know, good time in his age of his career. Um, I just think he was just pissed off because it wasn't his fault. That's all. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Well, and then one last little comment. Uh, one thing I have noticed with the sport is, you know, the bikes have gotten crazy fast in the last 10 years. The, uh, level of riding like you even go to your local amateur race like beginners aren't beginners anymore they're everybody's pretty well you know cruising around the track at a decent click safety gear itself like helmets especially i think 6d kind of you know came out with their new helmet but overall like it just doesn't seem like it's keeping up as fast as the sport is accelerating you know like you look at the helmets nowadays and in nascar and the hans device and all these other crazy i mean I know they have a cage and they're they're capable of having better safety gear, but I don't know. I just don't see the technology mm-hmm. growing as fast as the motorcycles and the riders. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of I didn't hear a point really got brought up on that, but I can't uh, no, uh, good point. You're right. The uh, chest tractors haven't changed much since the early '80s, if at all. Um, so you got a point there. Sixty trying something new with helmets, um, but yeah, good point, Snowman. Thanks, man. All right, have a good night. All right, Nash. Quickly, you want to ask Berluti a question? Quickly. Yes, please, with sugar on top, gentlemen. 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 Gentlemen, how are you? All right, Berluti, go Nash. back to the time machine and take us through 
uh, a bike that you really didn't think had a lot of promise, and you were satisfied with how it turned out and how your rider rode it. And Steve, the same for you. Well, any bike I tuned on Nash was tuned to perfection. Oh my God. Okay, there there was nothing left uh, to do. So a lot, lot of time on their first year bike or a, a, a bike like Suzuki when they first came out with a '96 RM250. Mm-hmm. It was completely changed. Oh, the Rocco's favorite bike. So slow. No, I mean <laughs> it, it really had some problems, and I was pretty bummed with even tuning on the bike because I mean I can only do so much, you know, and mm-hmm. the engineers weren't. I don't think we're doing enough at the time. So, yeah, that, that would have been the bike there. And then um, the next year got a little better, not much. And then um, finally, you know, when McGrath was getting ready to go to Yamaha, they finally sent us over a cylinder or something that made a big difference that McGrath said, you know what, if I would have had this, you know, prior, <laughs> I might have I might have considered staying really? another was year. That, was that much better? It huh? was, uh, yeah. 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 We, we were really losing, we, we were really lacking bottom end, yeah. and they just didn't have that, that you know. How tense did things get between Big Mike and Roger and Dempsey? Cause, oh, it was really gnarly, especially with the fork thing. Ro- LaRocco stayed home mm-hmm. on weekend. Just oh, didn't well, even, yeah, that got, yeah, that got bad, I mean? yeah. Right. Yeah. Dude, that's now, crazy. There was That's a lot crazy. of friction between Roger and, and, and Big Mike, you know. <laughs> yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, uh, kind of. I mean, McGrath came in there and pretty much Roger did whatever. Right. Well, tried to do whatever he could yeah. with McGrath, you right. know. And uh, especially, like I said, with the suspension thing, because Suzuki was really, you know, marketing, pushing that uh, uh, conventional fork yeah, again they were, to that's bring right. it back, you know. Yep. And then yeah. – uh, and then McGrath right away said, "No, I don't like. I need the upside down fork." And he let him, but Larocco had to continue. Larocco's like, "What? What? I want those." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and Big Mike was right there you alongside know, him. Obviously. I gotta say, at Yamaha, we if if we had one of something, no one ran it. We would not run anything until there was three of them for all three guys. Mm. I gotta say, Yamaha was pretty good that way. That they, is good. We developed some things, a swing arm and an airbox and stuff that were really good, and we waited until we had enough. Wow. To, mm. to put them on. They wouldn't do that to, for Chad or for Timmy or DV. or Maybe that, they didn't. They didn't tell us. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, they waited. So, yeah. a little different. Steve, Steve, how was the three-speed 450 Yamaha 03, 04? Yeah. How was that thing? Uh, it's good. Yeah, it was sweet. Red Dog loved it. Yeah, it was... Uh, did three-speed or four-speed? No, three-speed. We had a three-speed for a while. Not production. No. No, no, no. No, no. Yeah. no yeah. Works bike. So... I uh, had a three-speed uh, 250. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, well, obviously, we had the gears in there, but yeah, you, no, you no, know no. how you but yeah. Same with you guys with but that. But on a 252 stroke? You're fine with that? Second, huh? second third, and fourth, I guess, right? <clears throat> uh, basically, yeah. I had a look. Taller second? Taller I, I made sure that I looked on the starts. So, because, you know, we built our motors yeah. every week that right. that I would change that transmission. If on, you saw the long start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Thanks, Nash. See, that's, the, that's the nuggets of Berluti. That's why Berluti needs to come on the show all the time. He's on a Berluti's lot. nuggets. Berluti's nuggets. How's things going back east? Are you freezing your butt still? No, we can't talk to Nash. We got Tortelli on the line. I'll call in later. No worries. Get that that wonderful Tortelli, that wonderful Frenchman. I'm I'm a nobody. Berluti, cheers. (laughs) Hey, cheers. Thanks. Thank uh, you. Thank you, uh, Nash. Uh, Always appreciate when you call in. Like we said, we got the uh, uh, former world champion factory Honda rider, factory Suzuki rider, KTM GP rider, uh, all-around great guy. Uh, We've talked about him a lot on the show and uh, happy to have him on, I think, for... Only the second time, or maybe the first. Sebastian Tortelli, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? 
good. We're sorry to put you on hold for that long. You do not deserve that. You're better than that. So. No worries. That's all good. I was listening to the conversation. That was pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, that's kind of right in your era a little bit, right? With uh, the late yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah. No, that was just a little bit before. Right, right. Uh, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Jason Thomas, who was in your uh, wedding party, is on. Tony Berluti was your mechanic. He's on. It's a very Sebastian-oriented show. Seb, how are you? Some great friends out there. <laughs> hey, uh, one of the things JT has told us about you is that you're a, you're a very good cook. That was my story. Yes, oh, was your story? Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll add to it. Go ahead. Okay, all right. Yeah. So JT told us that you are a, a not only a world champion on the track, but a world champion in the kitchen, Seb. Yeah, the, I can I can defend myself in the kitchen. You know, I don't know if it's the French origin or liking the food, <laughs> but I can do some stuff out there. <laughs> oh, um, I can, I just a man can cook a quiche. I'm telling you, <laughs> quiche was more a, than just a quiche. Uh, a quiche was your was your specialty, Seb? Uh, no, I mean I can. You know, there's uh, there's a lot of things I can do. I think oh. be, uh, you know, I think most of the guys who come to the house, you know, they they're happy about me when they leave. <laughs> this is comfortable. <laughs> right, right, right. That's awesome. Uh, and and Berlut, so what's your story about well, Seb? I asked you to come up with it, your favorite yeah, Seb story. Well, real quick, we're yeah. out, we're testing. We're out at Ricky's house, Carmichael's. You know, down at down on the farm. You yeah. know, and uh, so after riding and testing all day, Seb, you know, decides to. Go make it some mill in the house. And then we're working on the bike. I'm not really Hold even... on. Hold on. Yeah. Chad Reed has never done that for me. <laughs> it's, it's... Well, it wasn't just for me. It was for the whole no, crew. I know. You know? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so he goes in there and, uh, you know, makes us a mill. And then his dessert, a tiramisu, was off the hook. Okay? <laughs> Hold on. He rode all day. <laughs> yes. He, I'm not, he yeah. tested. He rode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This ain't no, it ain't no bullshit. Yeah. Wow. So, so the tiramisu, I mean... I know a little bit about cooking because my mom was a really good cook. She uh-huh. was into the Bon Appetit magazines and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, most people don't make a tiramisu with real lady fingers. That's a, that's a type okay. of. Uh, uh, I don't you know, even know, but it's a, what would you call it? Like a cake, Sebastian? No, it's lady fingers. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like a, it's a cake type. You know, you know, cookie type thing. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, but so he. He actually had to track those down and get those and to make it the actual proper way, you know. And uh, it was just unbelievable. And, and Jeannie was like, oh, my God. You know, Carmichael, yeah. he goes, not only is he, you know, so good looking, but he can cook too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. After testing all day. Yeah. Red Dog never did that for me ever. <laughs> hey, Steve. Yeah, I mean, testing at Aussie Place was something, you know, that was something. Right. It was just not testing. It was, you know, a battle out there. Right, yeah, you're out there, you're, you're, you're doing, uh, uh, going as fast as you can, then you whip up a dinner. That's phenomenal. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a good story. Yeah. I can't believe that, JT. That's, that's phenomenal. I don't know if any riders ever uh, know I'm telling you. JT, have you behold. had his tiramisu? I never have had tiramisu. Ever? I haven't. Uh, ever. We can say that happened. That's pretty easy. <laughs> it's a famous Italian dish. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, as long as your coffee is good with me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Seb, uh, uh, what's going on with you lately? What's happening in Sebastian Tortelli's life? I always like to say hi to you at the races. I haven't seen you for a little bit, maybe one of the Anaheims or something. But what's new with you? What's going on? I mean, same old, same old. I mean, I've been uh, in San Diego most, uh, I mean, since, I mean, since always, you know. Mm-hmm. People think uh, I left back to Europe, but I'm, um, I'm always here, you know. 
I see uh, some of the guys at uh, the races, you know, pro race, but mainly, you know, I, I work with uh, amateur kids, so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I do the, the nationals, the amateur nationals and Loretta Leans and all the qualifiers and the mammoth, you know, all this, uh, this good stuff. So mm-hmm. I worked this year, I started working with uh, Ronnie Stewart before he crashed and went back east, you know, to help him out a little bit on the, on the Supercross. Mm-hmm. And uh, just bringing, you know, some, some young guys up and then um, a lot of international riders. But, uh, you know, also California guys and, um, you know, at the track, you know, I still uh, still go quite a bit often at the track. Still, you know, not riding as much as I want to, you know, mm-hmm. it's just pretty busy. But, um, you know, last time I ride, I crashed my brain out. So I was, what? Uh, remind me how hard was the dirt. <laughs> Where did you crash and how? Uh, I crashed at LACR. Uh-huh. I just, uh, you know, they they get the track, you know, prepped up. And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a long time. I haven't been to LACR since it was closed. Mm-hmm. And I went right out there and then um, just riding. And then I thought I was going pretty easy. <laughs> and uh, I was, I guess, you know, out of the corner. I was third gear. And then uh, I hit the berm and then my front end went uh, straight through the berm and just high sided. So I went up and then crashed on my side and I uh, probably like broke a couple, uh, couple ribs. Hit wow. my head pretty good. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, damn, you know. I thought I was not going fast, but uh, <laughs> I guess I was. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, so the Champ Factory is running strong, and, and that's right. Uh, uh, I saw you with Ronnie Stewart, yeah. And uh, he's come a long way, man. It looks like you're working well with him. Obviously, he got injured there missed a few rounds, but his starts are on point, and he's, uh, he seems much improved. Talk about working with Ronnie a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I met Ronnie, you know, last uh, we met last October, so we started working together in October, and then... Uh, you know, just uh, wanted to, he wanted some help out there, so I'm like, you know, let's let's go and and see if we, you know, first is you need to make sure, you know, uh, we feel comfortable together, you know, mm-hmm. as far as you know, I mean, you're there, and then, you know, a rider going on the track need to have uh, confidence in in who he's working with, and you you need to be comfortable, you know, if the the guy tell you, you know, you you need to jump that jump, there should be no hesitation. So you know that's you know that's part of what's you know what's uh, happening on the track. So we worked a little bit together, and then we clicked uh, pretty good. And uh, so we, I mean, I went with him, and then uh, I break down a little bit, you know, what he was doing, and then try mm-hmm. to improve it and, and get him more comfortable out there. And uh, you know, work him, you know, get him a schedule where he was able to uh, to improve his fitness and then his uh, his speed. You know, uh, the the tough the class was tough this uh, this early on on the year. So. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, some pretty, uh, pretty harsh on the 450, and getting in the main was, uh, was a big, you know, yeah, big thing. Yeah, seven zero two five eight six seven eight five seven. You got a question for former world champion uh, Sebastian Tortelli, uh, former factory Honda rider, Suzuki rider, and uh, and Tony Berluti's old rider as well. So, uh, Seb, what do you remember about Tort- uh, Berlut uh, uh, being your mechanic? How, was it, how intense does he get? He gets very into it. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, Tony was uh, was awesome. I mean, uh, we had some great time uh, on on the track and off the track. And uh, you know, the first time you know I met uh, Tony, I mean, that's when uh, I went to to Suzuki, of course. And uh, I knew Tony because he was uh, Mikael Pichon's mechanic. Yeah, you yeah, know, and yeah. He handled uh, Mikael pretty well. So I'm like, let's <laughs> be a good guy out there. <laughs> so I went in, you know, the first day, you know, with uh, with uh, with that impression, and then uh, Tony was, you know. Mm-hmm. was awesome very meticulous and always on top of it and that was you know for me it was impressive thank you, know? you. i mean like 
I know how to ride a bike. I don't know how to work on a bike. <laughs> right, right. And hey, uh, uh, talking to Shane Drew, of course, your longtime mechanic, a good friend of mine, and, yeah. and Berlut. Uh, if there's anybody who's hard on motorcycles, it's Sebastian Tortelli. Correct yeah, me yeah, if I'm wrong. <laughs> well, maybe I can tell you another quick story. Yeah. You got a minute? Yeah. Well, no. nothing, nothing, nothing. Drew, Drew used to tell me, yeah, we replace his bars. Uh, he doesn't crash, but he bends them. He just bends his bars from just, I'm just like, wow. But, well, I remember on his two-stroke, he was out at, I believe it was uh, Lake Elsinore, and there's some big, yeah, you know, t- tabletops or whatever, yeah. or big, you know, big, long, mm-hmm. you know, ones. And uh, so he, he shows up at the shop, you know, and he's like, uh, my foot peg mounts broke off. Not the peg, the mount <laughs> yeah, on the yeah, frame, okay? Right. And I'm uh, like, you don't seem like you're limping. I mean, are, <laughs> yeah. no, it's fine, you know. He wears... I think you wore orthotics or whatever, you know, like a, a cool orthotic. But he said there was nothing wrong with him. But, I mean, rip, <laughs> rip the foot peg mount off. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I shred it off of the frame directly. Yeah, was, <laughs> directly. Uh, that, that was the first, you know, I think the first year I came here, you know, I came off of the GPs, and that was my first year riding with the Honda. Mm-hmm. And obviously that was the you know second year they had the aluminium frame out there, and then uh, you know I mean I was off uh, for for a while, so that was like just you know I think two or three weeks before the the season was starting for Supercross. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, you know I was rough a little bit, and then uh, case the triple the big triple on the Honda track with the Japanese and everything mm-hmm. landed and cased it. I mean frame case, <laughs> not even just right. you know, the wheel. No, it was just pure frame case. And uh, snapped the pin. The Japanese, you know, came out and, yeah. and looked at it. It's like, no way, that's not possible. <laughs> then they sent it back home, you know, to Japan. Yeah. And uh, the Japanese came back and said, oh, it needs uh, one pressure of uh, one ton of pressure to break that, uh, that pin. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and it's like, is the rider fine? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, rider's yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, so no. the next year they came out and then uh, they, instead, I think it was like just one, you know, one bolt on top, one number, uh, one bolt on the bottom, and it doubled the bolts on top. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it's amazing, JT. The man is such finesse hands with tiramisu and quiches, but yet on the track. <laughs> but on the track, We'll tell your story he's about be- he's Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, when Shane used worked on your bike, tell him the story about Larocco's leap on your Honda that one year. Oh, yeah, that was a disaster right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. I mean, came, you know, first year, you know, first year at, uh, at, um, in Michigan, you know, Larko's Elite. Right. I go out there and I was, uh, I think I was with, uh, we were, I was teammate with Ezra. And I'm like, you know, I come to Ezra, it's like, you know, dude, you need to help me out with that one. And, and we were <laughs> battling together for championship. That was the first year. Right. And I'm like, you know, I, I never did a jump that big. <laughs> and Israel says, okay, you know, in practice, if I see you, don't worry, just get behind me and just, you know, make the jump. Right. And uh, I'll go for it and just follow me in. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, no problem. You know, came around, I see Israel coming up, he sees me, not from the head, and I'm like, okay, you know, here we go. Right. We go, you know, for the second gear, third gear. And I'm like, okay, we're doing pretty good. And, you know, still pulling, and I'm like, fourth gear, still going, still going, <laughs> and just made it. And I'm like, okay, you know, that was pretty good. And, right. you know, the race go on and did the race, no problem. The following year, I come back, and I'm like, okay, you know, got Lauro Colips, you know. Yeah, no you problem. got down, right, yeah. 
yeah, got it, you know, got it done. It was pretty easy, you know, fourth gear wide open, and then here you go. And I go, you know, I was a second lap of practice, or third lap of practice, here we go, you know, second, third, fourth, and I hit it the same way. Well, the chance to take off a little bit, and I flattened in like, <laughs> I think, you know, two meters, like, you know, six foot behind it. Right. Cased it, blew the front wheel. The, <laughs> the chain pulled out the counter shaft out of the engine. Wow. You just stretched it. Off it. Of the, yeah. the engine all the way. Blew up the rear wheel. And I'm like, you know, frame was okay. Everything was okay on the rest of the bike. Uh-oh. Here we go. Shane has to split up the engine, change everything. Here we go. Okay, day was over. Go for the first race. Bike's good. No problem. Go beyond the gate. And then on the impact, I messed up the starter. And the bike wouldn't, wouldn't go. You know, like he would go. And then when it gets a little bit warm and was hot, it would just shut down. And then day was over. Basically, at the end of the day, they had to... The bike was trashed, and then this new bike, and then let's go for the next race. He couldn't figure it out. You know, oh. all of it was was so messed up from the impact. Oh, um, JT. But, uh, I got. I, I think I, uh, with uh, the Tony, we did one. I think it was Daytona one year with the 450 with the Suzuki. Yeah. I think you just changed the frame on that bike. Oh and yeah, not Daytona. Daytona I, think. I think it was at uh, it was at one of the indoors because we had to change a frame after practice because it was cracked. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> No, no, it was, I think, Daytona. I think you just rebuilt the, uh, the bike for Daytona. I think it was time, you know, after so many races, you, you had to change the, sh- uh, the, the oh, frame. Or uh-huh. Uh-huh. The frame. And then uh, I think we, that was just before Daytona. And then I think I, I ended at Daytona and then bent the frame. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> JT, you got it. was to... like, JT. Brand new frame, oh. first race. I was like, I wo- that was a walk of shame when I came back to the oh, JT, you got to see this week in and week out, this destruction of motorcycles. Well, that's yeah, you know what? Years. You know, it's not just uh, every, you know, every motorcycle every time. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't seem like he was too bad, you know, when I was around, like, on, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, on, when he was on Hondas, and then um, mm-hmm. he switched to Suzuki there, but wasn't too terrible. He just, uh, yeah. he rode a lot, though. I just remember <laughs> just riding piss out of these bikes. So And and Honda doesn't mess around as far as yeah. sending you new equipment all the time. So Right. I I, uh... well, I think it was, you know, I think, you know, crashes were, I've been like, there were not that many crashes, but when, when they happened, it was big ones. <laughs> 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 I think it was not, you know, not a little one. Right. It was like nothing, nothing, and then a major one. Uh, JT, what'd you learn from some Seb? I mean, look, uh, you, know, you spent a lot of time with, with the, the, the great Tim Ferry and, uh, and Chad Reed, too. You rode at Chad Reed's house for years and years and years. And then you also in there, you rode with Seb week in and week out for a while. What'd you learn from, from Seb that you transferred to your racing career? Like, what kind of stuff did he imprint did he leave with you? Uh, you know, Seb was uh, the crazy thing to me when I, when I think back on Seb racing was he was one of the only guys that I've ever seen be able to just straight up go faster than Ricky Carmichael out in the outdoor race. Yeah. Um, of all the people I can think of that have raced Ricky outdoors, he's the, the one guy that I'm like, yep, when Seb was on, he was just better than Ricky. He just was. He was better than Ricky when, when he was on. And, well, man, that's about the biggest compliment I could ever give anyone because no one else really could do that. Well, Seb, when you ran out of gas at Redbud that year, oh, one, oh, what year? No, would have been, oh, whatever. Oh, oh, maybe. 
maybe. You I think were, that was 01. That was halfway through the series, and you were leading the outdoor points. You know? Well, they, the year he was leading the outdoor points, Doug Henry landed on him at Unadilla. Yeah, that oh, was that yeah, year, too. Broke, broke his uh, yeah, that was 99. That well, was the first year, I think. Yeah, so but, but, yeah. But, but then you were beating Carmichael halfway through the series. People kind of forget that, and then you, you had a disastrous red bud. Yeah, no, I think, you know, these few, uh, these few years, actually, where I was leading the, the series for, you know, I think the first, I think it was 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2000 was the first year he was out there, and I was leading the series until that point. Uh, that that was one, and then the following year, 2001, was the same. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think I, I think I twisted, you know, uh, both of my ankles at Hawaii or something like that happened. And yeah. I was, you know, after that I lost. I couldn't I couldn't keep the the pressure on him. And then uh, that was it. I lost uh, the championship. And you know, when you lose lose, lose the the touch, you know, in points, and mm-hmm. you have that pressure, then it's you know. Yeah, the race has changed. That's for sure. I I always say one of the best rides I've ever seen in my life, Sebastian Tortelli, '97 Glen Helen. Glen Helen, unbelievable. '99, '99, '99, '99 Glen Helen. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, coming, you're, you're number 44 from you raced. You won the Supercross the year before, first year on a Honda, and uh, you came from 15th or something, both motos, and your speed down the. I'll never forget it. I just was like, oh my god. Like just it was one of the most epic beatdowns I've ever seen in an outdoor race. <laughs> it probably and was. He des- he with Jimmy that year? Oh no, Jimmy Betton was the one on the four on the four fifty Yamaha at that time. Yeah, yeah, it would have been Button yeah. that year. Yeah, and yeah. you were coming down those hills, and I'm I'm just like, look at this guy, like just see you later on the gas. Yeah, everybody's breaking, and he's on the gas. Yeah, it was it was a phenomenal ride, to Seb, but one I'll, I'll never forget until until I die. I, it's crazy, crazy, no, it was insane. Good day. It was a good I got, day. I, uh, you know, that was the, I think the, I think that was the years where uh, I got. Uh, that was my first year out there, and yeah. I guess it was common. But you know, as a, you know, I was still you know foreigner for for most of the guys. They mm-hmm. didn't know me really well, and um, I remember I got baptized by uh, beer. Oh yeah, you know, they, I was riding, and then people <laughs> first motor threw, threw beers at me. <laughs> well, you were. I remember going through that, and I come back from the from the race and just smelling beer. <laughs> You I were, don't know if that was baptized. Yeah, fucking <laughs> 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 American fans. <laughs> but well, look, you had to chase down MC both motos. I think. I think that was the year McGrath just did the opener. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was. So you know you're beating the king, catching him in SoCal. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah, I don't know yeah, if, don't if chasing him down was was really the right term because he <laughs> came from like. 10 seconds behind and like two laps and then was like 45 seconds yeah, exactly. by halfway. Yeah, good point. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Uh, hey, let's get to a phone call here from uh, from John. John, what's going on? Thanks for calling the show. How you doing, man? First of all, I owe Sebastian an apology, okay? What happened was, you know, about four weeks ago, you and JT were talking about Sebastian, you know, about traveling with him and all the stories like you're doing now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I love the show so much. So I called his house, and he was dinner eating. I wanted him to call you guys, you know, because you were talking about him, and I interrupted his dinner. So I want to apologize, Sebastian, for that. <laughs> you called us. Oh, that was, imagine the meal. Remember, yeah, I was, uh, I was at the dinner with my, my kids and, and wife. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> Um, Can you imagine the meal he had prepared for that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that was Tiffany who did that. They were, <laughs> they were probably in the fifth course, and Seb is not yeah. calling the Pulp Show at that moment. But, okay, Some sort of now, duck orange. Um, <laughs> to make a comment about JT, I think now 
since you knowing you guys were friends and all this over the years, I think JT self-consciously he's picked up your fashion senses since he's wearing blueberry and uh, diesel jeans and all this stuff. I think he got hold on. I didn't wear blueberry. <laughs> blueberry. Blueberry. Okay, Burberry. Bur- <laughs> uh, no, you know what? <laughs> so the winter trips. Hey, I tell you what. When Seb went to the airport, it was like he was in downtown Paris. Yeah, was, you said that on the show. Like, yeah, it was incredible. So I've he, never seen any, the only thing I've ever seen like it was looking through magazines. Like you flip through magazines and you see these people on their private jets, and right, uh, it's just it was straight out of some sort of movie. I would show up in like board shorts and flip flops, right. hair a mess, and I'm just ready to go racing out. You know, ready to go race a motorcycle at 115 degree heat or something. And, and Seb looks like he just stepped off a movie set. <laughs> Seb, Seb is going on a runway somewhere. <laughs> yep. He always dressed like that. It's just, yeah. it's just classier than us, Seb. That's what you were. You were just classier than all of us. Oh, no. I mean, you got, you know, you got Jeff Hennig, which is a pretty classy guy out there. <laughs> he had you know, laser suits on. Jeff is, you know, you can look him on, you know, on TV when he's out there and everything. He always have, uh, you know, always that, you know, classy, you know. Metrosexual look up there. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, getting back to your riding, Seb, do you have the new factory edition KTM 450? Not really, no, no, not right now. Oh, okay. No, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm between bikes, I guess. You know, oh, okay. maybe uh, green, maybe blue. You know, oh, I, I yeah, don't know yeah. yet. Oh, Seb. I don't know yet. I want to race Loretta this year. You know, it's been a long time, and I never oh, wow. raced Loretta Lean, so um, this year would be the year I'm going to race it. Probably so- you know, plus twenty-five or thirty or plus thirty-five, something like that. Uh-huh. Just for the fun of it, since I'm going to be there. Oh, JT, can you imagine the beatdown Seb's going to give everybody when he shows up? Yeah, it should be good. I think Red Dog's racing plus 40. Is Red Dog um, racing? Is he really going to yeah, race? Yeah, oh. yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. Oh, well, then I. But he would be, he's going to race plus 40, I think. Um, and that's what I was telling somebody the other day. I'm like, can you imagine if you're, you know, just some guy that rides on the weekends and has a job and he's got a race for and again, in the plus 40 class against Tim Ferry? Like, <laughs> how does how is that even gonna feel? Oh, Robbie Renard. Renard shows up too, <laughs> right? And yeah, yeah. After Robbie this week, he was running pretty well. He was in Texas. That was pretty good. He's hey, Robbie is still got. I saw some photos. He's still got the style, man. Like, like he looks. You know, he always is a little heavier than he was in his prime. But you want to talk about elbows up, uh, foot out, like just looking. You know, it's like you never left the, the... I think you never lose your style. You know, maybe you lose speed, but you don't lose your style. <laughs> I mean, that's something, you know, that's you. What if I you mean, never had it? You are. Yeah, what if you never had it like JT? <laughs> yeah, if you never have it. Anyway. <laughs> hey, can you find it? I'm still looking. <laughs> hey, Seb... Maybe on the picture. Eh? You can you can Photoshop a lot of things. Ah, uh, there you go. Seb, we had uh, we had Chad on the show a little while ago with JT, and of course, we I, 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 I praised Chad. I'm like, Chad, <clears throat> did you ever try to help JT out? Like... Like, what, do you ever sit, sit him down and, like, look, JT was a very fast pro and, and is a, a shit ton of main events and, and is, you know, one in the upper percentile of talented riders. But we're like, Chad, did you ever try to get him to the next level? And Chad said, no, he never listened to me, which JT immediately disputed. And, you know, and they got into an argument on the air about whether or not Chad tried <laughs> to help JT. But on, from your perspective, did you ever try to help JT and what was that like? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think the you know the years we had together in Florida was uh, it was pretty good. I mean, GT, you know, it was for me. It was he says I was working a lot or writing a lot, but I think it was uh, for me. It was I think we talked about it a lot. Was you know he he loved going to the gym, and I'm like <laughs> you know, he needs to 
back off on the gym. <laughs> You're already too strong. You know, you need right. more. You know, you need to be lighter. And coming from me, where you know, he's like, you know, oh, Steph is tough. You know, he's strong. But I'm like, dude. How many times he was like, "Come on, back off the gym, so you can, you know, well, he's you gotta, can be more flexible." He's got to pick up chicks. He's got to pick up chicks. So. <laughs> I mean, he was looking good, you know, in his lift-up uh, track up there. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, Seb, did you ever try to take the husky for a ride to see maybe that was an issue with JT? Did you ever get on the husky and try it out? <laughs> no, I never did. No, I think <laughs> okay. we, I, oh, maybe we did. He's far too smart know. for I that. Remember. I, I know you. Uh, I rode on your bike, which was the. I think you were, you were riding with the CRF, the 450. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I switched to uh, switched that bike right right towards the end, but um, yeah, that the Husky time. The Husky was like right when we kind of started hanging out. Like that okay. was in '01. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't have wanted him to ride my bike. If he would have passed, I would have probably said, don't do it. <laughs> don't do He's it. breaking factory Hondas and factory Suzuki's. What would he do to your Husky? <laughs> no, it would have been more for his own good. You know, this, this bike for can't his own really good. withstand a lot of abuse. Right. Uh, right. If you look at it too long, things start to fall off. <laughs> exactly. Uh, hey, Seb, so uh, where can people uh, get a hold of you if they want to get some lessons from you or they want to you know, talk to you about. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, uh, if you go, you know, if you Google Seb Tortelli or, or, or okay. Chain Factory, you know, ChainFactory.com, you know, okay. the, the contact out there is it's pretty straight, straightforward. You can, you know, email uh, email on the Chain Factory website okay, or, or, or phone. It's straightforward. I mean, if you go on a Google search and you type my name, most probably you're going to have Chain Factory is going to pop up pretty quick. And will you do you do uh, quiche lessons and style lessons along with riding lessons? That's you know that's if the, <laughs> that's you know <laughs> the guys actually at the you know uh, have the place where the guys stay and everything and then okay. most of the time you know when we prepare Loela Lina I'm at the house with them and uh-huh. we get you know so I make sure they they on on point on on everything we do out there and then basically at that time I cook uh, I, I I do the the cooking the the cooking and all the all mm-hmm. the good stuff and you know. The guys like you know they they don't like it as much because they have to eat more greens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Frenchman. You know, the Frenchman he doesn't eat salad. That's for sure. <laughs> Sebastian should be a life coach. I think I think he's right. Yeah. He's got a lot to offer in all all the the areas. Teach you how to cook. Teach you how to dress. Teach you how to go fast on a dirt bike. And how much do you want to bet? Like Seb, you probably still has a ton of money in the bank from his career. Was super smart, like financial wise, like very. You know, I can just imagine how well you're doing in that end of things, and just yeah, overall everything, Seb, just life coach, life coach. Yep. Yeah, no, everything is good. You know, I just uh, I got the chance that you know today I can choose what I want to do. You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's you know the beauty of you know I think you know the sport we we have. You know, motocross or supercross is, you know, it's it's a tough sport. You know, don't don't take me wrong on that side. It's 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 tough, and and then you go out there and. You have to work hard, and but if you do, you know, you get rewarded, you know, very well. I mean, and then then that gives you a chance to to manage your life, and and then after, you know, you can you can have the second part of your life after racing. You know, basically we stop at you know thirty, you know, mm-hmm. around thirties, and then uh, you have you know half of your life in front of you where you can you know enjoy and, and do what what you like, and that's that's what the sport gives us, and that's amazing as far as you know. My side, that's for sure. You know, today if I want to just sit sit home and, mm-hmm. and do nothing, I could. Yeah, it's awesome. But you know, I 
I will die. You know, I can't <laughs> have to be out there. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Well, hey, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, sorry to put you off so late. I, I know I moved it back a little bit on you, but uh, awesome to, to have you in and catch up with you. And uh, and people check them out if you if you want to learn more about the Champ Factory and and, and getting taught by the great Sebastian Tortelli. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks for the stories, and, and uh, for sure we'll catch up soon, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on, and then uh, it was nice to you know talk to the guys out there. It's been a long time. We see each other at the race, but it's so quick, so fast always. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, yeah. man. Thanks, Seb. Good talking to you. Yes, Seb. Thanks, JT. Thanks, Tony. Okay, right, bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Ghost testing all day at Ricky Carmichael's. Yes. Like 30 minutes, you know, all the eight hours, uh, just and, pounding sand up his ass. Just, and, just, and he was serious about his training oh, yes. and, and uh, yeah, riding. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the guy yeah. wasn't no. out there tooling around. And know? then at the end of the day, he says, I'm going to cook for the team. Pretty much. I forget what the entree was, but I just remember the tiramisu. Just, you know, it just blows. I've got a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks says that he's got a fantastic creme brulee right now in the oven. <laughs> and when he gets off this call, he's going to take care of. Ah, uh, love this guy right here. Uh, I'm just, I'm just blown away. Like I, I remember long days at the track with a lot of riders, <laughs> and I can, I can confidently say none of them have ever. Said, hey, guys, let me cook, cook you up a meal. <laughs> Probably not. This I don't never think so. happened. Ever. Uh, yeah. It's wow. Crazy. No, it was, it was seriously embarrassing going to, like, the airport with him and stuff. Because I'm not kidding when I say right, I would show right. up in board shorts and flip-flops yeah. and, you know, some kind of uh, sponsored T-shirt on. <laughs> and he literally would show up in designer outfits. I'm talking, you know, these were put together. Somewhere, not by him. You know, these were personally put together by some sort of fashionista. <laughs> and, and you guys and are checking him together. And he would just together. arrive, and there would be some sort of, like, spotlight on him as we walked through the airport. It was yeah. incredible. No, I, look, I, I've gone on and on, and people laugh at me about him. Like, I'm just like, look, the guy's a total package. Yeah, for like, sure. Like, he's good-looking. Yeah. He's fast as shit. He can cook. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What, what was is funny? Seb can't do. Yeah, it's funny. Like what Jeannie said, you know. I'm just, holy mackerel. You know, he can cook. You know. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, uh, motocross bikes have become very advanced over the past seven years. Yet ignition coil technology hasn't changed for almost forty. With four times more energy than ever, stock ignition coil, the Black Ops motocoils are designed for two-stroke and four-stroke bikes, as well as the vintage and Evo bikes that make a huge difference on the uh, on the older bikes. People, you got to try these things out. Stop overlooking the obvious and replace those tired, worn-out ignition coils today. Pulp MX listeners will get a 15% discount by calling uh, blackopsmoto.com. Go on their website, learn more about them. Great guys, and uh, they've been a part of our show for a long time. With that, let's move it right into the NFAB question of the day. On the track or on the trail, the hottest looking, hardest working accessories are NFAB. From step systems and light mounting solutions to bumpers and Jeep gear, NFAB has your Jeep, truck, or SUV covered. Uh, Also, too, uh, uh, if you want to need some graphics for NFAB, uh, check them out. uh, They've got graphics going on. Uh, Factory Effects, I believe, are making some of their graphics, so check that out. And Roost, as well, will make graphics. N-Fab.com. Great, guys. It's a simple question of the day. JT, I'll pose it to you. Do you think there's a better better? Do you think there's a rider out there who's a better cook than Sebastian Tortelli? No, that's blasphemy. Absolutely not. That has been the NFAB question of the day. We don't have an outro. We don't. No. Damn it.
I can hit it again. I'm telling you, this guy would be Michelin star rated in any restaurant. <laughs> he was what? I'm telling you. He'd be what? It would be Michelin star. You know, like I don't know what that is. Restaurants get Michelin star. No. Michelin? It's, I got those tires uh, on my mountain bike. <laughs> right, right. But it's it's like the the highest levels of elitism for restaurants. So, JT, is he the one that transformed your fashion? Uh, I would say he had a hand in it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I basically just wanted to stop looking like a hobo. That was part of it. I am one uh, step above hoboism boarding a plane right now, currently. Like, fuck you it. Know what, you know what? The biggest part of it was it's so damn hot during the summer. Yeah. I just didn't care. I was like, yep, shorts, flip-flops, it's a million degrees out here. I can't look as good as this dude anyway that's with me, so no. why even try? Why even put an effort in? Blame. You know, people, honestly, though, you brought up a good point, JT. I don't think Seb gets the credit, maybe, that he deserves. He never won a title over in America. Won a lot of outdoor races. Two world titles, beating Stefan Everts. And like you said, one of, let's see, uh, Timmy Ferry has beat Carmichael straight up a couple of times. Um, Wyndham has beat <clears throat> Carmichael straight up outdoors. Renard. Uh, a couple of Windows probably beat him three or four times. Renard has beaten him once, twice. Mm-hmm. John Dowd beat him at Southwick straight up. Who else? Not very many people, <laughs> and certainly not on a consistent basis. No, maybe you know Seb, maybe, you know, maybe Seb was the most. And just to expand on that, I, I've I've known Ricky Carmichael a long time, and I, you know Steve, you've been to his house, and so is Tony, and and I spent a lot of time. Uh, riding with him and a lot of time one in one-on-one situations, training and you know, running and all kinds of stuff, and you you have these conversations with people. I honestly feel like he was one of the only riders that outdoors he feared Tortelli. He feared him because he knew that he could go faster than him, and there wasn't there weren't many people out there that I think Carmichael really worried about. No, and I think in Tortelli, if he had it all together, I think Ricky feared him a little bit because the guy was just. He was just better, and I don't think Ricky had an answer for him all the time. Right, which is insane to think of for somebody who has that many titles and wins outdoors. I, like I, yeah. I agree with you because if I recall when we were out testing and stuff, I've, I heard Ricky you know, alluding to that a little bit, you know, making a couple you know, comments that, would, that I, I believe that. Yeah, where you were like, right. oh, wait, wow. Yeah, how great, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure, that he was concerned about Sebastian. You know? <laughs> no doubt. Uh, JT, you want to stay on with us while we do these uh, questions, or you got to go? Yeah, let's do it. All right, btosports.com, Gabby Gibbs. btosports.com, Gabby Gibbs. Gabby Gibbs, Gabby Gibbs, Gabby Gibbs, Gabby Gibbs, Gabby Gibbs, great guys, a fantastic company, uh, the nation's leading retailer for anything you need for your bike or body. BTO Sports KTM team, of course, of uh, Shorty and now Brayton back. Uh, great guys, use the code PULPMX to save yourself money when you check out. They got OEM parts. They got a, a mobile phone-friendly site. I've got a bunch of parts from them from uh, from my Project 88 on the way, and I uh, couldn't be happier with the guys at BTOsports.com. So these are questions submitted to at Show on Twitter. Gabba Gibbs goes through them, picks the best ones, and let's have it, man. All right. <clears throat> this first one's from Brad GMX95 Berluti. If you were to do a project bike to recreate a race bike of one of your riders, which bike would it be and why? Uh, it'd probably be like a Huffman, like, 04 championship, 125 Suzuki. 04? Ex- excuse me, 94. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Yeah, 94. Uh, 
and because obviously because it was a championship bike and i thought the suzuki 125s back then were really great bikes all right that uh that uh bike you have in your garage the larry ward thing how close is that to a, a real bike um it is a real bike a the real, one with the 17 yeah on yeah or is that a production bike with graphics and stuff and all that uh, I'm not sure which one, but it, it, that that one's more production. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. yeah. It, it looks it's got the graphic kit on it, so it looks been bitching. Oh, okay, but um, like the Technocell one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's it's just, got maybe a couple little. Odds yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. it's just the look of it is yeah. exactly what Big Bird had in. Geez, what year would that been? Uh, probably ninety one, ninety ninety one. Yeah, if if by ninety, yeah. You know what we should do? We should play a little game, Berlut, where we. Pick a random part on a Suzuki from ninety to oh five and we see if you have it in stock. <laughs> Somewhere in the garage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, next question. All right, this next one's from Dan. Uh you guys talk a lot about the bike being Dungey's reasons for struggle last year. No, but- no, we do not talk about the bike being a reason for Dungey struggles. Okay. I mean, it was nothing wrong with uh, a old KTM factory bike. We that we do not say that, do we, JT? No, I think he's a little bit better because the bike's better than yeah. Year, but I agree. Pretty damn good every other year too. Yeah. Well, his question was if that was the reason why Anderson's struggling, but no. obviously you've debunked no. that before. No, that bike is there's nothing wrong with that bike. The bike right. is good. I think the new bike is better, but not like oh my god, better. But mm. it's a better bike. But <clears throat> yeah, but before this def- bike existed. When Roxon and Dungey were winning everything outdoors, everyone thought that bike was incredible last year. So yeah, right. I don't. I don't think there's anything say, wrong. With what it. were you going to say, Blue? No, just that Dungey did struggle in Supercross on the thing. He compl- you, you heard a lot of people complaining about. Or yeah, him him complaining about. Yeah, it. yeah. Whoops, wasn't yeah. great in whoops and stuff. So, all right, Jason wants to know what is the race to race cost of keeping a decent 250F running for a night show level privateer. For all, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. How do you, you know, who knows what's on it? Who knows what's done to it? Who knows? I mean, well, you're going to start out with three thousand dollars in an engine. That much, you think? Pretty close. For, I mean, on on at a top level, when you start putting the ignition and everything, you're you're looking, you're pushing three thousand dollars. Really? Huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. By the time you buy the cams, you know, from Pro Circuit, you know, yeah, and yeah. piston, yeah, yeah, you know, and then. But stuff. if you're one of those guys, you're getting that stuff free or supported by somebody or whatever. Maybe yeah. not PC stuff, but somebody is yeah. giving it to you for free. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Uh, Phil Poto Snack. That's not a real name. I like it, though. Okay. Uh, Berluti, what prep do you do to a bike after a muddy first moto? Well, first off, you wash it. That's the number one thing. And then uh, basically... That's the biggest thing is getting it clean. That's the, that takes usually the longest, depending on the mud, mm-hmm. and then then just your normal things: uh, filter, uh, tires, clutch oil, mud clutch, race. yeah, yeah clutch. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nate wants to know this is for everybody. Uh, rank the top three best looking gear this season so far. We'll start with well, you, Steve. JT is excluded from this. Okay, JT is going to go fly one, two, three. Yes. Um, best looking gear this year. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I like the blue and yellow neon stuff from Fly. I'm not going to rank this in any order. Mm-hmm. I like the blue and neon yellow stuff. What is that, JT? What 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 line is that? I Genetic should, glitch. I should know this, but I uh, yeah. 
Um, Albertson wears it a lot. Or maybe maybe it's just a um, coincidence. I've noticed it on Jimmy. Uh, I uh, like it, was our, it was our highest selling color of all the lines of any gear we had all year. So, oh, so you're saying my style is correct? Is 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 in, is in running alongside? It of was it? popular. I'll give you it was popular. Right. About that. Um, the the Fox retro image stuff. Mm, of course. <laughs> of, of course, I'm going to go there. And um, <laughs> not Alpine Star. <laughs> Nothing from Alpine Star. Um. I got those two things that I really loved. What, what about you, brother? Anything strike you? Yeah, I think Reed's kit is always oh, on yeah. top. You yeah, know? Reed's retro stuff was nice. The, yeah. it's he's worn it before. It's not a retro line of shift. Yeah, but it's got green and pink and. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean Reed's stuff is. I don't know. I feel like 2015 Reed shift stuff isn't as good as 2014 Reed shift stuff. Though. I agree. I could second I that. Agree. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I thought last year was like holy crap, these guys are killing it. And not that it's ugly this year or anything, but it, you're not as he's on that level. He's still sharp. The stuff looks sharp, but I agree. Definitely last year was probably a little better. JT, how much design does Chad have with that himself? I mean, he a talks lot. about He does? Okay, because he talks a about lot, that. Yeah. But he actually, his, his stuff, like it's his limited edition stuff, uh, he's pretty much as hands-on as you can get. Oh, really? And then, and Shift's cool yeah. with that. Fox, Shift, they're, they're fine. Yeah, he that. has to sign off on all that stuff. Oh wow! Oh, I like the yeah. Aussie stuff too—the Aussie shift stuff, green, yellow. No, not for me. Just because it's another country than USA. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I <clears throat> okay. Just it's not my favorite. I'm not a big green guy anyway. Okay. All right. This next question is from Traver Travis Ezra Everts. Sorry. How would Cairoli do if he came to the U.S. Who? for Cairoli? Okay. How would he do for an entire outdoor series if he came to the U.S.? Top three. Hmm. Easily. Easily, yeah, top, yeah. top three. Easily. All right, this next one's from Big Trisket. Uh, not That's mention- not a real name, too, is it? No. Well, his, his, his First Twitter- name Big, last name Trisket. Well, his, uh, his at name is at Beef Stew Cook, so Big Trisket, at Beef Stew Cook. Uh, you choose who it's for. Uh, not mentioning any names. Have you ever seen blatant cheat- cheating, IVs, bike mods, etc.? Um. Yeah, we cheated at Yamaha. We cheated at KTM. You guys cheat at Suzuki? Uh, we pushed the envelope. Okay, all right. Uh, that, that means yes. Um, I've never seen an IV. I believe it goes on uh, in the motorhomes. I've never seen it. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of times the factory guys uh, will get next year's part early, and they'll bolt it on, and it'll be a better part. So you won't be able to get that until the following year, but it's in production already, so that's cheating. Um, you know, I think a lot of teams do it. I know at KTM, we had different swing arms, you know, the PDS, the, 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 no linkage. We had mounts to move the best, different to, move, to mount the shock on the, on the swing arm that would make a difference. And, and you know what the AMA, I mean, they had a Home Depot tape measure. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like measuring things with like a Home Depot tape measure. You're like, yeah, okay, we got this. You know, So, yeah, it goes on. Teams try to push the envelope. I've heard Honda back in the 97, 98 Seb days, the aluminum frames were different every week. Really? I've heard that from yeah. people who were there. Yeah. Like they were trying it, trying out different thicknesses and trying out different welds, you know, and you know how, how crucial that is with aluminum stuff, so. Yeah. All right. It goes on. This next one is from uh, Adam Armberger. That may not be a real name either. Uh, That's his real name. If you were a team manager for Monster Cowie, who would you rather sign, Marvin or Tomac? It's for everybody. Tomac. Yeah, well, you're talking about a huge dollar difference, too. 
Yeah, but you always bring that up. Let's just play the fantasy game with the salary. Well, yeah, the, well, the <clears throat> obvious answer is Tomac. Right. I mean, it's not even a, it's not even a question. But oh. there's a you know, of course, it's going to be way more expensive. So well, why Gibbs picks those questions? So I, I, would... I know, but it's a silly it's a silly premise to ask it without incorporating the budget into it. No, it's not. Sure, it is. If a guy costs four times as much, then obviously everybody wants to hire him before the other guy. Exactly. Yeah. So why you know? Yeah. Why bother? Tomac costs if Tomac costs five million and Muskin costs one million. Uh, yeah, there's a reason for that. It's called demand. So obviously everyone would rather hire Tomac. Well, get on Gibbs okay. for picking these questions. Don't don't yell at. I'm us. not getting on him. I'm just saying you have to take into account the budget. That's all I'm saying. The question's fine, right. but I think if you add in. On a cost reward, who would you rather hire? Then it makes you know. Then it's a little bit tougher to answer. All right, next question. See what I do for you fans? I get shit for your questions. Well, you have a lot to choose from. And you mm, pick one like that. I wouldn't say a lot. I I would, and I just did. Okay, Devin. I thought your question was fine. I just didn't like Steve disqualifying the budget. <laughs> Thank well. you, JT. I appreciate that. You can go fuck yourself, JT. <laughs> All right, so next question from Dan. With that wasn't very nice. <laughs> with Vegas being with Vegas hotels being sold out for the Mayweather fight, how badly do you think it's going to affect the attendance for the Supercross final? Well, first of all, Vegas hotels are not sold out. No. There are hotel rooms. They're just there. expensive. Yeah, there's. Yeah. You could stay. I guarantee you that Motel Six across from the MGM is open and available. But uh, leave the light on. I, I stayed there once. It was over. It was a hundred and thirty bucks or something. You're kidding. I swear to God. Did yeah. you leave the light on? I can't get into the details about why I stayed there. Yeah, I was going to ask, but, why would you but, stay but there? It was an emergency hotel room needed, and it was a hundred. You know about this? I don't think so. Okay, but it was a hundred and thirty dollars. Okay. Well, in that case, I get that, it. At that motel, I six. get it, Steve. So. All right, we won't go for the. Um, but look, uh, uh, I tweeted this earlier, and, and I think it will. I think that there's no title. F- I mean, are we all in agreement that Dungey clinches it before Vegas? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Should be tight, but. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe right. Um, by the way, can you imagine the guys that failed? You know, this New York race is is everything to them. And I told Prater to bring the trophy to St. Louis. <laughs> St. Louis next week, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are going to be so. You didn't like that very much. <laughs> no, no. They are going to be so bummed that New York will. You know, there's no hype. There's everything will be done. But whatever. Um, I think it would. Although the stadium is thirty thousand. So is that is it that many? But Vegas. Yeah, 30. it's about that. Yeah. You don't need much to sell it out, you know what I mean, as far as that goes. But with no title chases, because, look, Cooper Webb's got a 30-point lead, and Marvin will have this thing wrapped up. I think it'll affect it. Uh, what do you think, brother? I would think so, yeah, yeah, for sure. JT? Especially I think they'll sell it out because they sold. They probably sold it out two months ago. Yeah, so maybe. Yeah. It'll just be how many people actually show up. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, rooms are crazy, yeah, for sure. All right, uh, Chef Joe wants to know, why was the jump in the rhythm section considered a quad? It was a three, single on off single. Do we count that as a double now? The on off section. Uh, well, I always say it's a, it's four because you can land on it, which I would consider a double. Landing on top, you're kind of jumping one to the other. Then you can land on the downside, which would be three, and then the next one is four. But I've heard it. I've heard it argued the other way too. So a long time ago, I brought it up as being a triple, as something mm-hmm. like that being a triple over a tabletop. And I got mm-hmm. laughed at by riders. Like, I'm an idiot. You're so stupid. That's a quad. Because they want to make themselves look like, you know, heroes. But I noticed that that's the majority of people calling it quads. So I just switched and started calling it quads okay. with all the riders. Mm-hmm. But I, I, used to, I used to be like, yeah, it's a triple. You know? 
I think it's just, I think all the riders call it quad because there are, you know, there's to do that. There's three options and then the fourth one would be the quad. So, yeah, I mean, uh, let's face it. What regardless, is it? who cares? Hmm. <laughs> exactly. Who cares? All right. Patrick, Patrick wants to know, will Nick way hire a rider if slash when he retires? He wants to. He's told me he wants to. I don't know if it'll happen. The dumbest thing Nick could ever do was spend his own money to hire a guy and go racing. But so if he can get someone to fund it, he will. Hmm. All right. I don't know who this is. Maybe you do. At Hobo Nick. Uh, with Malcolm uh, winning Oakland earlier this season, are the Stewart brothers the most dominant brother duo in MX history? If not, who else? I'd have to say yes. I mean, yeah, probably. Malcolm hasn't won a championship, but now he's won a race. And, of course, Stu's. Stewie's record is phenomenal. So uh, the Volan brothers were damn fast, but they didn't have any titles, you know. So, I mean, who could forget, you know, the the Jason, Th- the Thomas brothers of mm. Jason and and <laughs> Philip the Mathis brothers and Philip. Ah, oh, there's uh, there's five Manitoba titles between us. There is. Yeah, your so, brother won one. Yeah, my brother won one. Get yeah. out. Yeah, just one though. And an Edmonton Arena Cross. Yeah, Edmonton Arena Cross, exactly. All right, this next one is from Matthew. Matthew wants to know, a uh, question for Berluti and Steve. Name the rider you butted heads with the most that you're now friends with today. Um, I would say probably Pishon, but later on, you know, in our uh, relationship, when I went to Europe with him and stuff, uh, he kind of became like my brother, but at first we definitely. When you went to Europe, I butted more heads probably with his dad, but but nah, with him, he his dad <laughs> was kind of on the outside, but yeah. Pishon was the spokesman, and yeah, I got a gnarly story about that too. But what? Huh? Um, one time, I we talked about gearing and stuff, and I said we should maybe you know try the gearing, and no, 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 I don't want to do. I go what? So then yeah. at the end of the day, you know, we're burnt and tired. All of a sudden, he decides he wants to change a gearing. You know? Yeah. So uh, somebody went and got a chain, and they said, yeah, go ahead, put it on. So I was pissed because I told them what we were doing, and it was somebody said, oh, I got one. One of the other team yeah. guys, I got a chain that'll work. Yeah. Well, it was still too short. So okay. I, was, I pulled it off real quick and just kind of threw it in the garbage. Yeah. So Pashan, you know, thought he took that, like, against him or something, you know. Oh. And next thing you know, Larry Ward kind of stepped in. His dad – had a shovel getting ready to if, if I dare would have touched Pashan, Larry Larry was ready to tackle his dad. You were arguing with Pashan. Yeah. And then and his take, dad had a shovel ready in case things got weirder. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. But you know when uh, Pashan's dad got in a fight with John Ayers? Yeah. Yeah. My, my oh, point. Yeah. Morris. Yeah. But but then he turned out, you know, like I said, he was like a brother. Like when I went over there, he you know, he, he treated me like gold. I heard a lot country, of you know? I heard a lot of Pashan stories of being difficult, this and that. And Mitch Payton loves the guy. Still talks to him. Loves oh, yeah. him. Oh, you yeah. know? So I never spoke He's to him. He's actually guy. a great guy. Yeah, right. I like him. Um I don't really have one like that. I butted heads with Kelly Smith. Um but I wouldn't say we're friends now. I mean if we saw each other we're friends but we don't keep regular contact. Nothing I got nothing against him, but I did butt heads with Kelly a little bit here and there. Uh again, Kelly's dad too, you know. Um but I got nothing against I just don't talk to him that much. But if I saw him tomorrow I'd bro down with him. So yeah. There's right. that. Uh, this next one's from Greenwalt. Uh, as a mechanic, it's for you guys. What's one thing that your riders did that pissed you off the most? Hmm. Well, I hate it when the guy. I never really had this. When a guy lays his bike over, doesn't it down, lay it down, throws, throws it. his bike down. That gets me mad. 
You know, I don't think I've experienced that. What I hate is when like they Ch- – Chad did that a couple times where bike broke. Just would just throw it on the ground. Read? Yeah. But that – you didn't work for No, me, no, no. You? I said I didn't oh. really have that experience, but I've seen it. Okay. That. Uh, yeah, for me personally is when I see him starting to look back. That just oh, yeah, pisses yeah. me off. I'm like, <laughs> you, I mean, you, you, you've just blown it. You know, you've, yeah. you've, you've given it away. You know, people yeah. know that you're weak. You know? Right. So right. I didn't like that. All right. This next one's from Scott. Uh, how hard do you guys think David Coombs is lobbying for JS7 suspension to be reduced so he can ride the summer series? Uh, I, I mean, I think Davey would like it, but I don't think he has any say or doing anything or lobbying at all. You know what I mean? He's got nothing to do with it. Would he like it? Probably. But Stu's appeal is coming up eight days. Ooh. So uh, March 31st. We'll see. I don't, know if it'll get, I don't know if it'll work, but we'll have to see. What do you think, JT? You think it gets reduced? Uh, I do. I think I don't know if it'll be uh, like reinstated immediately, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him wind up at Hangtown. Hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, that's it. Uh, one last question. All right. Uh, Corey wants to know, Bogle thanked Dr. G in his Race for X interview. Has he been nursing an injury? JT? Uh, not that I know of, but, you know, these guys have chiropractors like Dr. Doc G and these uh, Doc Navarro and these guys that come and help him. And, you know, the biggest thing is riders are always dealing with something. Uh, at this point in the season, they're just always there's nagging stuff. So maybe it's not an injury per se, but I guarantee you there's something bothering him, like his back sore or his twisted an ankle or something. So uh, just to keep you going week in and week out, uh, it helps quite a bit. It's a tricky subject to to deal with, but when they're thanking Doctor G and Doc, Doc G is a chiropractor, yeah. Doctor Navarro, Doctor Feelgood is a chiropractor. Now they're doctors, but fans may think, oh wait, like a like a guy, you know, like a real doctor, yeah. And, I don't, and then, look, me saying real doctor now, everybody gets pissed. Oh, or whatever, yeah, but you're, you're going to be flamboyant. You know what I mean, though? <laughs> I'm not touching that one. No, now. but people, <laughs> I don't blame for the Twitter guy for thinking, wait a minute, is he talking about like a, here I go again, a real doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how else do I say it? You know what you I mean? You need to take that shovel from Krishan's dad <laughs> and dig this hole. All I'm saying, <laughs> those guys are chiropractors, so fans would get confused, but they are technically doctors. Yeah. It's the old, remember the Seinfeld episode where Elaine was dating a, a, a doctor. Pod- a podiatrist. Oh, okay. Foot doctor. A foot doctor. Yeah. And Seinfeld kept saying, he's not really a doctor. And she's <laughs> like, yes, he is. Hello, so, doctor. Um, yeah. So um, that's where that comes from. But yeah, Doc G is, uh, is around the pits a lot, helping a lot of riders uh, stuff out. I think mentally like he, he's a big help, too. Doc oh, yeah. G, the, a lot of those guys like him. and They just love being in his presence. And, you know, he's, he helps him, I think, mentally a lot. Don't you think? JT, or? I think it's the opposite for Mathis. Like they don't want him really in his presence, so it kind of works the opposite. Like if you're in my presence, things things go from bad to worse. My presence? Yeah, yeah when you're in their presence. No, right. bro. Like huh. like especially Phil. He when you come around him, he just gets super negative. <laughs> oh, really? That's it. When I come around, that's it's it. It's like he's always negative, but then when you come right. around, he's like suicidal. I, I you know I do the tick I do goggles for tickle. Uh, Where's X brand goggles? Choice of champions everywhere. And I told Brock, look, I'm not your regular goggle guy. I'm not going to be there, blowing you down behind the starting line. You have lots of spares, and if you need something, I'm available. I have stuff with me, but you have spares. You have everything. They're goggles. This isn't splitting the atom. Just make sure your mechanic has about 10 of them in his backpack. Well, yeah. yeah. Steve's not Matt around. Mathis, do you guys get bummed that you're not on the starting line with Paggio and Noel? <laughs> yeah, I'm super bummed, bro. <laughs> super no, bummed. No, did they get bummed? Oh, no. I don't think so. 
I gave Brock the speech, and then he told me, you know, he goes, you know what? I like that. He goes, there's already a lot of too many people around. You know what I mean? Like these guys at that level, they have and he all these likes your paycheck too. Yeah, they have all these guys that are around, like just trying to, you know, basically be a part of their success, quote unquote. Like I'm a part of your success, and, and there's a lot of, for a be- lack of a better term, leeches. That go around with these guys that you know they're the they're and again you know they're the doctor they're the sock guy they're the goggle guy they're the gear guy underwear underwear yeah. whatever they have so many people so Brock told me like I almost like almost like it like sure. I send him a text hey you good yeah he goes you know what I mean like <laughs> I feel like our sport some of these guys at that level could use that use less people around I, for you know? sure for sure and uh, but people all want to be there and be the be in the scene you know what I mean. God, yeah, the guy but, wants to be in the championship photo. Brock's like that kind of guy, though, too. Yeah, you yeah. know he he's he can do it himself. Yeah. you know, I mean he's motivated. Yeah. yeah, I mean I build them, I give them to them. They're all packaged and labeled, dog hair and everything. Yeah, jerk. Hmm. <laughs> oh, is that it? That has been the Gabby Gibbs segment. BTOSports.com. Use the code PulpMX when you're checking out to save yourself money. JT, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. We had, had some good talks right. tonight, and we had some good laughs, and and uh, I felt like you were. You were, you know, getting um, ganged up on a little bit in that safety thing, but then you redeemed yourself high with lots of laughs with the Seb thing. Very, very up and down show for you. That's all right. Uh, I mean, it's it's such a touchy thing, and it is. Like I said, I'm all for safety. You know, if, if you t- <laughs> I say, hey, we're going to do this, and I can guarantee you it's going to be safer. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm going, all in right right that second. I'm going on vital right now. Jason Thomas is against safety. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Who would come out and ever, yeah. You know what? I'm against yeah. safety. I'm against I mean, If you saw my riding technique, you may believe that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the 47. Um, uh, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Always good times. Right. Flyracing.com. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk uh, probably tomorrow. All right, see you guys. See you, JT. Jason Thomas, everybody, on the show. Hey, look, we don't have that much time left, but um, we got to do voicemails. We got voicemails. We got another commercial break. We got another commercial break. Uh, Let's go to commercial right now. Come back with a little more Detroit talk, some voicemails, and uh, wrap this show up. Pulp and Mech Show presented by BTOSports.com and Fly Racing. The great Tony Berluti in studio. Hey guys, this is Jason Thomas. I wanted to talk to you for a minute about fly racing. Fly racing has grown by leaps and bounds since I started wearing it back in 2003. If you go back and look at a picture from back then, and flash forward to now where you see guys like Trey Kennard, Andrew Short, Justin Brayton, Weston Pike, and the 250 Rockstar Husky team wearing, you'll see what I'm talking about. We're now producing premium products, but our goal to give you more bang for your buck hasn't changed since those days. Our F2 carbon helmet, worn by all of our pro riders, is what I consider to be the best value in the motocross world. Our new Evolution 2.0 and light hydrogen lines have been continually improved and perfected over the past couple of years to give you the ideal fit. Whether it's off-road, supercross, motocross, or just riding in the backyard with your buddies, we have something purpose-built just for you. I invite you to check out our website at flyracing.com and of course your local dealer and online retailers to learn more about what we have been working on. Follow us on social media at flyracingusa and post pictures of you riding on our Fly Racing wall on our website. From all of us at Fly Racing, I want to say thanks for listening and support companies that support Pulp MX. 
Tape Our Next Show is brought to you by BTOSports.com. Whether you are looking for new gear, helmets, boots, or you need to rebuild your bike from the ground up, BTO is your source for all of your motocross needs. As a proud sponsor of the BTO Sports KTM race team and the heart of the BTO Sports amateur motocross team, it is obvious that we are about more than being just a store. We support the sport that supports us. Us at BTO Sports want to give back to you, the listener, for supporting us and the Pulp MX Show. Use coupon code PULPMX when placing your order at btosports.com for a VIP listener discount. Certain brand restrictions will apply. NFAB is the undisputed leader in high-quality accessories for your truck, Jeep, and SUV. For products that are as unique as your vehicle, check out NFAB Off-Road Accessories. From nerf steps and lighting accessories to the all-new Adjust Step and Endura Step. NFAB has you covered. NFAB products are handcrafted in the USA, delivering unsurpassed quality and durability with cutting-edge style. Available in cab length, wheel-to-wheel, and bed access models, NFAB nerf steps offer the widest array of configurations to access your vehicle. NFAB also offers a wide range of mounting solutions for auxiliary lighting, including pre-runner light bars, light cages, and full replacement front bumpers. All NFAB products are backed by a lifetime craftsmanship warranty and a five-year finish warranty. To find out where to buy NFAB products, visit www.n-fab.com or call 866-806-NFAB. NFAB, truck products for truck people. Usually, Safety comes at the expense of comfort or mobility. Notice how we said usually? Back in 2007, many of you bought the wrong neck brace by mistake, and we don't blame you. We did too. But there's good news. You don't have to make the same mistake again. Since then, things have changed drastically. The all-new line of Atlas braces are 20% lighter, have three times more suspension in them, maintain the much-needed flexibility, and even contact 27 more percent surface area of your body than the competition. All in a smaller overall package to make it feel like you're wearing less. The experience speaks for itself. The only thing left to do is join RV, Jason Anderson, Dean Wilson, and Martin Davalos to experience why Atlas is the fastest growing neck brace on the market. Get yours today at atlasbrace.com. Follow them on social media at atlasbrace to find out new and exciting things all the time from Atlas Brakes. We thank those folks for coming on the show. If you're on the fence about a neck brace, please try the Atlas one. Best one out there. For 2015, X-Brand has added stellar new colorways to our exciting Volcano, Phantom, and Limited lines. You know Nick Way demands the illest style, and now with RCH Racing's Brock Tickle on board, we have assembled a motivated squad. Our simple approach to a fresh look, unmatched comfort, and elite performance remains pegged in the red. You can rest assured knowing X-Brand has you covered with a full offering of lenses, tear-offs, laminates, nose guards, and our zip-off system. Order direct through the EKSBrand.com store and enter discount code PULPSHOW15 to save 30% now. Hey guys, it's Brady Chisholm here. Listen up. You'll spend $9,000 for a new bike. $3,000 for bling, and you wonder why I have monkey butt? I'll tell you why. You didn't go to GutsRacing.com for new seat foam and cover. Guts Racing has been the leader in seat technology for 25 years. They've worked with every top rider at some point in their life, and that tradition continues. With riders on teams such as Cycle Trader Yamaha, Moto Concepts Racing, RCH Suzuki, Yoshimira Suzuki, 
Pro Circuit Kawasaki, Geico Honda, they have worked with them all. They have riders like Cal Chisholm, <laughs> Ben LeMay, Matt LeMoyne, Ryan Sipes, Brett Metcalf, and many, many more. They have been working behind the scenes with factory riders for over two and a half decades. So here is your chance to join stars of Supercross, Motocross, Arena Cross, GNCC, and FMX by taking advantage of the discount they have going on. If you head over to GutsRacing.com and use the code PulpMX2015, it'll save you some money, save you from having monkey butt. It's win-win. Head over there and check them out, guys. The leader in design and development of high-performance dirt bike camshafts, Hot Cams is now a proud supporter of the Pulp MX Show and its listeners. Looking to increase the horsepower of your engine without spending a fortune? You need to get a set of Hot Cams. Engineered using state-of-the-art valve train software and CNC machined from 8620 billet steel, Hot Cams camshafts are one of the most economical, reliable, and easy-to-install ways to add 5 to 10% power gain to your engine. By selecting one of our three stages of camshaft profiles, you can specifically tune the power power band of your engine to best suit your riding style. Designed, dyno-proven, and made in the USA, Hot Cam's performance camshafts are used by privateer riders like Jimmy Albertson, Mitchell Oldenburg, Michael Lieb, Adam Entignap, Nick Schmidt, and the Monster Energy Leading Edge Kawasaki team. Hot Cam's wants to help you get the extra power you need by offering all Pulp listeners a 30% discount on all orders placed online at hotcamsinc.com. Type in the discount code HOTCAMS2015 at checkout. Hot Cam's. Unleash the power within. How's it going? My name is Chris Laredo. Patrick Marker. Scott Lewis. My name is Ben Shearmeyer. I'm a mechanic for Jason Anderson. Weston Pikes mechanic. Wrench on the number 10. Justin Brighton. I work for Justin Marsh. We are running uh, Galfer. Galfer. Galfer brakes. Uh, the best thing, yeah, it's like the cutter on Galfer. Do you own a KTM like Andrew Short? Then listen up. You can stop searching for the best place to get genuine KTM parts and accessories. Grab a whole shot like Shorty. And go directly to KTMPartsExpress.com, your number one online source for KTM parts and accessories. There's no shortage of genuine KTM parts in our huge warehouse, as well as a full selection of KTM power parts and power wear accessories. We also offer the same aftermarket parts and accessories that you see on Shorty's bike for your own KTM. 29 years of experience would be impressive, but we have over 35 years of experience in the motorcycle industry. We're here to serve you with a huge inventory, great prices, and fast, dependable service. The staff at KTM Parts Express is not short on experience and will process your order with speed and accuracy. Our goal is to get you the parts you need in the shortest amount of time. If you're in need of KTM Parts or accessories, this is the place to shop. Race Tech. Privateer proven. When riders choose, they choose Race Tech. Supporting the world's fastest racers. Providing factory level products, support, and service to the everyday rider. Each setup and product is 100% guaranteed and made in the USA. When racers choose, they choose Race Tech. Visit Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Or check out Paul Feed's Motorcycle Suspension Bible, your guide to everything suspension. To receive 20% off parts and labor, enter discount code PULPMX2015 when ordering. Racetech. Motocross bikes have become very advanced over the past seven years, and yet ignition coil technology hasn't changed for almost 40. Almost 40. As a rider, you change sprockets, exhaust, 
ECU mapping, and even engine internals to gain an advantage. So with four times more energy than that of a stock ignition coil, the Black Ops Moto ignition coil is race-proven to help engines starting, throttle response, and acceleration when it's needed most. The Black Ops Moto coils are designed for two-stroke and four-stroke engines, as well as vintage and Evo bikes. Replace those tired, worn-out ignition coils with proven performance coil. Stop overlooking the obvious and contact us today. Hope MX listeners will get 15% off just by emailing or calling us directly at Black Ops Moto. You can also visit us on Facebook or at BlackOpsMoto.com. Black Ops Moto. Don Emler had a simple vision for FMF Racing when he started it in his garage back in 73. Provide top-level U.S. racing equipment at the grassroots level. 43 years later, FMF Racing is known for delivering the world's top performance exhaust products. Today, Don's vision continues to guide the family-operated company in its 100,000-square-foot, state-of-the-art manufacturing facility in the heart of Southern California, where 100% of everything is built under one roof. FMF is factory. Hey, 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 hey. W-Wheels. Now that I got your attention, let's talk about wheels. WUSA, based in Orange County, California, the nation's leading supplier of high-quality wheel sets for some of the best teams in the sport. They carry the top brands like Talon, Kite, DID, Excel, as well as Galfer and Brembo Brakes. All the W-Wheels are built by the same guys, that build Chad Reed's wheels. Whether you have a new bike or looking for a set of new race wheels or a backup set of wheels, W can get what you need. Complete wheels are not in the budget. Let W rebuild your stock hubs with their OE spoken nipple kits and a quality rim like DID or XL. WUSA, used by Reed, Rocks, and Millsaps, Anderson, Dungey, Short, Brayton, Grant, Antonap, Peters, Partridge, Freeburg. They all use and trust W for all the wheel needs. If they trust W, why don't you? Don't buy a, a set of cheap wheels. Just because you paid $500 for a set of wheels, you're not going to put those on your bike. They're not that good. Really, seriously. WUSA.com. Anything you need. Cool colors. Better strength. They've got it. And they've been proud supporters of the Pulp Mech Show for many years now. And we thank those guys. WUSA.com. Do it. Vortex Racing, the leader in top quality racing components for over 15 years, is now a proud supporter of the Pulp MX Show. All Vortex Racing products are made with the best materials and the tightest tolerances. All because Vortex Racing is owned and operated by guys just like you, enthusiasts and riders that demand the best. We have over 1,000 different gear choices to suit your needs and track conditions. All sprockets are cut from 7075 T6 aluminum and come in an assortment of colors. 
Want something even stronger? Check out our full line of laser-cut steel sprockets. Besides sprockets, Vortex offers V3 oversized motocross handlebars that are 29% stronger than the competition. With years of research into these bars and top riders like Arena Cross champion Tyler Bowers putting their trust in them. You know, you know these, these bars, bars can take the abuse you'll give them. them. Remember, there's a reason champions choose Vortex. So the question is simple. Do you want to join the ranks of James Stewart and FMX legend Ronnie Renner? Choose Vortex. For more information, check out VortexRacing.com. All Pulp MX listeners are getting hooked up with a discount on any Vortex Racing product. Just email Roger at VortexRacing.com for promo code PULP2015. Or call him at 800-440-3559, extension 222. See you on the track. song he requested some metallica i being the pussy that i am had no old school thrash metallica and i have all new metallica this is a good song steve thank you i'm sorry brother i let you down no 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 i like it i like all metallica you're gonna go see metallica huh yeah coming to vegas coming to vegas Welcome back, everybody. Pulp Mech Show presented by BTOSports.com and Fly Racing. Also, Race Tech Suspension, Vortex Racing, Roost Graphics, X-Brand Goggles, NFAB Jeep and Truck Parts, Hot Cams, Works Connection, Atlas Neck Braces, FMF Racing, W Wheels, Guts Racing, fantastic company down there, Guts Racing, Two Under, Galford Brakes, KTMPartsExpress.com, and Black Ops Moto. You're going to laugh, Berluti, but you know what this song reminds me of? Uh... No. This is uh, 1994, 95 for me. 
I'm living in Victoria, BC, Canada, working at a furniture store in the off season. Um, and I I used to go for a run. I used to run. See, that's where you're gonna laugh. Fuck it. But I, I used to run. And I would right when this my route every day, I would be climbing up a hill. Yeah. And then right as I got to the top, as I was struggling, this song would come on. Same, you know. This was cassette days, so we're not talking, you know. Yeah. I think I had a mini disc. Remember mini discs? Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. a mini disc. Sony what mini disc. Um, so every time I hear the song, I think of that hill and just get in the top of it when Hero of the Day was coming on. So you're on your da- you're on the downside, man. Huh? Yeah, I, I, that's a true story. I mean, you can laugh. No, I'm not. Go laughing. ahead and laugh, Berlute. Dude, see I if have, I care. You've won championships. How Asshole can I let- laughing at me. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hey, Thursdays at noon, uh, the uh, fly, uh, fly Racing uh, Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB. If you like this kind of stuff, we take your calls. We give we give stuff away. Uh, Thursdays at noon Pacific. Uh, check it out. Also, to the NFAB, a Fantasy Moto podcast, something we do. Also, Fantasy Moto getting bigger and bigger all the time. So we're doing that. Jason Thomas and I uh, do that every week. So just a couple of things that you can listen to if you enjoy Pulp and pulp-ish things. The great Tony Baluti in studio with me, former factory mechanic, uh, riders for like Brock Tickle, Robbie Renard, Buddy Antonis, uh, Tommy Watts, uh, Mikhail Pichon, Sebastian Tortelli. Um, Steve, you're good. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, Michael Byrne. Michael Byrne. Now, there's more, but I, that's we, God, that's, that's Good enough. God. Yeah. yeah, a ton of guys. Oh, sweet Jesus, you worked for a lot of long guys. Long time in the... Long yeah. time doing it. Well, you worked for Buddy when he was... Uh, an up-and-coming rising 16-year-old. Then he worked for Buddy when he was uh, a done veteran older rider yeah, on the end of his career. Right out of arena cross. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you know you've been in it too long when you catch both guy, both sides of a guy's uh, career. Oh, uh, all right, everybody, the Pulp Mech Show, uh, wrapping this thing up. To uh, Thanks to Justin Brayton, Kevin Windham, Ryan Hughes, Jeff Emig, Sebastian Tortelli. Unbelievable. Uh, also, um, You're, you got Sean Hilbert from Cobra. Sorry. Star, star-studded. Nice of those guys to uh, to uh, come on and uh, and you know want to come on. So heavy hitters, Just all of them. In the heavy hitters. Oh, Jason Thomas too. Who can forget Jason Thomas? Mm. How could you? <laughs> I couldn't. Apparently, seven zero two five eight six seven eight five seven. You can call anytime. Let's play some voicemails. Um, we'll do the last week's ones first. People hate these things, but there's some gold in these. Let's do last week's. Yeah, all let's right. just try that. Okay. Hey Steve, when are we gonna hear from James Stewart? You had him on earlier. Uh, he said he'd be back on after he could speak about the whole episode, so we're looking forward to a podcast there. And heard your comments last week about Jason Lawrence. You obviously have an issue with him, but you know the guy—he's uh, very entertaining. I think it's interesting to hear from a guy that kind of his career away what he's still doing. And I can assure you, run a podcast on him; it'll be one of your highly rated podcasts. Keep up the good work, fellas. See it. I, I don't have a problem with Jason Lawrence. I just like people ask me when he's coming back to racing. It's been like five years. It's over. It's over. He so. is entertaining, though. He, it's over. He is definitely entertaining. Do you follow him on Instagram, Steve? I actually unfollowed him a little while ago because I was just, I mean, it's just him riding. He rides mm. more than now than he did when he was a factory rider. Yeah. You know, so, like, I, I don't, how many times can you shoot a guy going in the same corner before I'm just like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Like, it's cool that you're riding, and let me watch. I don't need to watch six videos a day of you tearing up a turn. Mm. So I just, I mean, I, I made my American choice and unfollowed him. So, but your um, American choice, yeah, you know, free country. Your Canadian uh, was all I right. would interview Jason though, I guess, if he wanted to do, he would never do it. Uh, he didn't want to do interviews when he raced, so why would he do want to do them now? But uh, and then the other guy's question about James Stewart, as I said earlier, I'm supposed to do a podcast with James this week, so 
uh, that should be really interesting. I'd love to talk to him a little bit about um, like how hard it would be if you're James Stewart, you're suspended. So do you ride during the week and like do you really push it? Do you really moto down? Like you know what I mean? Like I'm interested to get his take. Like how hard is that to go out to Motivated. to the to the barn and start your bike? You yeah. know what I mean? When you got nothing to go to work forward to, yet you're totally healthy. So yeah, interesting. So hopefully we do it. Uh, he said he'd text me and we'll figure it out. So uh, I, uh, yeah, let's let's hope it happens. Hey Steve, love the show. But uh, that guy Chris that called in at the end there, you had bike problems, dude. You guys suck at giving advice. You guys are probably amazing parts changers, but mechanics, I don't know. So it sounds like it's either his idle's real low or something with his pilot. If you can't start at the beginning and once you get this hot, the idle's real low or all erratic. So probably a see, pilot. see what I was talking about though, like like yeah. like uh, we assume you would look at your idol if you're Chris and you got a problem. Yeah, I mean this is we're not speaking dumb enough for people. Right. You know, right. I I would assume that someone would check their idol and turn their if they can't get their bike going they would turn their idol up. You know what I mean? I would assume well, that, and listen, you would too. Listen to him talk. Like I said, I believe the bike was a really old bike, and uh, yes. The pilot is probably the number one thing you're going to clean and fix or whatever. And like you said, you'll adjust the idle. I mean, anybody would do well, that, right? But, you know, this guy's calling us out for not telling them. Yeah, well, because he doesn't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm uh, trying to tell these guys. But the carburetors are like anywhere from 1000 to 1500 bucks, depending on what manufacturer you get them. Yeah. From. No, They're I outrageous. Just... So I'm trying to. But, you know, like maybe next time we give advice, according to some people that listen, we need to dumb it down. Maybe. Check your idle. Pull kickstart okay. out. I, no I don't problem. know. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I, I, I'm just saying. No, make it simple, stupid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pilot, especially on those 04 YZs. The, 04, uh, there you carburetors, go. They gum up real easy on the Pilot. <sighs> so it, it sounds like you probably don't ride it very much. All the other props he has. But, yeah. Tell him that uh, and was the O-Rings Baluti was talking about. Those do go bad, they leak, and you get, like he was saying, a high idle because it's sucking air. But I've never seen those go bad many years in a dealership. Um, they did have a problem in 2008, uh, or 2007, actually, uh, where a bunch of the carburetors came from Keen, um, all messed up. So, But the other problems, dude, this guy got some issues. Ow! What's happening there, fellas? Uh, I'm just sitting here listening to the podcast here of the uh, Daytona Review. I've been wanting to call in for a couple weeks today, a little bit of something. But uh, I think early on in the season, people were talking about Eli Tomac with this uh, the sophomore year problems. And uh, nobody really spoke about it too much about with Roxon. And it looks like it sort of happened for him. So uh, I just want to think with, see what you guys would think about that, seeing that was one part of it. And another thing. Uh, commenting on how Dungey's uh, seems like he's uh, the best in his career. You got to figure the new bike's obviously working pretty damn good for him. And uh, also, I haven't heard anybody mention anything about uh, having to go with Alden Baker out there on his team and him being the number one guy. And I think that mental edge gives a lot to it as well. It's been sort of smooth. You know, that Alden's put him out there and uh, beat him many, many, many years in a row with RV. So, uh, no more food for thought. So, anyway, I just want to call. 
tell you guys that threw that out there. And uh, once again, great show. Appreciate it. Later. This guy hasn't heard anybody talk about Alden Baker and Ryan Dungey getting together. Strange. No, I haven't heard about it either. Yeah, I haven't Jeez. touched on that at all. <laughs> See that dead horse over there? <laughs> Good God. All right. Hello, Pulp Crew. Um, I'm just calling to be one of those guys to, you know, give you a little shit. But, uh, Shocking. I'm usually not one of these type of guys, but something sent me over the edge recently. Uh-huh. Uh, this Chris guy. Can you please screen him, man? I I don't mean to be mean to this guy. He has every right to call in. And I wasn't going to play these, but Chris on the show said he could handle the haters, bring the haters, so we figured we'd play him. Chris, oh, okay. Chris said he could handle the haters. So. And have his opinions and stuff, but it's been like three or four weeks in a row. He just hears shit. Just, um, can I please... Um, get some jetting questions. Um, <laughs> not trying to be a dick, but for real, you guys are there to entertain some people, but you don't have to entertain him every week. Bye bye. You can play this on the air. Uh, just listening to the archives, enjoying myself. Well, of course, that's until you take another phone call from this Chris dude. Uh, I appreciate his enthusiasm. Poor Chris. I'm glad he's a fan of the show and a fan of Moto. But, man, this guy is killing me. Worst caller ever. I'm talking about, he's by far the worst caller ever. Just, please, like, come on, man. Make his phone call some other time. You know, or unless he's a big sponsor of the show or something. Uh, Poor Chris. You're killing everybody with this dude. He's just. I mean, I don't think he's that old. Did it? Did no, I, did I miss kid. him? I'm not even sure who it is. No, he no, was on when he, you were on. He, oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he he's, was the guy with the bike. The jetting question. Yeah, yeah, that was the guy. So. Yeah. I mean, look. I yeah, get it. Yeah. Sometimes you know. Sometimes some of his questions are pretty silly. I hung up on him once. Yes. But listen to to the fans who talk about screening his calls. I will give everyone a fair chance at sure. their questions, but Chris does sit on hold. For like two hours at a time. Wow! To get his question out, I mean, you got to respect that. So, are the calls screened? Yes, they are. But he does go through shit to get his questions out. So, I mean, lay off the kid. Yeah, wow. He's like determined. He's like Dungy determined. He's trying to get that uh that announcing position. I don't know if he's going to get it, but he's determined. Hey, great job, Lily. Last show was awesome. Love Berluti. Um, Damon was awesome. Whole show was great. One comment. Two comments. One, we haven't heard from Raining Yellow lately, so I'm getting a little worried. Man. <laughs> I was. Two, am I <laughs> the only one that cringes every time I hear that Chris oh, has called in? Chris again. Sometimes we get lucky and it's somebody different, but man. Thankfully, he hasn't secured any announcing position. <laughs> Keep up the good work. I'm out. Poor Chris. Yo, Steve. I uh, just wanted to comment on. Uh, a little bit of hate on Dirk Shark, you know, that he's been getting from you lately. Yeah, you know, tits and ass get a little old after a while, you know. That's, uh, when? Something <laughs> that, you know, I live in the 805, so I can just go down to Expose down in the valley if I really wanted to see that. But it's, um, you know, his latest video following Villapoto around the uh, Thailand, seeing some crazy shit, and it's uh, something new. Just want to get your thoughts Did on you that. Did you see it? Maybe a little, uh, I, saw it. I didn't see it. The gross food and all that shit. Did you see it? 
Oh, my God. There's some nasty-ass fish heads and whatnot. Okay. Originality from Dirt Shock? Not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Hey, guys. Um, I'm watching the practice, uh, and I have a question. Um, well, first of all, it's pretty cool that we get to watch the practice, so I'm not complaining about, you know, poor offs. I can't watch the the races and, and blah, blah, blah. But I'm watching, and obviously the thing with um, Anderson and Baggett happens, and Button and the other guy are talking about it. But is there a director kind of deciding what camera is filming? Because I feel like they can't get it together ever. Like, if they're talking about something, they always end up cutting away to something else at the worst possible moment. And if I'm a, if I'm anything directing or deciding who the camera is on, why isn't the camera on Baggett and Anderson? And why don't they catch that? Like, I, you could see as they cut away the frame, something is about to happen on the restart, but then we never see it. Um, and obviously something happened because then they pulled them off the track. Anyways, if you guys kind of explain what, you know, who decides what and if there's any budget behind it. I mean, they're showing commercials, so I would assume there's at least somebody deciding who's filming what. Anyways, thank you. Have a good day. I don't think, I think there's cameras filming practice from independent cameramen and they're going all over the place. And the director for Supercross Live, they're not telling the cameraman what to do. They're at the mercy of what's going on, and they're able to just, you know, pick and choose and talk about what's on the screen. I don't think they have that kind of control to, to yeah. To do and, that. and I believe that one was in the non-timed. Yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. believe so. It was, right. the, it was the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I don't think they had the technology to be like, hey, it's not Supercross Live show. Supercross Live is just right. tapping into the camera that's going. Gotcha. And yeah. and they're making the best out of what what they see. But it's got to be a bit frustrating at times, yeah. like the guy said. So, Steve, you know who this is, man. I got I got a couple couple beefs right now. I listen to your podcast from Indianapolis with Weston Pike, and my God, will you tell him to slow down when he talks? He sounds like Justin Barsett when you ask him late questions. <laughs> Then you ask him normal questions about his life, then he calms down. You ask him race questions, he's back up. Hey, Steve. What's up, guys? Calling from uh, Los Angeles. Hope you guys have a great show. Uh, just a couple questions. Uh, like last Saturday, when there's a red flag restart, uh, are those guys allowed to top up with gas? Uh, I kind of think not, but just I had a question. Um and then uh, I was wondering if you guys already talked about Muskan his 20-second lead over Bogle. That was pretty incredible. And um, then also another uh, just a little thing I noticed uh, in the corners, instead of two tough blocks making a 90, I wonder if there was a tough block that was more uh, rounded, say shaped like a cantaloupe, a piece of melon or something. Uh, sure. A slice of melon, you know, in a corner. So they could use some melon that right corner. now easier um and then lastly i thought that a uh a good guest on your show a good co-host that'd be funny was uh the dude who runs protocross so anyway uh take care have a great show see you uh protocross has been in studio before we've had him in studio for vegas shows or something so great guest uh, too uh what's that he was a good guest made me laugh 
Yeah, he's good. Yeah, uh, they allowed to top off after uh, parade laps or red flags. Yeah, of course, absolutely. It'd be dangerous if you weren't allowed to do that. Can you imagine if they threw a red flag and then did a restart and they just not in Supercross but say outdoors and then they just didn't let you refill? Well, for sure not outdoors. When Supercross isn't the rule say that after three laps or something like that, then then it goes yeah, to like single, halfway, single, halfway single of the race. File? Yeah, single, and, and, single file restart. Yeah. So typically in that situation, typically. People don't really have to. No. Yeah. I've seen them do it, though. Sure. I've, to been be like, safe. I've been like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, exactly. But anyways. I, you know, I watched uh, the Honda guys put gas in Tomax bike, and they they really only put what they need. Like, they go halfway or whatever. Like, ah. I used to not fill my bike up all the way. No one really told me what to do. And I'd be like, well, it's super cross. I don't need to fill But I used to see it. I used to fill it up so I could see it, you know what I mean, over the neck of the gas tank. Um, but uh, I, I feel that the amount of money that you spend to save weight, and I, I tell these new new mechanics because that's the same thing they yeah. do just for safety or they're scared that if they yeah. run out of gas. But yeah. I say, you know, you spend all this money, and it's something I think you should test too. Out yeah. testing is, you know, liters, see how much you're yeah. actually burning, and yeah. try to use, you know, as least amount as you need to. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know? You don't burn anything in super cost. Yeah. Like nothing, so. Hello, Paul by Max. This is Mark from uh, Steve's Homeland of Manitoba. I got a quick question. No. Um, you know this guy? No. It's because Manitoba doesn't mean I know. Two stroke. Small area. With the gold, uh, Race Tech Gold Valve kit, front and back. And now I've got 2005 forks and rear shock I want to put on my bike. And I want to get the Gold Valve kits for the, um, for the forks and the shock. My question is. Are the two shocks the same, both 405, rear shock, and the forks? I know they're different. Should I get a special Paul Seed recipe for the shims to put the, um, the 05 shocks on my steel-framed 04 250? Like, or should I just go with the 05 settings that Racetech suggests on their website? Um, any advice would be great if you could answer this on the air. Even better. Um, so, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. I think and the 05, the aluminum frame YZs, they came in with those SSS forks, right? Wasn't that yeah, the first Yeah, they came year? with the bigger, the bigger ones. Were they bigger diameter, too? Yeah, I believe so. Oh. I believe so. I know the clamps were different and everything else. I thought the shocks were the same. The shock was the same. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know Yamaha's better than yeah. I do. But I know the forks were totally different. Clamps were different um, and all that kind of stuff. And So I think the SSS forks were in 05. I'm not 100% sure. And those are better forks than what was on the 04. So you'd want to run those, but then you need a clamp, you need an axle. I think you need even a brake hanger. It's a big big ordeal to change. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. So I don't know why you'd want to do that so much because it's not that big of a deal. Unless you know? he already has the whole front end or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Pookie, what are you doing? What are you doing? We can hear you on the show. What's the dog? Dog, dog? Dog's not doing anything. People love me. Okay. What's the dog? He's not even barking. He doesn't need to be barking. It'd be running havoc in this house. That's a good point. You weren't beating it or nothing, were you? Oh. Remember when you hit this dog or you hurt this dog right here, Benny? Uh, I would try to help lift him up. You said, hey, give him a hand, Berlude. Yeah, I went, you just... And he went, yeah. Yeah, you... <laughs> yeah, like I purposely hurt your dog, Steve. Come on. Jerk. I love animals. I do. Hey, Steve, once again, a season that validates why we need to change the rules of Supercross up, like two 10-lappers, full shot points, heat win points, something. 
I mean, it's never good for a fan that you hope the race leader or the series leader, Ryan Dungey, has bad luck two races so these things tighten up and there's actually something to watch. Keep pressing. Hopefully change will come sooner than later. No one listens to me. No one cares what I have to say or think. Want to go on to the next uh, voicemails? Yeah. All right. Well, 702-586-757. Call in town. Leave a voicemail. Hey, Steve. It's the lunch guy calling, a.k.a. Nature's Greatest Miracle. Haven't called in in a while. I uh, just want to let you know that it, I've been having some very nice lunches without you. Thank you very much. I don't know what this guy's talking about. Just wanted, I don't, lunches without you? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just you lead your lunch all by your yourself. On Supercross These the are the past two or three weeks. These just, are our listeners. Just doesn't seem like there's any magic in the sport right now. It just seems a little boring, a little repetitive. You know what's going to happen. Just missing some too many guys. Started this year without Stewart uh, coming on board, racing this season. I don't know. What do you think? Let's chat about it. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, I'm tired of chatting about it. <laughs> hey Mathis and Pope Crew, love you guys. You, every week, man, you guys uh, definitely contribute to my happiness. No doubt about it. Oh, look at that. that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's my nice. name's Ty. I'm calling from the seven seven five, home of Berluti, and everybody here were big Berluti what, fans. What, what, what is that? Yeah, what is Reno. Hear more what? Berluti. Reno, up north. Oh, that's seven seven five. Yeah. Okay. Pookie, did you take the dogs out? You did. Oh, good job. She also gave us banana bread, too. Oh, how good was that banana bread? So good. Killing it. With the coffee. Mm. Pookie's pie or Pookie's bananas bread? What's better? I don't mm. think I've had her pie. Pookie, Pookie's popcorn. Pookie's you popcorn. hope not. Now why'd you turn it into something like that? Because Kiefer rubbed off. <laughs> Kiefer sits there and it rubs off on me. It's not Holy my fault. shit. But your wife's right there, Steve. Please. You yeah. put me under. I'm embarrassed now. I'm the eagle leave. eyes are on you. Are we going for dinner on Friday night? Yes. You, your girlfriend named Angie. Angie said she's Your girlfriend's down. name Angie? Yeah. My wife's name is Angie. Yeah. You never, comp- you never commented on my shirt I'm wearing today. Yeah, you did right when you walked in. No, not on the radio. Wow. No, I, but you don't wonder why we're friends, Berlute. I see you show up at my house with Oakley flip-flops, yeah. a pulp shirt, and cargos. That's... I mean, it's just phenomenal. It's just like... It's I'm like... big-time cargo and Oakley flip-flops. I just figured I'd, I haven't worn this. Yeah. I, I was and a pulp debating shirt, yeah. about wearing that my... Uh, W shirt. I got. Did you get the new W shirt? I don't think so. That's what's what's cool. on it? It's what is got it? some kind of like a championship theme on it. Oh, John. John's yeah. screwing me over. Well, I just got it today. If it was Halloween, Berluti, people would be like, hey, man, nice Steve Mathis costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. Like, seriously. Yeah, well, thank you. Cargo's Oakley flip-flops? That is me. Right on. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you don't wear this shirt there often. I don't do you? wear a pulp shirt that much. I feel no. weird wearing a I pulp get shirt. It. Well, you know? I'm happy to wear yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. No, yeah. I appreciate it. Um, uh, you know, you're, North, you're no Seb Tortelli with that getup. You know. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> All right, let's go. More Berluti, but got to give props to Kiefer and, and Villeman and really all the guys. But uh, Kiefer kills it, man. Love that guy's opinion. I like that he forces everybody, or not forces, but kind of digs the questions about bikes out a little bit more. Um, I think if I had one critique, it would be, a little more props to the early 80s era. I mean, that was the, the you know, certainly a huge era to Moto. But um, anyways, got a question for you. Hopefully you bounce this around on the show. Uh, 
with the attendance being down a little bit at the live events this year with Supercross, um, has there been any talk or do you think they'll ever consider doing blackouts in markets to help the revenue at the live events? Um, just kind of curious if, you know, in, in the inner circle, so to speak, you guys have ever heard anyone discuss that, consider it or, uh, you know, whatever, just kind of, uh, curious and uh i think the tv package is so killer it's pretty hard not to want to just watch it in your own living room no doubt about it but uh anyways like i say love the show you guys kill it man pumped to uh have found you guys a few years ago and uh yeah keep it up you bring in a lot of us motorheads a ton of enjoyment peace you guys keep at it I like uh, this kind of caller. You know, he's really appreciative. He loves the show. We can bring bring him moto knowledge all uh, you know every Monday. Uh, that's a nice phone call to get, as opposed to the ones that are like, "Mathis, you're a goofball. Stop eating on the air. You're an idiot." You know, like you're just like, <laughs> okay, well, all right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a perfect show, but we try, and that dude appreciates it. Yeah, absolutely. But I- as far as the blackout goes, not or anything, but. Yeah. I, it's kind of a good point, though. The only blackout I've seen is Pookie uh, after four days with her friends. She's blacked out from drinking so oh. much. Yeah. Sorry to hear that, Steve. Blacked out drunk. F you, dude. I'm not turning your mic on. F you, dude. I wish that mic was on because that was a raw F you, dude, right there. Raw. Raw F you, dude. Come on. Let's do Let's go. Blue's got to go. Hey, Steve. Uh, I just want to say you guys have a great show. See, and, another guy. Uh, I'm very thankful that... You get some good insight from all the guys. Very that thankful. You and get on to get on to help. I think there's more. Thankful Is this ones. positive Monday now? I think there's a more thankful ones. I know they give you. Shit. There are some assholes they out there, love bro. This there shit. are they some. They love your show. There are some assholes out there. Oh, there is. Who would like their money back for this free internet show? <laughs> they act like it. You know what I mean? They, <laughs> right. they they act like it. I want my money back. Uh, we try. You know, we try. You do try. We try. God damn it. Got a question though. What? Um, during the week when I can't... What's your problem? You're just going to make him more mad by saying GD it. Oh. <laughs> when I can't get my MX, Pulp MX show fill, I go on and listen to podcasts. And uh, I'm okay. going all the way back to 2010, 2008 stuff. Uh, great stuff with McGrath, Emig, and uh, all that stuff. I like that era. Uh, the Crested Demons of Dirt era, the, when shift started... Um, just that whole '90s party scene. And I was really curious why you have Pookie's also into that freestyle guys oh, yeah. from back then. Remember uh, when J-Bone snuck you in that club? Yeah, J-Bone snuck her in a club. Uh, Florida? No, here, here. It was here, oh. yeah. You were in eight, eighteen. I was trying to get in with you, and their group was ahead of us. And yeah, we carted their whole group, and then I snuck in with their and group. I, yeah, because it was just me and, and her. You were stuck outside? No, no, I was oh. fine to get in, but she oh. was underage. Oh, uh, what? That's a long time ago? Yeah. How old are you? Okay. 25, you, you don't Berluti, ask that. 25. I don't think you ask a, a woman that. I don't know. Every woman. Did she just tell me the real deal? 25? <laughs> yeah. I wish. I wish she was 25. <laughs> well, how long ago was she underage? That must have been a long time it ago. It was a long time ago, Berluti. <laughs> Dinosaurs used to walk around um, back then. McGrath yeah, era. No, it was. It was purple okay. hair McGrath. Oh, you my know? God. Blue hair? Blue hair McGrath. When he was on yeah. Yamaha's? Yeah, I had bleach blonde hair. Oh, yeah. And I had the, the, the hoops. Oh, my God. Did you really? The gauges? Yeah. Yeah, with the barbells. The barbells. I don't oh, you didn't have gauges, though. I don't no. know. Gauges, no, gauges no, 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 no. I don't know. Those are those. 
No. Big thanks like would make your earlobe huge. Yeah. I did not have those. No, okay, good. Well, McGrath had, you, you would have, though. McGrath had barbells. I had barbells. I got you. That's the way I rolled. Yeah, yeah nipple piercings. Did so, you have nipple piercings? I did not. No. All right. Um, Mike Metzger, Seth, you know, just all the all the big guys that were in the crusty scene and were also partying with McGrath and Emig and Glamis and have a suit and everything else. It'd be, it'd be great to get their take on a lot of the things that were going on. I know you were a race mechanic and focused on racing, but there was both sides of the MX scene back then, and I think capturing both of them would be a great thing. Maybe uh, Brian Deegan and Larry Lynn Kogel aren't into getting an interview for podcasts, but I think if they knew how the MIG one and the Graph ones went, I think maybe they'd be on board. Kind of wondering what your thought is and why it's never happened yet. Uh, let us all know. Thanks. I don't have a lot of interest in talking to those freestyle guys. Nothing, nothing against them or anything. I don't know a lot about them. I don't. I wasn't around. I didn't follow them. I mean, Metzger Ray. I would talk to Metzger about racing. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Yeah, Link Loggle and and what? Who? Link Loggle. Link Logle? No, neither of those. What is it? Link Ogle. Link Ogle? No, it's Link Loggle. No, I don't think it's Link Loggle. <laughs> Link, Lo- Link, Link Logs? What? What's Link, his name? I, I think, think it's Link Logal. Thank you. I don't think it's Link Logal. Now I got to Google okay. this. Good job. I'm probably wrong. You were wrong a lot about a lot of stuff. What though. are the chat room people saying? You were confident, Pookie. <laughs> I almost had him. I know. I was siding with you for a second until Berluti threw his two cents in. Ogle? Right. No, it's Link Logle. Yeah, Larry Linkle. No, it. You're right. <laughs> Is she? It's yes! Larry Linkogel. Was it K? Yeah, L I N K O G L E. Link Ogle. Link Link Loggle. Okay. It's not Link Loggle. That sounds like a. a, uh, Lincoln Logs. Yeah, like uh, a toy. I got my kids uh, Dora the Explorer and some Link Loggles. I went down to the the toy store. I couldn't buy the Lincoln Logs, so I got the Link Loggles. Well, see, okay, look. I'm so not into it. I would call him Larry Link Logo. Like I'm, I'm an idiot. And Bernardi, you couldn't do the show either. No, because you'd call him Larry Link Logo. I didn't. I was busy racing. Yeah, about Crusty demons at that time. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I don't have nothing against these guys, but you need some other weirdo dude to start a podcast that knows about these guys. Freestyle guys. Yeah, knows about them. You know what I mean? Look, Kenny Watson. How much more do you want? There you go. He was naked on a quad. He would have known it for sure. You you couldn't get hard to talk. You know, he's super busy. He wouldn't do a show. Deegan is impossible to get anything done in the media terms. Oh, yeah, he's impossible. Link Kogel is... Who knows where he's at? I don't know what he's doing. He's probably building some Lincoln Logs. Metzger's probably available. After that, I don't know. Mike Sigmar has passed away. Um... Yeah. That's true. You know who could do it? Ackerman could do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ackerman could do it. He would carry your torch. Yeah, because I, I, I don't know the first thing about it. So, all right. Steve, Pulp of X, it's Rogue Dad from Georgia. Just finishing up Monday's podcast, and it took me a while to figure it out, but I know what DV reminds me of. A drunk person. <laughs> Granted, he's hilarious, and he's got some good insight, but... He sounds like a drunkard. Kiefer, keep him on the sto- uh, the show, man. Awesome. Keep going, it, guys. Oh, wait, wait. There's another one. Uh, I really like Tony Berluti, too. He's great. Thanks, guy. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I, I was the second part of his message. You left that. It's weird. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Love the show. Quick bike question for you. 
no. How important is... That's why she's uh, married to me. She laughs at all my jokes. She's still laughing right now. Right. I always feel like I go a little tired that it calls for just because it doesn't seem that tight. Um, it doesn't seem to make a difference on my bike how it handles, but didn't know if it's uh, a major importance if you have it exactly the torque spec is. If you can answer that, that'd be great. Thanks a lot. Love the show. It's huge. What was it, the swing arm pivot? No, torque. Oh, sorry, uh, fork bolts. Oh, fork bolts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 14... Mainly the bottom ones. Yeah, the top yeah. ones uh, clamp against the uh, top of the fork cap, so you're okay that way. But Well, and the, and the, the bushing as it comes up doesn't – yeah, that's – the one that the lower yeah. as the bushing comes up, it'll that's you know, the one it, lock it, up. It, it locks up. Yeah. Uh, bottom one is fourteen foot pounds. Twelve. Fifteen, sixteen. Max. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, different people. Anywhere from fourteen to sixteen. Right, I believe. right. Yeah, yeah. I know it's important, so people do that. You know, check it out. Make sure don't oh, just sure. don't just reef those things oh, down. Yeah, that's a bad deal. Steve, Jay from Michigan. Can you guys please stop gargling pipes, not sacks? What? Right back there with those guys over his head. Later. I mean, I mean, the guy's winning a heat race and qualifying another man. I mean, are we gargling his nutsack? No, but I think he's he's he doing good. Yeah, he should be. The improvements he's shown is is not the average improvement from a supercross race. Not at all. You know. No. So, I mean, I guess we're praising him a little bit. I don't know. but His speed's really... I've been noticing a little anti-Pike backlash in last... Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, That's I mean... Weird. Yeah, I don't He's know. He's not people... really that known. Why are people... People are getting tired of us talking about how great he has been doing. Sorry, that was Pike's balls don't... coming out of my mouth. <laughs> oh. I th- I th- I think it, it's deserving. Yeah, to talk about him. You know? Yeah, I I think he's killing it, man. No, yeah. absolutely, he's doing a great job, and I, it's unbelievable how far he's come. Yeah, you know for so. sure. Hey, Pookie, uh, someone on Twitter was saying the noise they heard in the background of the show, a Velcro thing. But yeah, I think it's this. Can you hear that? Yeah, it's my it's my like microphone. I think you meant the tear off segment. I know, but he he said no. He said he heard, keeps hearing like a Velcro noise in the show. It's on Facebook. I don't hear on it on Facebook. I think yeah, it's that. That sounds. No, you can't really. hear You can't that. hear that. Okay, because it's my mic thing that's all squeaky. I mean, I can hear it, but that's because my headphones aren't yeah, all the way on. What about mic the mic? Do you have there? It's all noisy. It's the stand. The the mic itself is a five hundred dollar mic. I know. Okay, that's why it's a Howard Stern setup right there. Yeah, it's I'm aware. It's an RE twenty. It's top of the line. Right. I don't know what RE20 is, but yeah. Hey, what's up, Steve? I got a quick question for you. Um, back when you were a uh, mechanic and stuff like that, and you guys would go to sand tracks, uh, I was wondering if you could give me any tips or whatever um, how to prevent sand just from getting you know everywhere and also after you wash it. Um, I've got two tracks here in Georgia that I go to that are pretty much just bottomless sand, and you know I'll pressure wash it and hit it with Simple Green and stuff like that, but you, after you start doing maintenance and stuff on it, you just find sand everywhere on it. And I don't know. It's probably not preventable, but I didn't know if there's any just little tricks and stuff like that that the average guy could do aside from, you know, disassembling the whole bike and taking it down the frame. But, um, yeah, if you can give me any uh, tips or whatever, that'd be awesome. Appreciate it. Well, I believe mainly take the tank and seat off and then, you know, cover your air box or your filter or whatever. But, um, most guys don't take their tank off, and that's 
you know, and then they go to work on it, and it's just falling yeah. everywhere, you know. So in sand, but like like he said, it's gonna be everywhere. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can also lean your bike over on a stand, like lean it over like with the grip on the stand, and, yeah, and get, get the underneath bottom. it, you yeah, know, sure. get all that. Yeah, um, it gets everywhere though. Yeah. I mean, think about how well good of a job you've done washing your bike after Southwick, and then you go to take it apart, and you're like, oh wait, I yeah. didn't do that good of a job. There's yeah, sand I mean, you can't. Yeah, especially yeah. on your axles, you know, yeah. you go to pull your axle out, and it's locked in there, but it's just because of the sand and the, the grease that you put brand new grease on. You know? Yeah, but uh, there's not a lot you can do. But like Steve said, lay it down and also pull the tank off. Hey, Jake from Michigan. Uh, just finished listening to the review with. Swiss Core Chaser and Steve. Uh, Swiss Core nailed it. That first rhythm section was the place to win the race all night. Vogel um, had everybody just hands down in there. It didn't matter who he was on, he would yard up just by hitting that. First of all, it's the first time ever anybody's ever said Swiss Core nailed it. That's for the record. It's the first time. You said that even before, after this weekend. Whatever. Well, you said it today. Earlier, I never said such a thing. I, I believe didn't didn't he say that? No, he's like what? killed it. Oh, he killed it. Okay, he kill it. Yeah. nailed it. Okay, mm. I just meant a bug. <laughs> I was talking about a bug. Look at her, dude. <laughs> That's why she married me. Like, like easily one of the dumbest jokes I've heard. All yes, night. she's dying right Absolutely now. Absolutely ridiculous. How do you come up? Like so a, a stupid joke, like ridiculous joke. <laughs> Not That's funny at all. You. Like a little snicker, maybe. No. And she's dying. So see, that's what I need in a relationship. Someone who's gonna laugh at my stupid yeah, shit. That no, comes that's out. why you get that. Someday, that's why bud. she's married to me. Yeah. I, this is, guy in the chat room says drunk Pook has returned, but she's not. I'm she's not. not even drunk. No, she's not at all. All right. Hitting that quad every lap going in, uh, and he was the only one in the two fifties that was doing it consistently. Uh, loose can. Savachi, Martin, everybody else literally bouncing off the tabletop uh, into the first jump after that, or at the second table, jumping into the jumping into the rhythm section, just bouncing off of stuff, trying to make it work. But, uh, yeah, Tomac was nailing the one at the end of the second rhythm every lap, and Bogo had him covered on that first one. So they were the Clearly the best riders on the track all night. Keep up the good work. Out. Mathis, no. Seven Mary 3 did not copy Creed. Seven Mary 3 was 92-93, the greatest era of modern alternative rock and roll. Creed did not start sucking up the airways until 95-96-97. Know your shit. Hold on a second. Know your shit, Steve. Creed didn't start sucking till 95. <laughs> Creed came out in 97. Hold on. I'm pretty sure. Came out of the closet? <laughs> See, she doesn't laugh at my stupid jokes. <laughs> she can give you a little bit. Mm. Yeah, okay. She, seven, 7 Mary 3 came out in 95. So, yeah, two years difference. My bad. All right. I would have thought opposite, like like you. Yeah. I would have thought Creed was before them. You can talk all the shit you want on Creed, and there's certainly some of it justifiable, but you cannot talk shit on uh, that song Higher. Or my own prison. Take me. Solid. I love. I, I like. Solid. It. I'm yeah. not. I'm not like uh, saying it's the best ever, but it's solid. I like, oh yeah. My I own like, prison. I like both bands. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's it. Yep. Right. Oh, shit. Seven zero two five eight six seven five seven. You can call in town. Leave a voicemail. 
Uh, hey, great, great show tonight, man. We went long. Um, that's what she said. She never said that. <laughs> Thought you'd be laughing. No? The look was the funny look that was you gave me that laugh. Laugh. Yeah. That owl just... But uh, <laughs> I just wanted to make a lame joke and make you laugh again. So, uh, uh, good show, Berlut. Thanks for sticking in, man. Yeah, I love it. Uh, appreciate it. We went, uh, it's freaking 11.30, bro. Longest show ever. Right Holy shit. It's close it to the longest one. Maybe not the ever, but it's close. But we had a lot to talk about tonight. Lots uh, l- let's face it. Right now in the Supercross series, not much is going on. No. So, nice to have Wyndham, Fro, uh, uh, Ryan Hughes, um, um Sean from uh, Cobra talk about rider safety. Jason Thomas, of course, uh, and uh, Sebastian Tortelli. I mean, come on. I think he's the guy reeks di- of class. Oh yeah, he's cool. But the dialogue that was started with the whole safety thing, I think, and Wyndham's gonna chase Look, it down. You know, dialogue is one thing. Let's see if anything happens. Yeah. But I, like I said, I I give these airwaves to somebody if they want to talk about it. And, Steve, and, you it's know, a great place to so, start it, though. Yeah, you know? absolutely. No, for sure. And Justin Brayton, of course, and uh, Swiss Corps. Thanks for your help, Moser. Thanks for those questions, Moser. Those are. Spot on. They weren't that creepy this week. No. They were, no, no. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, you handled it. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week. Pulp and Mexico presented by BTOsports.com and Fly Racing. Pookie, thank you. Welcome. Good banana bread. Mm. Thanks. Strong. Thanks, Pookie. Yeah. Mm. Killing work. it. Uh, and There's that, also a grilled cheese waiting for you downstairs right now. Mm. Well, don't say that in front of these two guys. <laughs> Well, maybe they have something waiting for them at home. Oh, at home. Maybe. Damn it. I ain't got shit at home. <laughs> I, I, I guarantee you Gibbs has nothing. Aw. Poor Gibbs. Um, I got a mouse hiding around. I may get, I may catch that one up, cook something. I can't it. wait to, for everybody to tell me how shitty this show was uh, on uh, on email and tweets. So it'll be great. They hate us because they ain't us. Uh, Gibbs, thank you. Appreciate Always it. Pleasure. Uh, and we'll be back next week with more uh, shows and laughs and giggles. Uh, we'll get Kiefer's adventures from uh, St. Louis and much more. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you in seven days. There's something I want to get off my chest. And it's about that summer. When you went away to community college, I got an offer to do Playgirl magazine, and I did it. I did a full spread for Playgirl magazine. I, I mean spread, man. I pulled my butt apart and stuff, and I was totally nude, and it was weird. I, I mean, you probably didn't hear about it because I went under the name of Mike Concho, but I just wanted you to know that. If you could hear me, if it got into your brain somehow that I spread my butt cheeks as Mike Honcho.